evening, everyone, and welcome to Garage Hammer, episode 41. And tonight's episode, Vampire Counts. So without any further ado, here are your hosts, David Whitetech and Christopher Barnett. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Garage Hammer. This one numbered 41. One more than 40. We are here. My name is Christopher Barnett. And I'm Skip Stevenson. Back from the dead. And ready for the vampire counts. Yes, yes. You know, I read the new vampire count book and all I can do is sing the song from like the haunted mansion at Disneyland. When the cryptos creak and the tombstones quake, spooks come out for screaming way. Happy haunts materialize and begin to vocalize. Grinning, grinning ghosts come out to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide, or a silly spook may sit by your side, shrouded in a daft disguise. They pretend to terrorize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. That's all I can hear. Just really? A, just a whole bunch of spooky. More descension. <laughs> Wow, I you know I go to Disney quite often, and I just never think just of that. Next song. time you go there, ooh, the coven throne of doom. <laughs> well, Christopher Barnett, today's almost immediate stupid uh, moment brought to you by me, and here we are, Dave Whitech, Christopher Barnett, episode forty-one, talking about vampire counts. Yeah, but before we get too far into it, Dave, I should take just a moment to thank our sponsors who make this show possible. Uh, we'd like to thank Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois, Unseen Lurker, the tabletop wargaming magazine, Game Preserve Stores located throughout Indiana, Urza's Den, custom painting and sculpting, Battle Foam, protecting your army, army. and our newest sponsor, Weird World's Terrain. What's your world? As always, you can find links and information for all of our sponsors. Maybe I should call it a little thing for each, all six of them. I'll have to come up with that for next time. Sure. The, so we got the army and the woo Take us a half hour. Oh. <laughs> I guess that's not a good plan. Probably though. not. I mean, go ahead if you want to, but my recommendation Ooh. is do it off the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Shayhole. Captain Jackhole. There you we can, go. You can find links and information for all of our sponsors, both in the show notes and also on our website, garagehammer.net. Garagehammer.net. All right, so before we get into the news and rumors, of course, we do have one shout-out. Yes, we do. Uh, so for folks who have not uh, been listening long, shout-outs are a good chance for you to donate to the show to add to our uh, to our meager <laughs> yeah. financial outlook and also to uh, to get a message out there. So in this case, I actually have one of from all people of my own brother, David. And, uh, Yay. Hi, David. David is doing well. He's out in uh, – he's kind of a renaissance man. He's a uh, – Philosophy major. He's a war veteran. He's a BS artist. He is a total BS artist. <laughs> <laughs> he's a little bit of everything, but he's like philosopher, writer, movie maker, veteran. He's kind of done it all. And uh, right now, he's got a little shout I'd like me to read here. My brother David released an animated short last year called Mates, and it was awesome and funny. He describes it as Philip K. Dick meets South Park with zombies. 
what you likely don't know is that he's developing the concept into a full-fledged show. To get the pilot episode funded, he's created a project page on Kickstarter.com. Yeah. Now, for those of you who don't know, Kickstarter is a place where people with creative projects can solicit donations from the Internet. The skinny of it is that David has 60 days to raise his budget. If the project doesn't get fully funded in the 60-day window, then nobody who pledged gets charged. The project doesn't make any money, and uh, mates never gets made. So, in short, he's asking for your financial support in making a full-on episode of Mates a reality. We live in a world where there are thousands of programs, but scant few worth watching, and that's why this is so important. Mates is clever, funny, and most importantly, it is unique. If you're tired of the same old crap on TV and want something better, then this is your chance to make it happen. Donations can be as little as $1, and depending on how much you give, your generosity will be rewarded with limited edition mate swag, including the opportunity to be included in the episode you helped create. So go to the Mates Project page on kickstarter.com, M-A-T-E-S, Mates, as in your roommate, uh, or David's page at noirfilms.net, N-O-I-R, for those who don't know French, noirfilms.net, to find out how you, yes, you, can be a midwife to awesome, awesome, awesome. (laughs) <laughs> thank you for that all right so, oh criminy okay. so i've i don't know you should actually go go uh go check out his page noirfilms.net he's yeah. got he's got his uh little short mates it's actually really damn funny no it is it's good so <clears throat> should we get to the news and rumors section okay we'll be right back with news and rumors all right is your name a killing word Is your mother a hamster and your father smells of elderberries? Did it turn out that those were the droids you were looking for? If you know what I'm talking about, chances are you're a gamer. What better place to get your game on than the Game Preserve? The Game Preserve specializes in analog games of all types, like board games, family games, chess sets and jigsaw puzzles, and especially hobby games. They carry the complete GW line as well as Magic the Gathering, D&D, and Heroclix. They have gaming space for tournaments, game nights, and demo games just about any night of the week. So stop shopping at the Jerk Store and be one of the gaming elite. And visit the Game Preserve with four Indiana locations to choose from. Two in Indianapolis, one in Bloomington, and one in the gaming capital of the universe, Lafayette, Indiana. Visit them at GamePreserveStores.com or call 765-448-4200. Game Preserve. If you're not shopping here, the only winning move is not to play. We're back. All right. I think I'm just going to do that for every title. We're back. Yeah, that sounds great. Isn't that, <laughs> shock them back. <laughs> hey! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> so news and rumors. News and rumors. Uh, okay. Uh, for all well, news, VC is out, and we will be talking about that later. And so is a myriad of awesome projects. Uh, oh, yeah. Prob, 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 what's the word? Stuff. <laughs> stuff and things. A whole bunch of stuff came out and it's good. Yeah, we likes it. Yep. That's it. That's the show. Thank you. And we like the VC. Thank we like you. the new stuff. Good night. Hello, Cleveland. Hello. Rock over London. <laughs> okay, so Forge World has uh, put out a few things. Yeah, they've been kind of busy, haven't they? Yeah. So, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the FAQ or do you want to start with the new miniatures? Uh, let's go with the minis. Yeah. So, like the Femir, like the, the whichever. Okay, well, I'm looking. I'm good. Let's do the Femir. Okay. Now, the Femir, like, I wasn't playing when they came out, but you kind of explained to me that they are, like, probably the sickest idea ever to come out of miniature wargaming. Well, they're based off of something real, I guess, I, from what I understand. And, and if 
I believe they're out of some sort of Irish or Scottish mythology, and maybe okay. folks in the UK can uh, correct us on this because <laughs> I'm certain they will if we're wrong. I'm sh- I hope they do. Uh, chime in. You can chime in on our forums, or you can chime in at uh, GrashhammerLive.com. Uh-huh. I believe it comes out of you know true mythology, whatever whatever mythology. Oh, as opposed to that fake mythology. Fake mythology. Stuff? Well, you know. Like, <laughs> Old historical documentation of the Femir, but they're Dying. don't die. Live That's instead. Not a good choose pain. life, Dave. I do choose life. Choose life. Jitterbug. <laughs> you're, you're sorry. You're about to sing Wham, aren't no, you? No, I'm not going to sing Wham. I refuse to do 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 no. do. <laughs> oh I don't even God. know the lyrics. That's we, the sad we might part. Might as well just yeah. Now, now we are going to have Gareth on. Do, 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 do. Gareth Parfit. Yeah. From Bad Dice? Well, he does musical theater. If we're going to sing Wham, that's about as close as to musical theater as we've got. Let's get him and Mark on. Sure. There you go. All right. So, um, Famir, what is the... So, what is they? They is... uh, (laughs) They They be. They be. In game terms, they're monstrous infantry. They have scaly skin. They're single eye, big mace tail. I don't really know what they're supposed to be. Lizard guys... Pretty horrible. Um, Living swamps. Me, though, that they had like a weird background in the old game that was just like something. Yeah, it's it's not PG. Basically, they reproduce by capturing females and of other races. Yeah, and just it's pretty yeah. pr- pretty gross. So that's I think I think that was originally the reason why they sort of disappeared off the face of Warhammer. Okay, maybe they thought, whoa, hot potato, drop this. This yes. is too much. <laughs> there you go. In the same sort of way as, do you suppose people might be offended if we make a pygmy race? Yeah, they might. G Dub. I actually have one of the. Uh, I, I bought a bunch of old white dwarfs on eBay. Yeah. Like I got like ten or twenty of them for like, you know, fifteen bucks. Yeah, there are some miniatures where you don't ask questions why they disappear. Like, I was flipping I think through. I know. And they did. They had these little pygmies, and they looked like those little racist cartoons from they're the forties. They're pretty with rough. Pot bellies and yeah. the big feet and stuff. I was like, oh my god, what the hell is this? Those were the pygmy races. Well, the oh. Femir were another one that disappeared, but these guys look pretty cool. Yeah, they, I mean, they look like neat models. The the stats are interesting too. They're Monstrous infantry. They've they're t- the toughness five. They look like they're actually they've got a tail attack just on top uh-huh. of whatever else they have. They look pretty cool. They have scaly skin five, and mixed with their heavy armor, that gives them a four up armor. Save. Yeah, that's what it says on their on their rules. <laughs> uh, huh? Uh, five four, plus two four, should be a three. Yeah, I four, thought. Forge Forge World, your uh, your numbers are a little off there. So, oh, their numbers have always been a little off. Eight hundred dollars for uh, eight hundred American dollars for a Titan, but I will yeah. <laughs> Harrison has been But they're me. cool. I'd like a Titan for my birthday. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'd like a Pegasus. It's not going to happen. <laughs> we all have dreams. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they look pretty cool, and the models are really nice. So Yeah, no, the models are pretty cool. So, you know, I, I don't know. I liked them. I gave them a thumbs up. I'm assuming that they're going to be in that new the Monstrous, Monstrous Arcana, Arcana which mm-hmm. is going to be stuff you could take for... Little Storm of Magic, apparently. Sounds like it. Yeah, well, the Femir are in the uh, Storm of Magic yes, now, so this yeah. is, I guess, an addendum to it. So sounds like and you now we take... got models for them. Yeah, no, oh, they look terrific. Yeah, uh, the Wolf Rats are. I'm assuming that's just for Skaven, but maybe it's for everybody. Well, there's everybody. Yeah, it says they're Skaven Wolf Rats. Now, I looked at the models. I like them, but they basically look like wolf bodies with plague monk heads on them. To me. At least to me now, the the feet are more rat like and the tails are more rat like. I guess I haven't looked at them closely enough. I looked at them. I mean, it's 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 kind of a wolfish body, you know, with a lot of skin patches where the furs come off. And then at first I thought it was just a wolf body. I looked closer. It's got a rat tail. Mm-hmm. It's got r- more like more rat like feet than than the than a wolf's paws. But the head almost looks like they just had a, kind of a large plague monk head. 
knocked down to the front of the oh. of the body. I'm not saying I don't like them, but when I first looked at them, I'm like, that's a wolf body with a plague monk head stuck to it. I could make one of those myself. From so, what are the first Forge World models that makes you kind of do a double take a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I had to, I literally, I mean, a lot of times I look at them like, oh, that's awesome. This one, I actually went to that little side screen with all the little pictures mm-hmm. and started clicking on all of them and expanding them, going, no, I couldn't see this right, because this looks, because my first take at them was like, these look Dope. What? Not so good. Huh? And then I looked up close. I'm like, oh wait, no, I these are these are pretty cool. But my initial reaction was that looks like a wolf body with a plate monk head on it. So I was, I was kind of tempted to actually consider these for. I've got some hob, old hobgoblins. Uh-huh. And they go on the back of wolves, but I lost some of the wolves. I was thinking it might be fun to replace them with these. Oh, just as yeah. sort of a change, a change up. Well, one of the things that I do like that Storm of Magic did introduce, and I kind of I have to say I approve is. The idea that like monstrous beasts, uh, monsters in general, whatever you know, the, the different all sorts of weird mutant things, the different add-ons, you mm-hmm. can actually tack on additional points, options that would be natural for these guys. I mean, obviously they can't take shields or what have you, but right. you know, uh, poisoned attacks, things like that, right. that you can add on. I love that. That's that's really fun. No, it is cool. Uh, uh, outside of that, and uh, they put these other models out. Oh yeah, now they uh, the the. Sorcerer Prophet, the, let me see, what do they call it? Infernal Castellan, and then the Demonsmith models. Yeah. They look, I might be biased. Awesome. They are, no, they're, <laughs> they were, I I was, I'm kind of jealous. I got to be honest. Though, so start playing I mean, Cast Dwarves, man. We could always use more. Uh, welcome to the fold. We're I, inclusive. We're not exclusive. Cast we, Dwarves, we, welcome you. Before we started recording, we had this whole discussion. I have all these projects, and I'm I'm actually getting to the point where I'm starting to grow up a little bit and realize I need to stick with a project. And you as know much what? as I'd love to do Cast Dwarves, one more army, and that I army could use Dave. about four more armies, <laughs> and then I'll have them all. Well, okay. What do I still need? I've got some demons. I've got some beast men. I just basically need the Bretts, the Dark Elves, all the ones I have. The Chaos Dwarves, all the, the Tomb Kings. All the ones in my house. Yeah. And right now I've got... Oh, an, the Lizard Men. I've got them in my house. Mm-hmm. I've got a practically a complete Lizard Men army. They're just not put so together. I think, yeah, I've got like nine or ten. Yeah, if you don't, yeah so I have, six, or I have nine or ten. And so I've currently got an Empire army in my house. Oh, that's true. You need to tell Tom because someone posted on our forum that uh, they're looking to buy some Empire stuff. I keep reminding him. I don't know if he's in the mood to... I'm just going to take yeah, it one of these That's the army days. that I just... Yeah, that's one of those armies I don't need to bother it's, with. Now that it's in the house, Empire I want to try them out. Yeah, forget him. No, no, I'm just. I want. I want to be able to fire a real, genuine cannon. Yeah, I'm just. I've trying never to had an army with a real cannon. That's true. But, but I looked at those chaos dwarfs, man, and it's like I, I love my dwarfs, but I've, I've started now that these last few armies have been released. The dynamic poses, the amount of detail. I keep looking at my dwarfs, going, "Well, let yeah. it, get it, let it build up your excitement for the inevitable." re-release of the Dwarven book. You know it's coming. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be spectacular. You know and it I will hope, be. Yeah, and the models will be good, too, I'm, I'm certain. But, man, the face, just the facial expressions yeah. on those Chaos Dwarfs is just stupid amounts of good. And it doesn't get any worse when you actually hold those models. No. I've seen them. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I've seen everything you've got. I was had it in my house yeah. for weeks. Yeah. And I just kept looking at them going, God bless it. They I look got, awesome. I got to say, I mean, um, it can't be my day forever, but man, am I glad that the cast dwarves are, are finally getting the attention they deserve. And no, so, they're really cool. And it's so funny because there's so many people jumping on the cast dwarf wagon at great, this point. Great. Bring I think it's on. awesome. Bring I think it's on. awesome. More the merrier. You know, because it's not like there was a bunch of people playing it. And now there's a bunch more just jumping on because they got a new book. There was nobody playing it. And I mean, not, you know, not nobody, but pretty well, much nobody playing it. A very vocal minority. So I just I think it's awesome. So did you want to hit the FAQ stuff since we got it? Let's do it briefly. Yeah, I mean, 
uh, they for didn't those, answer the questions you had, but they answered they some answered others. Some of them. They answered it. So Forge World did put out an FAQ for Tamarcon, uh-huh. and um, they wanted to clarify a couple of things that, first of all, a couple of things that I wouldn't have thought. Mm-hmm. First of all, the the Hell Cannon is legal in the Legion of Asgore Army, as right. it's called, and, it, and it's considered a monster with right. handlers. Yet a Demon Smith is allowed to re-roll a War Machine's artillery or scatter dice, right. one, one of the two. But they've decided to allow the Demon Smith to re-roll the Hell Cannon as well. See, it, that made sense to me, and I know... It's you, fine, but it's not It's not what I expected them to do because it's not technically Technically, it's not a, a War Machine, like you said, but I was looking at it as these are the Demon Smiths build... The demon engines, as well as the regular war machines. Oh, thematically, it makes perfect. So it sense. makes perfect sense. Right. It's, I, just, I, it's not the direction I thought they would go. Right. No, I, I get you. I, I went along with that. I do have one complaint about this FAQ before we get into too far into the, the meat of it. Can't find it. You can't find. If someone had not posted a link on Twitter mm-hmm. that I was able to click on a file, I actually took the actual link, typed it into my. Typed the URL into my and went there and I couldn't get to the page and I went I, all over for I looked through the entire it. site map and I can't find it. I, I don't know technically where this is. So. I don't either. I just know there was a link and I saved it on my darn computer. That's what I was. That's annoying. Yes, it would be nice because especially since there is an actual place where you're supposed to look for it. Yeah, but. because they had FAQs for other stuff, just not this. I was like, are you kidding me? But I'm done complaining. <laughs> But uh, a couple of other things that they corrected. The Infernal Iron Sworn, their command prices were wrong. I think they were 5, 5, and 10, and it really should be 10, 10, and 12 for okay. the cost of those things. They also clarified that, uh, and this is um, something that's nice that they clarified. It was read as written, and they're just making sure that people know that uh, the, the Kadai Destroyer, right. anything with a blazing body, it says it's minus one to wound them if they are not magic weapons. And the question was, well, can you still wound them on a six? Well, no, based on that FAQ for the main rule book, no, you can't. So if your strength is four or less, and you're trying to wound something that's toughness six, and it's not magic, then you auto-fail to wound. Well, and that makes sense, because if you... With the, you know, with the hit rolls, a one is always a failure, and a six is always a hit, but on the to-wound rolls, they made the ruling with the... It was what the. Um, it? the, with the it's basically the lore of fire, uh, the the it, flaming it, sword of if ruin. You can, yeah, if you can move it down to a one, it's an auto hit. That's right. So if you can move it over a six, it's an By auto fail. That's right. So it does mean that the Kadai Destroyer is, um, it's a game changer. If if you expect to see chaos dwarves, you have to deal. Think about how am I going to deal with? Did you pick up a Balrog yet? I'm about this close. Man. I might have one. Do you really? I think I bought one. Maybe we'll have to do a little swaparoni. I think I honestly think I, I I have to look through that. Remind me after the show. I know I have some Lord of the Rings stuff, and I it's either that or I got Treebeard somewhere. One of the two. Well, I was also discussing with Andrew Sherman from Ohio Hammer and our friend uh, Aaron Schmidt. And where were you doing those discussions from with Ohio Hammer? Electronic media. Christopher's on Twitter, folks at Topher Sinister, and you that one day when we were tweeting back and forth about this Forge World FAQ, I, I found a way to be able to do it at work, and I get so bored waiting for my next thing to. I noticed because like, how are you tweeting? You're like, uh, I'm at work, big work computer. I'm like, you can tweet from work. I can, I can, and I tell you what, I have a lot to work to do, but there are there are moments of pause in between one report and the next. I am not going to gloat. I am just proud of you. I'm glad you have joined the 2000s and joined Twitter because you have to admit it's kind of fun. It's interesting. It's kind of cool because there's a group that if you just if you're following that same group and you're all following each other, there is a whole Twitter, uh, you know, Warhammer community out there of just I'm still stuff learning how on. things work. It took me a while to realize people were messaging me and I didn't know it until I <laughs> finally clicked on that at and then my name. 
Yeah. And uh, I didn't understand at first what that what the pound sign thing was. That little hashtag, yeah. Yeah, just it's a hash. It's like a link, yeah. Yeah, that was the one that I got. I annoyed Andrew because we were arguing back and forth about ballistic skill, and I put hashtag Andrew still doesn't get it. <laughs> He's like, you open a hashtag, I don't get it, you son of a. That's that's a way to make friends. <laughs> <laughs> Would you put orquas orquas pew 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 or something like that? <laughs> I was, I was teasing 40K. Yeah, yep. sure. Okay, so what else is on this FAQ? <laughs> uh, but so other than that, what was the other big one change? So there's a spell called Breath of Hatred, and uh, I believe the exact wording of the spell is uh, the target or targets are subject to hatred for the length of the spell. It remains in play. Right. Now, hatred, for people who know it from the b- rule book, it simply says that hatred, when you have it, you get to re-roll misses on the first round of combat. Right. The question became, what happens if you cast it in the second round of combat? Rita's written, the answer would be none. <laughs> you wait till you get into another combat. However, they decided that wasn't good enough. And so they said, oh, you know what? Okay, it's hatred. But if you also happen to cast it in the second round of combat, then the or spell... Or third or whenever, or whenever, whenever you cast the it. The moment you cast it is the considered the first turn for the sake of that spell. Yeah. So it's they're kind of redoing it. I mean, that's not Rita's it, written, it but it's... It made sense to me because honestly, and we had this whole discussion... I think you and I disagree on the effectivity of that spell. Mm-hmm. I think that the way Reed is written, there's still a power behind casting it preemptively. But because it remains in play and it forces you either to deal with hatred or to spend some of your dispel. Either way, it's kind but of what a I'm win. saying is once if one, but here's my whole point is once you get, you know, it, once you're locked in combat and all your units are kind of all together in combat, suddenly the spell becomes well useless. Useless. But I mean the thing is and so I just hatred, honestly, hatred is useless past the first round. I mean dark elves know hatred doesn't mean anything unless you're fighting high elves. Well true, but I'm just saying for well, a I mean, spell for them, the first round. for them to make a spell that's oh you know you've only got so many spells in your spell deck and mm-hmm. to make a spell that gives you hatred I was like, it should. I, I, I just, I felt it should be at least to be able to oh, be used not, to turn. I'm sp- not upset about it. I think it's terrific. It makes it better. It does it's, make it better. Oh, it makes it great. Yeah. I just, uh, I've had so many good things happen to the Chaos Dwarf army <laughs> recently. I don't want it to be over the top and have people say these guys are broken. This is stupid. Well, I don't. You know what, like Jimmy I, Stewart? I've, I have no problem. Let him say it's broken. You know, let actually, it be, yeah, screw you, people. Let it, let it's it broken. Be I'm taking it. <laughs> Chaos Dwarfs came in on our rating of the sixteen or no, of the seventeen Second armies, which include bottom, Dogs of yeah. War. It or was third like, from the bottom. Yeah, it was like some. It was either fifteen or sixteen or seventeen. Chaos Dwarfs, Tomb Kings, Dogs of War. Yeah. Yeah, and then when Tomb Kings got a new book before Tamar. It went to 16 right. out of 17. So let's, I mean, you know, if, if, oh, suddenly it's too good. You need some comp. Good. Good, because I'm tired of being at the damn bottom I'll, I'll of take the it. damn list. I'll take it. I'll take it. Now, they didn't address everything. Um, they didn't address, there's an odd, there's an odd phrasing in the, I think the Iron Demon, for example, it says, uh, it's the Iron Cannonade are these two cannons, and it mm-hmm. says it can move without penalty while doing its special movement. So the question is, is that only for movement? But you know, can fire without penalty? Does that imply I don't fire with any penalties, or just with the movement penalty? And okay. with the and with the bull centaurs, the whole spear thing, do they get a plus one on the strength when they charge? What's the deal? You know, yeah, the but, bull centaurs need some clarification because that doesn't. Yeah, but for the most part, it's a great step in the right direction. I really appreciate the effort they've uh, put into an FAQ. It's and nice it to have out, it. Here's the thing: it came out quick. Yeah. They didn't wait six months to put it out. They realized, hey, we need something. Here it is. And it sounds like they're collaborating with Chaos Dwarfs Online. So if you're not familiar and if you are a Chaos Dwarf enthusiast, don't forget that there's a forum called Chaos Dwarf Online. Absolutely. Sounds like that's the place to go check it out. Um, I think I actually was a member of that thing. I, I haven't been on it in a long time. Okay. I'll have to check. 
But, yeah, so great. They finally did it. Uh, other news. Well, my friend Greg Dan, who writes for Unseen Lurker, yes. who's coming out here to go to Gen Con with us. Um, well, today, what's today's date? 23rd. Right. Today is the 23rd of uh, January's recording. It's his birthday. Oh, happy birthday. So happy birthday to Greg. He's 31 today. Youngster. He's but only 31. He turned 31 today. So he's almost a decade younger you than young us. Pup. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to say happy birthday to him. Um, we do have we have a little bit of news of our own. Um, Daniel has been working on this for like a month. I talked to him about it a while ago, and then he had finals and all this stuff, and so we didn't actually get it finalized and announced. But we have voicemail. Sweet. The show has voicemail, yep. Yep. which eventually, once I get this all figured out, is going to be hooked up so we could just play the, sh- the voicemail right on the show. Dave, why don't you give him that number to call? Uh, it is area code 757-GH-SHOW-6. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't get GH-SHOW-1, uh, and we couldn't get G-HAMMER, um, but um, we got it's area code 757-GH-SHOW-6. Which I remember is GHO, and then that's six letters. So it's like a 747, but it's bigger. A 757. Yeah. That's right. But, uh, GHO so, show six. Well, what's cool about this is I'm excited because now when people, you know, if they do a donation and they have a shout out, if you want to do your own shout out, you can leave it on the voicemail and we can just play your own personalized shout out. Which you know, family like, show, family show. Well, yes, if it's well, I mean, but here's the thing: if you send us a completely inappropriate one, I wouldn't read it either. I'm not right. going to play it, you know. But now, Lizardman Jeff can call in his uh, Circle City Circuit awesome updates and stuff. So I'm I'm all excited about the voicemail. Call in, leave us a voicemail. Feel free to call in and leave us whatever you want. If it's clever, it might make it on the show. If it's obscene, it might make might us make laugh, it, but it won't make it on the show. <laughs> it might make it censored on the show. Yeah, because all I need is some more of those weird Johnny Hastings, Kaz. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, we could use more of that, couldn't yeah, we? Yeah, I suppose some more. Uh, let's see, what other than that? Um, let's see, other than that, for the news stuff? and rumors, I don't think we have much more on the radar at that. after that. There is a new Blood Bowl podcast on the block. Another one? Oh, yeah. Yes, it's called Both Down. I believe they're from... Uh, like Nebraska or something like that. Oh, no kidding. Um, they had episode two just released. They have episode zero, one, and two, but it's the third Blood Bowl podcast if you don't count. Well, I mean, ZTZ is now part of Zlurpcast, right, which was right. Tackle Zone. But, so there's the Zlurpcast slash ZTZ. There's Three Die Block, and now there's both down. It is, it is it rate, they rated themselves explicit. Okay. Um, so I, I listened to it, and I will not let Harrison listen to it. He'll still have to stick with Three Die Block. But it was, it was a it was a fun show. So uh, I've actually been lax. I need to get back into listening to the program. Yeah. Um, oh, so I, I did want to put one other thanks out since we're in this sort of this is the the time when we do that. Uh, and Andrew and the crew over at Ohio Hammer, mm-hmm. like the last three or four episodes, I think it was the last three episodes. Andrew has mentioned at least. A handful of times each episode that if anyone wants anything to know anything about Tamarcon, listen to episode 37 and 38 of our show. Mm-hmm. And I just want, you know, I mean, seriously, thanks. I mean, that's that's really nice that he's constantly referring people to come and listen to the episodes of our show. I thought it was really nice of him. Uh, so I did want to say thank you. They have done their last three episodes have been his Empire review. 
And um, I know you might. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the last one yet. I haven't completely. I've been unfortunately having a lot of meetings right. at work, so that's usually when I listen to my podcast. So <laughs> yeah. I haven't been at my desk to do it. Well, um, they did the Empire stuff from Tamarcon in their last episode. Oh, cool! So like, uh, and, uh, Leopold the Black and right. uh, Elspeth. Well, he did say that uh, you know if you want to hear a good Tamarcon coverage, listen to. But then he corrected a couple of thi- a couple of mistakes we made, and I wanted to. Thank him for his corrections. Who us? Mistakes? Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, so I just... Now, here's the thing. He kept saying... He, he mentioned these mistakes several times. And then he mentioned that... I was just going to let it slide. Well, uh, he did say he was stoking the fire with his corrections, as I'm making air quotes here. His first correction... You better be careful, because Andy's going to start the replace uh, David Whitek in 2012 oh, campaign. Oh, no. Uh, no, I like Andy. And I listen to the show. I, I promote it, you know, but... Uh, his first correction was that uh, we said that Chaos Dwarfs had the best artillery in the game. Or well, you said do. Chaos Dwarfs, and I said Dwarves and Chaos Dwarfs, Dwarves in general. And he wanted to correct us that Empire obviously had the best uh, I, th- I thought the Empire guys were the ones with the buck teeth and like they're sort of backwards and they don't really get what's well, going on. And here, here they just was, sort of guess at how much powder to put in their cannons. Well, this uh, their was what cannons. I loved. This was his, this was his justification Firing of the Empire. Firing out like little sparks and matchsticks at the cast board. Here's his justification of why the Empire obviously has better artillery. Obviously, yeah. Because Good. during the Siege of Nuln, yeah. the Empire artillery wiped out the... Most of, if not all, most of the Chaos Dwarf artillery. So we had to drag our asses about a thousand, you know, plus but miles. We, we, and the artillery, it specifically, I went back and looked at Tamarcon, it specifically states Chaos Dwarf artillery is designed mostly for siege yes. stuff. Yes. Um, in fact, in game terms, it only gets to fire every other turn fewer because it's. cannons and more mortar. Yeah. Yes. Larger, heavier equipment. It loads much slower, fires much slower. It's, well, it's also why everything fires in an arc because right. we need to. To get over, and I believe if you read the book, it says every single of the Chaos Dwarf shots took out Empire artillery. Empire artillery missed a bunch, and then once they got their aim, they were hitting. However, let's also remember that Nuln was the place where they have more artillery than anywhere in the Empire. They outnumbered the Chaos Dwarf artillery like ten to one, and even with the Chaos Dwarfs hitting. Empire artillery, every single shot, which would imply that their artillery is more accurate and better. Are, are you doing this because I haven't been picking on Cranky enough? We need a new rivalry? No, 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 no. But, you know, here, I was going to let this slide, but Andy it literally said he was stoking the fire with this because he kept saying it. So I just wanted to point out, he corrected us, and so I just wanted to let him know why his correction is a mistake. So do you suppose that, like, Andy's army, like the the little troopers, they all go, dirt, 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 No, see, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to make fun of his empire. Harrison, you're going to go to bed if you say one more thing. Um, but I just want to point out, his second point was that we had said how Tamarcon had almost wiped out, well, not just the Empire, but just about everything. It was this huge incursion, massive destruction. And he pointed out, this is just a footnote in the history of the Empire. It's just a footnote. It's not a big incursion. It's not a big. They never sacked Null. It wasn't a big deal. And I will say he is... Half right on that one. Well, Tamarcon was a daylight and a dollar short. He didn't actually do what he set out to do. But True. But he was all of 12 minutes away from becoming a demigod and wiping out everyone and everything. I mean, that was what was happening. The Gwarp Gate was opening. Chaos Demons were pouring through. Here's the thing, and this is what I, what I, what I got from it. Once again, if you read carefully. Oh. Oh, see, oh, I see what you're doing here. You're suggesting that maybe... 
I'm not suggesting anything. Okay. I'm just saying, if you read carefully, if you open the book of Tamarcon and read the very first thing, it's a letter from a witch hunter who found the story of Tamarcon among one of these chaos worshippers' belongings, sent it to the Inquisition or whatever you call them in, in Warhammer Fantasy time. Uh, to look at this saying, oh my goodness, if this is real, this is something we never realized. So, yes, it is possible that in official Empire history, Tamarcon is a footnote. But that's because much like much of the stuff that happens, they didn't get it. They didn't realize the extreme... Da- yes, this was an attack for another chaos attack that was foiled. In their official history, it's just another chaos attack that was foiled. Elsbeth, uh, what's her name? The the one on the dragon? Didn't she gave him that? She gave uh, what's his name? That the talisman, knowing. I mean, she knew she was Bruck, going to uh, die. Bruckner. Yeah. She gave Bruckner a talisman, knowing that if that tal- she knew Bruckner, she knew that if they didn't stop Tamarcon then and there, he was going to become a demigod and wipe out everything. This wasn't a foot. I mean, yes, it's a footnote in Empire history, absolutely. But that's because they didn't. So was get it, it then uh, an addendum? No, it was just sort they, of a bibliography, a pamphlet. I think the people who read the Tamarcon stuff, the witch hunters, they came to realize after reading it how how they came minutes away from total destruction. Um, but yes, it is just a footnote in the official Empire history because just like most of the Empire has doesn't believe that there are Skaven, that Skaven exist. Hmm. They have no idea that this Tamarcon invasion was so deadly and dangerous. You're a coward because you're doing all this, and I'm the one who has to see him this weekend. I'm the one who's going to get my ear bent by it. This won't come out until... Oh, good point. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> this is actually due out Wednesday. So I'm going to have a good time. weekend. We're going to hang out and have a good no, time. Actually and I'll tell him right before I leave. I didn't. Uh, I w- this wasn't me at all. This is white. Oh no! And I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I'm honestly not trying to be a jerk about it. But he kept saying he was stoking the fire. I was just going to let it slide. But he obviously wants us to comment on it because otherwise, what what fire stoking is going on? Other than you know, are there any other podcasts that you'd like to pick on? <laughs> I'm not picking on them. <laughs> and another thing, Johnny Hastings. <laughs> no. <Yeah>. No. <laughs> and another thing. Listen up, Raj. Okay, fine. No, those guys are What do you great. want me to edit all that out? I just, you know, he threw out the challenge. No, no. Know. No. Seriously, honestly, I love Ohio Hammer. I like those guys. I like, I mean, they're fun to listen to. I, in fact, it's really bizarre, but on Twitter, three times in the last two weeks, Andrew and I have agreed 100% on something. Uh-oh. Three times. Well, it is 2012. That well, that's the end of the world, right? Well, it's, I don't know, but that's the trifecta. Third time, I mean, we agreed three times. We probably won't agree again for another year and a half, but... How about a little fire, Black Sun? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have Chris Tomlin on, by the way, because he said, wait a minute, another... A podcaster who uses executioners and does this, that, and the other? Are lo- you me? And I, I love said, executioners. That's right. So he asked if you were possibly him. I said, no, he doesn't drink and his... No, we're the same person. Yeah. Well, I said I said he should come on and debate whether or not you're, you are you are each other. Maybe we should switch. There you go. That would be great. Like an ex- exchange program. And I'll switch with Kaz. There we go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, he can rap better than I can. I listened to the last episode. He did the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And, and it's, this is for Dave Whitek and rapped out. And it sounded so much better than mine because I'm way too white. So we're going to get together. We're going to get together and do another uh, Will Smith rap, the two of us, together over the Skype. He and you. Yes. That's going to be awesome. Will it? Uh, No. (laughs) Wesley Will it. (laughs) Wesley Will is fiasco. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, let's uh, come right back with the garage manager section. Sounds like a plan. 
Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm. It doesn't separate from the base. They custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. You've heard him on the show. You've seen his work on our website. He's Brian Steele, owner of Urza's Den. That's right, folks, Urza'sDen.com. Custom modeling, sculpting, and painting. You got a model you don't want to paint? Send it to Brian. You got an army you don't want to paint? Send it to Brian. You can't come up with an idea for a conversion? Give his ideas a try. Heck, you got an army list with models they don't even make? Brian's the man. Give him a call. Check him out at Urza'sDen.com. You won't be sorry. And we are back. back. (laughs) Hey! (laughs) For those of you with headsets, I'm very sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, I got a head rush from coughing like that. That's kind of cool. Stop coughing. My lips feel tingly and everything's fuzzy. (laughs) What are you, you, doped? I'm just coughing so hard I got a head rush. Sweet. Keep coughing, man. Yeah. Yeah. I can smell colors. Breaking my ribs. All right, Breaking the garage manager section. Chaos Orc Superstore. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War. Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you. Because at Chaos Org Superstore, what you see is what you get. Chaos Org Superstore. All right, and this is the Garage Manager section from Chaos Org Superstore. So... I don't have to do that anymore. No, no, you have a commercial that does You heard it. Yes, I heard it. You've got to admit, that was pretty good. Me and Harrison doing the things and then overlapping it. Yeah, you're okay. It was the best thing you've ever done, Dave. Oh, stop. <laughs> you're a jerk. <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, modeling. Modeling, gaming, and reading. Yeah, so I'm going to go first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've actually been busy. Uh, not a lot of painting, but a ton of assembly. Okay. So now that I, I thought I was completely done with Dwarves of Chaos, but thanks to Wapaka, I've got one more list I had to do. But after this, I'm trying to get those new models put together. So I have effectively put together the Iron Demon. On a lot of these models, they're complex enough where I'm afraid to glue everything because I want to try and get paint in between. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but the Iron Demon is effectively done. Looks terrific. Uh, what else did I finish? The Bale Taurus is done. The Giant is done. The Dreadquake is effectively done. There are a few other things I might be able to assemble, but it's effectively done. So that leaves me 19 out of the 20 fire glaives I still need to do. Uh, the command unit... 19 out of 20? So you did one? I did one. I said, Jesus, <laughs> this thing's hard! I, that's as far as I got. I got the other ones done. He's all lonely out there. Hey! Is he one of the command unit? No, he's just... no. no the, he's the, just a regular old dude. Well, the command could be whatever you want him to be, but... Uh, no, they're, All of them can be whatever they want to be. The... The Fort Free World to be mo- you and me. 
tried to burp in the mic and it totally <laughs> failed. Total fail. Oh. Okay. No. So anyway, um, there, there, there's like a lot of pieces to those little fire glaive guys. Five or six pieces per model. Ooh. So there's not a lot of payoff for a lot of work. It's like, uh, I want to do the big cool things first. <laughs> So that's why I did the giant. I'm probably never going to field that giant more than once or twice, but he's cool. Oh, man, is he cool. I'll bring him over. He's a giant. He's oh, with the, oh, the siege giant? Siege yeah, giant. I want to see that. Yeah. yeah. Big claw hands. Uh, the Bale Taurus is immaculate. Really impressive. Mm-hmm. Really cool. And what's left? That means uh, the magma cannon, the death shrieker, and a few, a few fire glaives. What and do you think of the death shrieker? I like it. Yeah? I've heard some people say they don't like it, but. It's pretty good. I mean, it's multifunctional. You're either going to launch a gigantic pipe plate at something, and it steers back toward the target a little bit like a um, like, like a, doom a doom diver. diver. Okay. So you could do some damage. It's not going to do a ton of damage, but it's going to do something. Okay. And uh, if you need it also for only 100 points, it's it can hit an individual target. Like if you're aiming for an arachnurok or something big, all you need to do is get the, the center point on that base and you could do strength eight hits, d six yeah. wounds, I th- or is it d three or d six? Either way, it's not bad for a hundred points. Yeah, I like it. Um, and there are times when I just can't afford to get one of those big chunky war machines in there. It, it's a hundred points. Cool. It, you know, it's not enough for another unit, but it's it's enough for something. Nice. It's an answer to those big problems. Like, uh, I mean, you're even wounding a war sphinx in a four plus. Uh, well, you can't beat that. Yeah. So. I mean, you can, but I don't know how. You so. can't. Well, oh, you can wound it on a three or a two, yeah. I guess. <laughs> okay, yeah. That would be better. But uh, it's only 100 points. And for us, those war machines don't get cheaper than that. Yeah, that's true. So. What did I. Is that all you built? It was not enough. <laughs> that's pretty I'm just, good. I'm, well, I didn't want to cut you off. That's what. That was, that was my. I, you know, I still, I still haven't forgotten that I want to finish up on my executioners because I really want to get those guys done. But. These toys were really calling my name, and I wanted to play with oh, them. Oh, sure, so, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so Bale Taurus, Giant, uh, the Dreadquake, the Iron Demon, and just got the one little guy from the um, Fire Glaives. Mm-hmm. But that's it for modeling. How about you? I started building the Terrorgeist, realized I was going to have to build it in a bunch of different pieces, prime them all, paint them all, and then uh, put it together. Yeah. Yeah, so I put that aside. And then I started uh, dry brushing... All of the ghouls, just dry brushing over some of the, because I just didn't like the way that well, they had a shine to them. Didn't they had they? a shine to them. Uh, then I brought them to. I, I, I'm, I'm reaching a state of like painting suicide. I'm just. I, I, I mean, you got to stop doing a billion in a day. No, it's it's not that. I'm I'm pleased with what I do, and I I mean I'm I I am happy with the fact that I can I can assembly line like. Few people have the stamina to do, and it doesn't. I don't get tired of it. I'm looking at these models, and you know how when you paint, how you would rather just paint one model and you want it to be perfect in every way. Yeah. And I have an when army. I do, when I do that, I feel like I'm not wasting my time with the model. Yeah. Well, I have an army that literally I was using, and and I mean, I still I considered even before the new book, I consider VC to sort of be a horde type army. You're having big, you know, lots of units on the table. So I need to paint a lot of models. Sure. And I have no problem doing it quick and getting it three color ready. But the fact is, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I'm not the best model painter, but I, and I know a lot of people know my background. But I have a I have a, a a very a rather lengthy background in art. I am a really I mean I don't want to brag, but I'm a pretty damn good artist. Okay. I mean I've worked in oil paints, acrylics, you know, 
uh, I work in, in you know, uh, pastels. I mean, all sorts of stuff in, like, like art art. Sure. I mean, you and I have had similar backgrounds. Yeah. We're, we're, we're more to art than we are to science. Right. And I, like, enjoy science. doing the painting, but now that I've gotten them to the point where they are three-color table, you know, worthy. They're legal, yeah. They're turn, legal. Turn legal. I'm looking at them going, <sighs> see, I, and I, part of it is I look at Chris Yu's stuff. God, you know, if you haven't seen him, if you see, like, his Savage Orcs. There's like, you know, three or four different shades of green on each part of the body, and none of it's dipped, and he just spends all this time. And he, I mean, he's I, pretty I brought devoted, it to him. though. Remember, he only has two armies. True. But I brought it to him, and I asked him what to do, and he's like, well, if you don't want to sit there and dry brush all of them, because I, I like that they all have sort of different bits of skin tone, because each one got a slightly different bit of amount of dip, you know, on each of them, you know, because mm-hmm. nothing came out perfectly even. And he's like, you know, I would just dull coat them. And he's like, but then I wouldn't just dry brush the color on. He's like, okay, you should do it with this color and then go with another highlight. Go with, you know, and I'm looking at going, that's 100 models, and that's like four, three more coats of paint on the green on the clothes and two or three more coats on the skin. And I really do want to do that. And it's just like, but I need to get the rest of my army done, and I don't have time, and I'm starting to almost get depressed. It's just I've been painting these models now, not this particular models, but I've been painting Warhammer models for about three years. Mm-hmm. And I, think, I, I know I've gotten better. But I just look at the stuff you do, and it's really still so much better. And I look at Chris Yu's stuff, and honestly, I just it blows me away how how good he is. And it, it's, I'm starting to feel frustrated, like I'm not getting good enough fast enough, and so now I'm just getting pissed. But don't compare yourself to anyone else. Just compare yourself to yourself. <laughs> I know. Just pull, but, out, pull out the stuff that you did, like when you first started playing. Remember, uh-huh. you had miniatures for an old. White Wolf game, I think, called Infinity. Uh, I still have them. In fact, I found them when I was cleaning all that crap out of the closet. Yeah, pull those guys out and compare them to your most uh, recent stuff. Yeah, and and yeah. you see a big difference. And my actually, that damn plague furnace looks actually really good. Yes, it does. But so I don't just, don't it's, let it's it frustrating because they're good enough for tournaments and tabletop, but they're not going to win me any prizes. Not that I plan on winning prizes, well, but I, mean, you but know, I look you, at it going, I know I could do more, but do I want to spend another 40 hours? But if you beat yourself up, you'll never get there. Yeah. All you can do is just be pleased with your progress and keep going. And I'm not sitting there, and I'm not, I'm not doing this on the show because I want sympathy or I want pity. I just, well, this is I good, think it's worth talking about this because is a good I'm, message I'm for other people. I'm looking at this going, I, I told myself I'm going to do it so it's table ready for tournaments. And it's table ready for tournaments, but it's not fantastic and now I'm pissed off because it's not fantastic and it's like I want to make it fantastic but I need to move on and so it's like I'm I'm just I'm like it's I, I really feel stressed about the fact that I need to move on I should move on but I keep looking at them going but they're just not done to where I want them to An- be another done. way to look at it Dave is that everyone remember that Warhammer is a big community of people right and everyone's bringing something to the table I guess literally right and oh, yeah. and, and metaphorically when you, we've got players like um, like Dennis Gunia, who you know, uh, he plays his Warriors of Chaos, and he's got this amazing Slanishy uh, Warrior oh, yeah. of Chaos army. What he brings to the table is a really good attitude and an amazingly painted army. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we've got uh, Chris Yu, who's like one of the friendliest players I know. Yeah, he's also very good at, and he's very systematic. I mean, he's the master at winning in the deployment phase. Right. So I mean, he's he's teaching you something new every time you play him because you can the table becomes sort of a chess match. Yeah. It's like, oh, how do I how do I outmaneuver this? My game has gotten much better just playing against well, him. We bring this program, I think, to Warhammer. <laughs> you know, if whether well. or not that's a good thing, I don't know, but <laughs> it's what we do. I mean everyone's everyone has their own contribution. Yeah. You can't you can't be you can't be brilliant at everything. Your miniatures are good and the more you practice the better you will get. Yeah. It's just like I said, I'm frustrating because I know 
as far as art goes. I mean, I've gotten awards and got all this stuff for my art art, like not miniature wargaming painting models art, but art art. And so when I sit down with these little miniatures, I'm like, I should be able to do this. So it's one of, you know what If you want to get that good at it, though, if you want to get so good that you're winning awards, you need to devote. You need to start putting other things aside, and this becomes what you do. And, and, and the question is, do you have enough time in your life and to that do that? I don't. Well, and then, once then, the kids are older, I'll be yeah. freaking 50, but that's when I'm going to start I mean, being able to do this. Neither, neither one of us are prodigies at painting. Uh, so the best we can do is just please yourself. You know, recognize what your limits are and try and improve a little bit every day and just aspire yeah. to be better. And But basically, I did that like the two days after we recorded the last show. I was working and painting and getting ready to do stuff and putting stuff together and getting ready to prime it all. I pulled out the mortise engine. And thank goodness, the latest White Dwarf, which actually showed up without me having to call for another one. Hmm. Um, they actually had the guy who painted the mortise engine. Showed, build it in these seven separate parts, prime them, paint them, and then put them together. So I'm like, yay, thank you. There's an actual tutorial for what I want to do. Was it not in the box? Uh, well, there's a there's a put it together. I mean, there's the instructions oh, to put but it. Oh, there's not a, this is how to put it together and paint it in the right Right. Gotcha. This was a step-by-step. I left it in these seven separate parts, painted them, and then put I, those parts together. I need together. one of those for the Iron Demon, yeah. Um. Like I said, after, after saying, okay, uh, Terrorgeist, not going to deal with this. Just want to build something else and paint it. Then I got. Th- I just and then I got sick. I was literally sick for like a week. I lost. My- I couldn't speak for four days. I took my PowerPoint projector at work, hooked it up to my computer, turned on Word, turned the font up to thirty six, and typed out what I needed to tell my class. It was, <laughs> and it was the four quietest days ever in my classroom because they were all silent because they were just sitting there reading the board because I couldn't speak to them. So they would read it and then answer the question. It was so stupid. But uh, I was six. I did. I mean, uh, that's a long time. I I haven't done too much modeling, and the stuff that I have tried to do, I've just been kind of frustrated with. So I decided. I just took a step back and said, I'm not going to make my hobby commitment for this well, show. It's okay. But this is a good. This is a good message to get out to other people who are also trying to paint, and maybe they're re- reaching sort of an impasse, sort of that brick wall. And I guess the answer is, don't let it tear you up. Put the models aside for a couple of days. Come back to it. Recognize those parts that you are actually getting better at, and just try it again. And if you find a model that you don't like or you're that frustrated, sometimes what helps me is like, you know what? I'm really at an I've been in an impasse with my Dark Elf Spearman. I more or less know the colors I'd like to use. I just find the models themselves dull. Uh-huh. To be honest with you, I find them dull. Okay. The, the plastic Dark, right. dark Elf Spearman right. are really boring. You know, just... Oh. A lot of monopose type stuff. Oh, again. my yep. Lord. Yeah. I kind of want to get some Game Zone ones just to spice them up, but that's a different story. So... When I'm trying to plug through those and I'm just I'm ready to shoot myself, I switch it up. It's like okay, now I'm going to paint something as a reward, something that I've been looking forward to, uh-huh. and that helps me. I but, just, which is why those that that Iron Demon is such a godsend. It's like oh, this is really fun. I love this and everything about <laughs> it. We well, I stepped away from everything. I stopped. I started cleaning out the storage area to make room for the new. Re, re, I'm redoing my basement, and it's like I needed a a rack, like a spice rack. But every spice rack I find is either too small for all my paint pots or too expensive. So it's at the hardware store. I bought a bunch of materials. I'm just going to build my own. And well, it's just like we're in the middle of winter right now, and uh, it's nice to make the one space. We can't be outside. We have to be in here yeah. <laughs> for, for health. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll die. So you might as well make it nice and livable, and that seems like a good project. Yeah, so that's that's been what I've been doing. So I went too long, but I was just, like I said, I had to step away from a, a, my painting. In fact, I don't even know. 
I, I my hobby commitment for the next two weeks is to make some progress with my VC. I can't even say there's not what. A, there's not a gun to your head. Well, I mean, I like to, I like this hobby commitment idea though. I really like it because it keeps me at least at least if I'm going to sit here and say I'm going to do it, that it's like um. I'm going to be held accountable if I come up and tell my, tell the audience in two weeks. Yeah, I, I lied to you. <laughs> so, at least I'm trying something. I got gotcha. you. My commitment for next is just to make some progress because I literally stepped away from everything. So I'm going to come back to it and see what I can do. Well, how about reading? Have you been reading? That I have been doing. When I take the kids to their activities, or I was sick and I couldn't, I li- I couldn't do anything. I just I was laying and laying on the couch. Um, I finished. I finished Descent of Angels, which was book six of the Horus Heresy. Okay. Uh, you know how people have been saying, oh, everything he reads from Black Library he likes? Um, I suppose if people were talking about your reading, yeah. Uh, guess what? What? Found one I didn't. Oh, what's it called? Descent of Angels. Oh, okay. Uh, the sixth book of the Horus Heresy. It wasn't bad. It was just like, ugh. The first half of the book is him, like, sort of taming this planet. And then the Emperor shows up, and then they go, and they decide to make some of the, the you know, this is going to be... The, so they make him the Primarch. They make some of the other characters who were knights in his little army into a Stardace. Then they make them Space Marines. Mm-hmm. They go off on this mission. Weird things happen. And then suddenly all of his trusted people he seems to hate now, and he sends them all back home, and the book's over. And I'm like, okay, so this is a two-parter, because obviously this story isn't complete. And I pick up the next book, Legion, and it's not continuing the story. So I texted Brian Steele right away and said, what the hell? And he goes, oh, that's – it actually picks up three books later with that story. So I got an incomplete story that left me rather unsatisfied, and I have to read two other books before getting to the conclusion of that story. I was I – was Disappointing. Yeah, I don't consider that good storytelling at all. Leaving me in a cliffhanger for three books. It wasn't a cliffhanger. That's, that's but when I tell the author, F off. It wasn't a cliffhanger per se. Like the story itself was complete, but it left so many threads untied, you know, at the end that I was just like, okay, all of this, there's no, I was just, I, ugh. Yeah, I, I kind of like to be satisfied when I'm done now, reading a book. Then I picked up Legion, which was book seven. All right. Um, Dan Abnett wrote that one. It was the first one that he'd written in the series since the actual first one, Horus Rising. Dan Abnett's amazing. Okay. Legion's about the Alpha Legion, which is like this weird sort I know of spy legion. Chaos, Chaos Marines, yeah. No, they're not. Alpha? Yeah, I don't think they are. Alpha Legion? Yeah. Harrison? Alpha Legion. Are they Chaos? No. I'm sure they are. Well, not in the book. So it, here, okay, here's this. It's first of all, most of the book is seen through the eyes of uh, the Imperial Guard, and um, it was really cool. In fact, I'll tell you this: after reading Descent of Angels, like the last chapter of Legion, just in like four or five pages, was better than all of. Because you get this, there's, they're on this planet, and the Imperial Guard are trying to uh, are trying to bring this planet into uh, alignment, and you realize that these. Uh, that the people there have been tainted by chaos. Okay. Really? Yeah, okay. there's symbols like a hydra, right? Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm confused then. Oh, yeah, my God. Well, that explains a whole lot because I didn't know the story. Oh, God, you just ruined it for me. Um, well, you, but you had to know beforehand. Th- no, but I didn't because I didn't. I don't remember all the names of all the. I've read the cast space Marines book like once just so Harrison with Harrison. Oh, so sorry. I know. This I is the cool you're... thing. Alpha Legion was like this group of spies and they did all this sort of undercover weird stuff. They're like the newest Legion. And there's this group 
that's trying to contact them. And it's a group of Xenos, all sorts of different Xenos races that have formed this group. And they're trying, basically, it's led by a Farseer, this Eldar Farseer. And they're trying to get this guy in contact with Alpha Legion because they know Alpha Legion can help them because they see the Horus Heresy going to happen. Okay. And they said the Alpha Legion is the only one who can help stop chaos from taking over the entire galaxy. And, okay, guys, if you haven't read this yet and you're planning on reading Horus Heresy, spoiler alert, jump three minutes ahead. Maybe you should not tell the whole story then. This is so cool, though. This is This was one of the coolest things. I'm just saying, you probably shouldn't ruin it. The Primarch of the Alpha Legion finally meets this Eldar Farseer, and this is what he tells him. He says, you guys have two choices. Either you can stick with the Emperor, and Horus is going to go... Horus has turned to evil already. That's what he's told him. Horus has already gone to evil. You can stick with the Emperor. The Emperor will be mortally wounded, and you will have 10,000 years of decay and failure until Chaos finally takes over and destroys the galaxy. Or... You can side with Horus. Or you can take what's in the box. They said, or side with Horus, turn on the Emperor, help Horus win, and if Horus wins, his own guilt at what he's done will take over, and in about a period of 100 to 200 years, he will wipe out the entire human race in his guilt just to wipe out their existence, so to, to try to assuage his guilt by wiping them off the face of the map. And when humanity is destroyed and gone... Chaos will have no more foothold in this galaxy, and they'll be destroyed. So they give the Alpha Legion the choice of either you can do what's right and stick with the Emperor, but have 10,000 years of decay and death and sorrow, or side the, with Horus. The Eldar suggested that the Alpha Legion go to Chaos? They told them if they side with Horus, the entire human race will be wiped out, but in that course of wiping out the human race over the course of about 200 years instead of 10,000, chaos will be powerful, but once there's no more humanity, that 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 you know that negativity, all the emotions and stuff that feed chaos, once they're gone, chaos won't have enough to feed on. It'll be weakened, and chaos will be then pushed back. So we could either have chaos fighting with us for you know tens of thousands of years, or we could have really horrible, horrible 200 years, and then go back to being good. Of course, there will be no more human race. <laughs> It was just like I was like, "Oh my god, that was so it was just like there was so many cool things that went on in this book. I was absolutely flabbergasted. I loved it, and I will put in the show notes what time this is too, so they know where the spoiler can they can come back to the show okay amazing it, book, and now I'm on Battle for the Abyss, which is the eighth book, and then after this one, I'll get back to finding out what happened at the end of descent of angels, apparently Jesus well, hopefully Christ. it's better than the first one well, and that's what Steele told me. He said descent of angels is kind of a slog through, and you're going to have trouble with it, but the 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 second half of it is actually worth reading okay he didn't tell me ahead of time that it was three books later, but whatever wow, so that was all my reading it's quite a bit, yeah. For myself, I thought I was going to be done with the Indie GT Dwarves of Chaos book until recently I found out that that's what they're using at Wagpaka. So I had to dust it, <laughs> dust it off and uh, pull out the old... Now, it, I, I built my list. It's 2,000 points. I sent it into Wagpaka, and I got a letter back from uh, from Raj today. He's like, oh, it looks good, except that um, except that it's a little over 2,000 points. And I'm like, what? And, you know, and it said, uh -huh. here's the list. I, I, I He sent me a little link uh, with Army Builder. I didn't even know that Army Builder had the Indie GT Dwarves of Chaos. Yeah, on. they do. Well, I looked through it, and I'm like, okay, well, no wonder they're not using the FAQs. Oh. So it's like, because as far as they're concerned, mm -hmm. the Demon Smith is still the spellcaster. 
Oh. And that, at that back then, it was like a, over 100 points, and now he's only 95. So did you send back Harajan? I sent it back. I'm like, look, I think mine is legal, but here's why. Here's the FAQ. So I have to find out whether or not he accepts what I have based on the fact that there was an FAQ. That, oh, uh, yeah. Or if it's like, look, it's too late. This is what we need to use, in which case I'm going to have to try and figure out what the army was before the FAQs. No, oh, then you just could use my army builder. I, uh, yeah, I guess. I don't have a printer, so I'm going to have to... I don't know. Well, I, I, if you use my army builder, you can use my printer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, I, you know, it's already Monday, and yeah. <laughs> I have to be there Friday with an army. So I'm uh, kind of, I'm kind of in dire straits. So hope, by, the, by the time you guys hear this show, I'll have hopefully figured it out. It's nothing that Raj did wrong. It's just I'm, pl- you know, I'm playing Kevin Coleman's book, and he wrote an FAQ, and that's what I'm using. Well, right, right. But I, I'm not sure that army I builder didn't update it, and why bother? Because there's right, a new book. It's yeah. not real. Yeah. So other than that, out, outside of Warhammer, I've obviously been reading a lot of Tamarcon because I'm trying to build Tamarcon lists. I'm trying to build an Indie GT list. I thought I did. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I try and get my reading outside of Warhammer right now. So I'm enjoying a book about um, – actually, I think I mentioned it in the last podcast. I haven't had much of a chance to finish it. But the name of it is Blue Trout and Black Truffles. It's about a guy who came originally from the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Oh, right, right. Right after its collapse. And basically, it's a foodie book. So it's about him – Kind of living living the life of a scoundrel, basically in the first you know in the formative years of his life, he's supposed to be studying uh, law, and instead he's like playing the fiddle and just eating everywhere. And I basically it's it's crying out to the gypsy in me, and I really just <laughs> it's basically just a fantasy that I wish I could have lived this guy's life. There you go. I mean, he ends up spending he ends up becoming uh, a real uh, epicure of of you know fine cuisine, and he travels all over Europe. I mean. Uh, Budapest. He travels to uh, all the different wonderful places in in France, and I, you know, I, this is probably not so interesting to everyone else right now because they're going. This is not Warhammer. This is effing food, Chris. I don't care. But this is what I like. So that's what I'm reading right now: Blue Trout and Black Truffles by uh, Joseph Wexberg. Uh, Wex Wexberg for those from the United States. Cool. But uh, I like food. Oh, it's a great book. It's uh, it's one of those books that probably should be on the same shelf as like Kitchen Confidential and Julia Child's cookbook and things like that but I don't know it's uh I love it I think it's a really powerful book cool um that's about it that's my reading I haven't even had a game um I have had one game I've played recently I, I uh contacted Chris you I think it was a week and a half ago yep and said we should play and he's like come over but uh Warboss Scargood's gonna come over oh, that's right Chris Mullen was over that night yeah, I, yeah. yeah I couldn't get out I was, I, I had just got like that day. I was able to speak, and I didn't want to go over and get his kids sick or anything like that. So no, no problem. We were disappointed you couldn't make it, but it was the trifecta of Chris's, <laughs> and um, Chris I had, cubed. Chris cubed. That's right. I ended up playing a what did I play? I think I played a GT Indie GT list because I was practicing a Wapaka list. Right. Um. Geez, man, I don't even remember the details of my army anymore. I think I had like um, I had some bull centaurs. I had. Uh, well, what did you play? You played Mullen. I played against Mullen. Played against Demons. Ugh. Great opponent. Really sharp. I'll I'll, I'll make it thirty seconds. He um, he outplayed me. I made some stupid mistakes. I have not been playing enough at the time. I think I blamed the dice, and I shouldn't have. I'm not sure that that was the most gentlemanly thing I could have done. Although I had some bad rolls, but ultimately they made a couple of comments that they were right. And it's like you know, Chris, you've forgotten how to play in the back foot. You know, you're you're playing too aggressive, and they were right. I was playing too aggressively for for an army that is resilient but not hard-hitting. 
Right. So I set up on the line, and I wanted to get into combat. That was my desire, but that was not the smart thing to do. I should have st- I should have stood back, shelled him because I did a lot of damage with my artillery, and I should have just let that do its work. And by the time he crashed into me, you know, play the old castle game. Right. I didn't do it, and ultimately that was my demise. I I played against. Let me think. Here is two units of, I would say thirty, uh, blood letters. Each one had a herald. There was a bloodthirster. Egad. Those things are tough. Uh, I know. I, I, you know, <laughs> I'm used to I'm used to fielding. Well, back in the day, I'm used to wielding greater demons. Uh, it's <laughs> and the shoes on the other foot. It's like, oh yeah, they're tough. And that's the thing, though. I mean, when when and I I think I said this in the last episode when I played against Chris's demons is I need to learn. I, I tend to get aggressive when I should be defensive, and I tend to get defensive when I should be more aggressive. I, I just wanted to gr- get into the grind, and with the new army, I can do that a little bit more. They hit at strength four, they hit at strength six. Mm-hmm. It's pretty safe. The old army, the Indy GT, they hit at strength three unless I give them great weapons. I yeah. probably And I probably shouldn't be going toe-to-toe with demons at full strength. Yeah. So my artillery did a good job. I, I think I afforded to take... Uh, a death rocket, and it's a big pie plate at strength three, which is just fine against demons. Um, and I also took a an earth shaker and a bolt thrower. Mm-hmm. Bolt throwers never do anything for me. It's just one of those bad luck pieces. Yeah, thirty five points of do- does nothing all game, but I'm glad for taking it because I should be taking those shots. Earth shaker generally does a good job, but uh, I had a couple of blocks. They did okay. Uh, bull centaurs are hard; they're hard hitting, but they just couldn't do enough. And I, I just made the mistake of just engaging too soon. And uh, although I was able to do a lot of damage, I almost was able to wipe out one of the blood letters right away. But almost is not the same as doing it. So, And their crumble rule is really different than the Vampire and the Tomb Kings one. It's you, you take their loss as a penalty to their leadership test, and then they make a leadership roll. Mm-hmm. And basically, they crumble if they fail their modified leadership. But don't they, they get some sort of a bonus to their role? I thought, or something like that too. It's, some, it's um, something weird. I, I I remember when he explained it to me. I was like, "Huh?" I'm like, "Really? You get to do that?" Because I just remember beating him and being like, "Oh, he's like, he doesn't crumble at all." It's not the same. Yeah, no, it's they. It's a little. I think it's a little harder to make them crumble when they lose a a battle than it is for these. You know, whatever you lose by, that's what you lose. Really. Damn. Well, it's not necessarily as easy for them to replenish, so they shouldn't crumble as quickly as... Oh, you know what it was? was they, they were near their generals. They were getting to use their general's leadership, mm-hmm. too, on top mm-hmm. of it. And we can't do that. Whatever you lose by, that's what you lose. Well, demons are really, really hard-hitting, but they're glass hammers because their toughness is generally low. I mean, even, even uh, what are they called, plague bearers, they only have a toughness four, and that's not that high. True. So... Like I said, though, I mean, I, just, I, I, I find, I mean, demons are 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 a tough army. I, I, I part of it is because I don't play them that often, They're so tough, I don't know what to. But face. you, but you have to have a mindset a little bit like playing an elf, uh-huh. playing as elves, because you're fragile, you're exposed. I mean, you've got a ward save, but that's all you've got. Because yeah, but a five a board save on everything is pretty oh, good. It's too. wonderful. Yeah, I, yes. Speaking as a person who's, I'm not going to complain. No, no, no. It's great, but twelve points a model and toughness three. You know, it's that's expensive. Yeah. I mean, that's like playing. are they all toughness three? No, uh, the most of them are tough. Most of the lesser demons are toughness three, except for the plague bearers. Okay, those are toughness four. Okay, but yeah, demonets, uh, horrors, and uh, bloodletters are all toughness three. Huh. But Chris was a great opponent. Chris uh, Mullen. Yeah, great guy. No, oh, he's a great guy. Like yeah. I said, I played against him, and he's he's a, a gentleman when you uh, uh, on the, uh, across the across the uh, table. 
He's a lot of fun to play with. He was. We were actually laughing because he was like, you know, I play against people. People say I'm like a. You know, people say he's not a nice person to play against. That's what he was saying. He's like, people say I'm not a. Nice, I'm like, yeah, I thought he was a lot of fun to play against. So no, I can't subscribe to that. He was great. Nope. Nope. So that was it for my gaming this week. That's unfortunately, it for me too. So. Yeah. Although I have uh, lots of stories to tell after Wagpaca. Yeah, we'll have a Wagpaca. I wog- got beaten up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have a Wagpaca episode when you guys get back. We'll have right. Grant and Chris on. So Cool. Uh, let's go, and then when we come back, the tournament update brought oh. to us by the Circle City Circuit. It's a date with destiny. And with the Circle City Circuit. Shebang! Bazinga! Hey! If a game is only as good as the person who plays it, then the best games can be found at Unique Gifts and Games, collectible and classic card games, board games, RPGs, tabletop miniatures, hobby tools, and more, all found within. And so is an amazing community of fellow gamers, as well as dedicated gaming tables, terrain, and a library of open games to try. It's also your source for Unseen Lurker, the independent tabletop wargaming magazine. Stop by for Warhammer Fantasy Mondays, 40K Tuesdays, and War Machine Wednesdays. Demos and tournaments are alive and well at UGG. Check their website at uniqueugg.com for their calendar of events or call 847-548-8270. Don't forget about the rewards program, their convenient location in downtown Grays Lake, Illinois, and their friendly staff. Unique gifts and games. Great gamers mean great gaming. We're back. <laughs> hey! Back. We're back. I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. That's irritating me. <laughs> no, uh, things like that don't irritate me. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're, you, we have more than one listener, so. <laughs> okay. Hi, Chris. Could you stop with the hey? It's kind of dickish. We're back. Let's do <laughs> Bareback. Oh. Did you say bareback? What are you talking we're about? Bareback. Oh, we're bareback. What the hell? That's what I thought you said. I'm like, what are you no, suggesting? I have to edit this. All right, uh, you have the list of all the tournament things. So I do. I why got a whole bunch I, of stuff. Why don't I just read uh, Lizardman Jeff's uh, Circle City update, and then you could hit all the tournament. Do business. it to it. All right. So uh, once again, tournament update is brought to us by the Circle City Circuit. Time is up, and dice are down for season two of the Circle City Circuit. After the dust settled, Callie John Hurley was able to maintain a hold on his lead, and is now the grand champion of season two. With first pick of the Mantic Armies, he's now the proud owner of a new Greenskin Horde. Coming in second is Brett Bain and his Demonic Demons. Demonic Demons as opposed to what? With the new VC book fresh off the shelves, he decided to grab a hold of the Mantic Undead, which I applaud him for that because I like the Mantic Undead. They are very nice. Having won a Vampire Lord in the raffle and with the donation of a Vargle from the ever-generous Dwarf Dave... That's a different Dave. That's I can me. only assume, yeah. Why? Because generous? Is that what you're trying to say? We're back. <laughs> <Hey>! <laughs> That's going to be the name of the show. Hey, we're back. <laughs> uh, he is well on his way to many a blood-drenched victories. Rounding the podium in third and missing second by only a single point. That's what you call the piss-me-off point. <laughs> Uh, is Mike Greenwash Shoulders, who snagged up his new Chaos Dwarfs without hesitation. Last but not least, Dwarf Dave, once again not me, has handed off the Legacy Spoon Trophy to this year's Grand Spoon recipient, 
Jared Sheets. He is the proud new owner of Rocky One and Two, <laughs> and his legacy will soon be added to the Spoon Trophy. Season three is currently in the works, so be sure to stay tuned to our Facebook club page for the latest circuit news and to check out our past events coverage. Also, don't forget to sign up for Indo-Kent Tri-State Warhammer League. The Indo-Kent is the perfect league for the busy player. Play games on your schedule at the local store or even in the convenience of your own home. Meet new players, join the ever-growing Midwest Warhammer community, become the Tri-State champ. All while maintaining your busy lifestyle of work, Warcraft, and or Skyrim. (laughs) Check out indokent.blogspot.com. That's I-N-D-O-H-K-E-N-T.blogspot.com for all the information on the league. And be sure to get your lists in by January 31st. That is the Circle City Circuit update. We have several... um, tournaments to uh fill you in on not the least of which is wagpaca by the time this gets out though it'll be going on so if you're if you're not already leaving for wagpaca and you're hearing about this probably too late tune in episode 42 and hear about what happened now we just got one recently from uh, brian siebel who wants us to let's see here to announce the pork apocalypse that's a once a year event ran by team pork again sponsored by the art of war games and miniatures (laughs) We read that again by the Art of War Games and Miniatures in the glorious Porkopolis, that is Cincinnati, Ohio. The 2012 Pork Apocalypse will be held in CincyCon 2012. The details are it's going to be a 2,400-point event. Uh, let's see, check-in starts at 9 a.m. Saturday. Tourney starts at 10.30 a.m. And then Sunday round starts at 10. Two more rounds. So it'll be three, uh, three rounds on Saturday, two rounds on Sunday, plus results. Rounds will be two and a half hours long. There'll be, uh, let's see, painting and theme will be judged during Saturday lunch break. It's going to be $25 to pre-register, $30 afterwards. Uh, just to mention that it does not cover the CincyCon entry fee, so you'll have to get into CincyCon first. Pre-reg ends 20, February 24th. Anyone pre-registering will be given a five-point bonus adjustment to their overall tournament score. So, for all the latest information, can, of course, be found at www.teampork.org. That's T-A-E-M-P-O-R-K, teampork.org, under the Pork Apocalypse link at the top of the page. Thanks for everything, and keep up the great podcast. Oh, gee, thanks. And that's from Brian Seabolt. Yay. Yay. So we do have some other tournaments to announce. Obviously, it's a little bit too late. If you're hearing about Wagpaca from this show, then it's too late. It already happened. And if you're only hearing about it now from this show, you haven't been listening to the last three <laughs> You've episodes. You've not been paying attention. You haven't been listening to Ohio Hammer. You haven't listened to Point Hammered. Get on the podcast ball, biatch. Bu- <laughs> nice. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about, uh, now we've, in April, we've, of course, got Adepticon. That's just a little tiny thing that you may have heard it. It's only the biggest thing ever, man. Thursday, the 19th through Sunday, the 22nd of April at the Weston Lombard Yorktown Center. Check them out at Adepticon.org. A-D-E-P-T-T-I-C-O-N. Adepticon. You know who I'm rooming with at Adepticon? Who? Andy. <laughs> Loving you Which is, why is easy because you're beautiful. Which is, you know, why all that teasing earlier in the show was all in good fun. Oh, it's going to be good fun at Adepticon. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Those miniatures are rocking. Don't come and knock him. <laughs> He's going to show you his cannon. Oh, that's that's yucky. 
Who's got the best artillery? So in June, we've got Blood in the Sun, Saturday the 23rd, Sunday the 24th, at the Crown Plaza Hotel, <laughs> Chicago, in Northbrook. <laughs> it's uh, at uh, com for more details. And, of course, that's run by our very own Grant Fetter, Chris Yu, and Steve Lechman, the trifecta of doom. So be sure. That is uh, <laughs> yeah, is, that, is that a requirement that we say it that way, too? I just thought it would be. The trifecta of doom. Did I do that right? You did it. I'm awesome. You did it. You're, yeah. you're a guy who does things. Yay! We're Yay! Back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smart. SMRT. <laughs> I'm only four. <laughs> hey! So in July, we've Put your got... hand in the box. Sorry. We've already done uh, Dune references. I know. I did another one. I did the same one. My name is a killing word. <laughs> <laughs> the tooth. Remember the tooth. So, July, Buckeye Battles. Uh, Buckeye Battles number four, Friday the 13th. It's not even late. We're so, we, are, we are doomed. So, don't forget Buckeye Battles. That's uh, Buckeye Battles uh, at BuckeyeBattles.com, Friday the 13th through the Sunday the 15th of July. How quickly can this show run down? Keep it together, man. Oh, stay same, on topic. Same weekend is Invasion Invasion Kenosha 4, Saturday the 14th, Sunday the 15th at InvasionKenosha.com. Now, that one I have the address for. It's in Salem, Wisconsin at the Salem Town Hall. That one's run by our very good friend uh, John Gasick. Be sure to check it out. Uh, good painting contests. It's both 40K and fantasy. Uh, a lot of fun there. And uh, I should mention that in August we, of course, have Gen Con. Not specific to Warhammer Fantasy, but just a damn good time. That's what we've got for the moment. We know that we have other tournaments to mention. Guys, yep. be sure to contact us at uh, garagehammer@live.com or contact David at his own at uh, david at garagehammer.net. Either one of us are fine. But uh, let one of us know. And probably let me know since I'm doing the tournament update right now. So garagehammer@live.com, that way both of us can get it. Yeah, do it there because that's the best way to do it. I'm handling some of the <laughs> – send it well, to garagehammer@live.com. If that you way. do it to there, we can both read it. Right. So that way we can uh, announce your tournament on our show. Okay, guys. So that's for the tournament update for this week, and uh, I guess we'll be right back right after this. Absolutely. All right, so I guess we'll use this old army book as a hill, and uh, we'll use this soda can as the Dark Tower of Darkness, okay? Take your game to the next level with Weird Worlds Terrain. Our products are handcrafted and cast in lightweight, durable plastic resin that's sure to stand up to the rigors of battle. We're adding new products all the time, so if you're tired of the same boring hills and forests on your table, make Weird Worlds Terrain your destination for tabletop wargaming terrain. WeirdWorldsTerrain.com. What's your world? Check this out. Hey folks, you all remember Billy. Unfortunately, he can't be here for this commercial today. Why? Because after reading Unseen Lurker magazine, he's gotten so many tips from gaming to modeling to painting that he's decided to take his skills out to a tournament. And from what I understand, he's out there right now at the top table winning games and wrecking hobbies. All thanks to Unseen Lurker magazine. Go to UnseenLurker.com. Check out a quarter of the magazine. Check it out. Read it. And I'm certain you'll agree, Unseen Lurker is the number one wargaming magazine out there. UnseenLurker.com. We're back. <laughs> I'm not, not going to do it. Hey. Hey. We're back. Stay a while and listen. We're back. Blah. Blah. <laughs> That's right. It's time. One beautiful <laughs> podcast. Ah, ah, ah. 
man. Should we get into it? I suppose. Yeah, so vampire counts. They're these guys. They do this thing. They're all dead. Okay, that's good. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. Okay, so let me pick up my vampire counts with the Glenn Danzig vampire on the cover. See, I thought it was Nathan Explosion. This army book is totally metal. <laughs> I hate this cover. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. It's the only thing about the book I don't like, really. Hi, guys. I can do a, I can do an army book cover. I can do it. <laughs> but I'm feeling we just hear army book cover. So you can have a vampire on it. You can have his mouth wide open with lots of cheese and stuff. And he's going to have blood all over his one fist. He's got a big blood fist right here. It's a blood fist with a bat hanging on it. It does seem like the kind of poster that I'd want to put in my room if I was 13. It looks like this is it, so awesome. It actually, it looks, it reminds me of the art. Uh, in fact, I got it from my our local library. I was there and I just typed up to see what they had from War, if they had anything from Warhammer, and they had the old Warhammer encyclopedia, like from like 1983, I think. Yeah, this is the same style of artwork. It's the sort of artwork that makes me sometimes embarrassed to be a gamer. It's like. You know, like my mom will come in and look at my stuff. It's like, Mom, don't look at that. That That's not what the hobby's about. And I got to say, I know some people, I loved the last three covers. I like the orc one. I love the I'm, ogre I'm, one. I'm not as crazy about the new ones. It's the only criticism I've had is I like the effect, how it's like, it's got like a matte cut and a, and a gloss right. where you can see the outline of the of the art. I'm not as crazy about these the, these covers uh, in 8th edition, but that's the only criticism I have because the content I've is, actually liked is a them home all, run. But I don't think the last three looked like the 80s drawings. They have a cartoony look to them, Yeah. but this one literally looks... If you look at the artwork from 1983, 1984... Oh, I know which ones I mean. Well, you're talking White about... Dwarf and the book covers and the game covers. If you go back and look at those things, this is what that looks like. Yeah, I would like them to stop going this direction. <laughs> yeah, I'm just... To be frank... Although someone, it was I think it was on Primal Fury on Twitter. I kept calling it the Glenn Danzig cover. He was laughing, and he went and photoshopped. He took the Vampire Counts cover the, with the title, yeah. and he took a great one of those pictures of Danzig when he's standing with no shirt on, with his arms down, and then he like put some wings over onto his arms and made him the cover. Whenever I think fantastic. of Danzig anymore, I just think of Aquatine Hunger Force. I, it's pretty much the <laughs> only Danzig that exists for me anymore. <laughs> Uh, All right, let's so, get to it because the book itself. I mean, once again, it's now, Dave. I really did not read the fluff on this, so can you tell me what has changed? Okay, um, the fluff on this is actually I really liked it. It starts off with your basic stuff well, talking there's, about. There, there's a shocker. What you liked the fluff for the vampire? Oh, geez, yeah, no, um, you know, but it gives you your two pages of just kind of giving the overview of vampires in the Warhammer world. Then you get the origin, the rise of Nagash, Lamians, you know, she stole his book. So I, I kind of already know the origin story from the yeah. Tomb Kings and from reading the, the first right. two Nagash books. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, basically, they, 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 they follow along with that, where she okay. stole the book, she made this. But they talk about that, they talk about the war with the priest kings, how Nagash had made a bunch of vampire servants. They talk about how Nagash actually then goes with his vampire servants after, goes after uh, Sigmar. Um, the Von Karsteins still figure prominently. They are still, you know, pretty much, I mean, with the exception of bringing back Heinrich, uh, Kemmler and, uh, and what's his, what's his, and Krell, it's still a Von Karstein world. Um, meaning that the Var Von Karsteins are the most organized, organized presence yes. of vampires in the old world. Yes. I okay. mean, you still, and it's almost the exact same story when it gets to the vampire wars. 
the arrival of Vlad, so the madness of Otto von Drac. Otto so so Man- Manfred is about, and uh, it's his wife Isabella, and yeah, it's Vlad. He goes and marries Isabella. He makes her a vampire. Uh, okay. Vlad, they go, not, that's right. Vlad, yeah, they give Manfred. more detail into some of Vlad's battles. You know how Vlad keeps getting killed, and um, really, if you read the Vampire Wars trilogy, this sort of covers that. Okay, Vlad is finally killed. Isabella goes nuts and kills herself. Well, is there anything new in this that we didn't yes. know before? Okay, so what's after they cover Conrad, and then um, when Manfred comes back, he organizes some battles, and he starts to realize. Uh, he watches that, you know, these vampires, they get these whole armies together, and they go, and what happens is when they do get these big unified fronts that go out and start to attack, he's watching chaos incursions. And he realizes that when, 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 the, when the stuff really hits the fan, the elves, the humans, and the dwarves will unite together into an unstoppable force. And here's where it gets new. Now, they also mention, like, you'll see little mentions of, like, you know, now they're coming in on... Terror geists and things like that. They mention these other things coming into battle. Just throwing them in there. Um, but what really comes in great is that uh, the War in the Border Princes, and this is all new, this part of the War in the Border Princes. Manfred has this plan. Um, he realizes that he's got to do something, right? He can't, he, he can't win without stopping this unity of humans, elves, and dwarves. Uh, he finds in his journey he finds some of Nagash's followers. Okay, um, who you know this is after obviously after Sigmar has vanquished Nagash. Um, they're trying to bring Nagash back, but they need a sacrifice to do it. And Manfred wants to help them. And in while he's going to help them, he's got to do something to destabilize the relationships between elves, dwarves, and humans. So he waits until this elf princess is uh, Princess Aliathra. Is going her the high king is sending her as an emissary to oh, the dwarf. This is kings. the phoenix prince. The phoenix king's. She's a yes. phoenix princess. Yes. Okay. She is going as the emissary to go visit and uh, renew the treaties with the dwarfs. He knows this is going on. Manfred knows this is going on. He waits till she gets there, and as she's leaving, he's riled up a bunch of orcs. And he sends all these orcs after it, and the elves and the dwarfs just chop up the orcs, chop up the orcs. They suffer some some casualties. They manage to get through all the orcs, all the orcs, all the orcs, and then Heinrich Kemmler sends in all the skeletons. And then as they're fighting the skeletons, Heinrich Kemmler raises all the orcs and sends the orcs after them. And basically they ambush them. Krell shows up. Kemmler's doing all of this. They're fighting. They're battling. Manfred goes in, comes riding in on a zombie dragon. Um, she, using her magic, actually has her dragon princes. They take off and they're running through the air. Like she's done, like almost like an invisible bridge she's built for them. She's got her guys on on you know beast magic beasts flying around overhead. Manfred basically has planned for all of this, wipes everybody out, kidnaps her, and is going to take her to be this sacrifice for this Nagash thing. He's got her, um, and this is his plan where it has finally going to destabilize. You know the Elven delegation. Comes and now they've all been wiped out. They were supposed to be under the quote unquote almost protection of the dwarfs on their way back. So that's his plan to sort of destroy everything. Uh, Manfred's part in the battle ends between Kemmler's necromancy and Krell's force. They're not going to do this. The High Court of Ulthuan would soon find out that 
the Phoenix King's daughter had died under the protection of the Dwarf Guard. Old wounds would reopen. And uh, as the great zombie dragon bore himself towards Nehekara, the unconscious princess held tightly in the claws of his terrorized escort. Manfred chuckled quietly to himself. The deed was as good as done. And that's pretty much where that story ends, and that's where it's left off. So he's manipulating the old feelings. He's trying to recreate the War of the Beard. Uh, basically, he, well, he's opening up those wounds so that he can keep them apart so that when he finally does raise his army of the undead, they will not be able to unify against him. I see. That's very interesting. I really liked that a, a lot. Uh, then they give some of the details of the different places, uh, the different important places in the lands of Sylvania. Um, just some really interesting things. There's a place where the waters run down and always get stuck around here, and so there's lots of dead body bits around here. Um, they did explain why Sylvania is such a rotten, blighted place. It was a warp stone meteor crash there and has poisoned the lands, and that's why the dead are so restless there. Ah, okay. Um, and I wonder if that's the same in Musalon, which is like sort of the Bretonian version it. of... Yeah, okay. It, it has something to do with that. Uh, and part of that is because of this corruption... They say, well, you know, the corruption is brings the dead back to life, but the corruption also draws the evil things to it, which is why all the evil and the vampires and the undead things t- tend to go to Sylvania is partly because the evil, you know, they're, they're feeding off of each other. It's like this vicious circle. Okay. So that's basically what hap- what's going on. And then we get into the, the meat of the rules. But the it was nice. They dropped, like, some of the stuff, like, in the old book. It mentioned the Red Duke for like half a page and the Blood Queen or something like that. If you remember in the old book, they had these mentions of these that were never ever discussed in any other game terms or anything. Here they're fleshing out, and once again, they add in Heinrich Kemmler, they add in Krell, they add in Terrorgeist. Well, those, those are throwbacks to 5th edition, yeah. I believe. Yeah. But by working them, because they've brought them back in the book, they're working them into the history, and they've expanded... On the on the vampire story, brought it up a little bit to date, so it was it was it was a good read, and the artwork is fantastic. Oh, to be sure. I mean, outside of the com- uh, complaints about the cover, all of the other art in here is any one of these pictures good. from the book could have been used. One of my favorites is the the right after the army special rules, they get into the vampires right away, and there's that vampire, this, the image of a vampire in this, it's that sort of classic. It looks like Conrad almost to me. It probably is in his blood red. Sort of musculature armor. That's the picture that I would have put on the cover. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that you liked yeah. it because that was the one that I'm like, why it is really this the cover? Out. Yeah, I, something about Games Workshop that they've had uh, in spades for years, which is just some of the very best artists in the industry, with the exception of their cover artist, who apparently they just picked up the other day um, randomly. <laughs> but other than that one guy, <laughs> well, I don't even think it's the cover artist because you know what? That's his art. He did it. He did his best job. It's whoever decided. Yep, that's the pick. That's going to represent this whole book. I'm sure. I'm sure there are a lot of folks that really like it, and you and I are the minority. But uh, all right, uh, Army Special Rules. Yeah, there's quite a lot here. Okay, so get, get into it. So Undead's about the same, though, right? Uh, yeah. Um, they're unbreakable, unstable, and cause fear, which is the same as before. Uh, in addition, units with undead cannot make march moves unless they're within 12 inches of the general or are vampiric. Used to be within 12 inches of the general or 6 inches of another vampire. Right. So there is less ability to... This army is more mobile than the Tomb Kings. So you're limited on your marches, but you're not as limited as the Tomb Kings are. So you just have to... 
occasionally make sure that you're either your general or a couple of vampires are here and there. Mm-hmm. I mean, because 12 inches is pretty, fairly generous. Right. So, like, all you need to do is put it, you know, uh, on your near left flank and your near right flank, have a general or a, a vampire on either side, and your entire army should be able to march, right? So it's actually easier than it was. No, well, because now it's only your general. It used to be anyone with vamp. If you were within six inches of anyone with the vampiric rule, you could march. Now it's only your general. So if you have like four vampires on the table, only your general is the one that oh, allows. Oh, 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 I see. So vampi- vampires can march, the general can march, and anyone within 12, 12 inches, inches of, of the general, general can no, march. No, so it's worse. Yes. Oh. See, before you'd put the general in the middle, and then you'd have your black coach, which was a vampire on one side, and you'd have your blood knights over there, and you'd have your vargulf, which is a vampire over there. And they each had their own little bubble, which allowed other things to march. See, I'm, I'm, I'm still learning this army. I, I don't know this the way that you will. Yeah. So there are still moments of clarif- of realization where it's like, this is very different. This army is different. I can understand why power gamers are sad. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, stiff upper lip, and let's, let's yeah. you know, figure out your new army, I guess. Yeah. Your army general must be a wizard, blah, 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 which is basically your general cannot be... The White King or Krell. That's basically the only two choices right. that you can't But the have general, general. general has to take Lord of the Vampires. Yes. So this is interesting. It seems like someone made a comment in our forums that uh, it would be uh, all of these sort of oddball spellcasting armies have uh-huh. sort of been accounted for now. Uh, you know what? I, I, that was a great comment. I wanted to mention that because people were saying, why this book? And someone grabbed a great point. Orcs and Goblins had... Wah magic with their own miscast yep. table. Big they got fixed. Mm-hmm. Tomb Kings had the wonkiest magic phase in the game. The most the most reinvented magic phase, yeah. They got fixed to 8th edition. Mm-hmm. Ogres had everything cast on a 3. You know all the spells all the time. And, and they, they had their own miscast table. And they got re- They got revamped. brought in line. Yep. And now vampires, which had the spam casting and the necromancy, they got brought in a line. Spam a lot, yeah. So it, it does actually make sense now wh- where these are where these are being brought into line with it, the different armies. It does. So that kind of takes care of it all, doesn't it? Just about, I Just think about. so. Does anyone else have their own... I mean, dwarfs have their own weird rune thing that isn't a magic phase, but they're the only ones left, I think. I wouldn't say that their magic phase is broken, though. They don't have any. No. So. No, I'm <laughs> saying, but they're the only one who has something that is not a normal magic phase that didn't get... You know, they're, they're, they don't have a normal magic phase. Right. You know. Um, well, uh, the next rule here is about the slain general, but I've noticed that that's no longer the penalty that it used to be. No, before, when the general dies, the end of that phase, um, the warriors, you you take a leadership test for every unit, and whatever they fail it by, they lose that many models. They crumble. Right. Uh, and then at the start of each of your turns, you have to do it again. Uh, and there are no saves of any kind allowed. So your army just starts to f- crumble to dirt. Now when the general dies, on that phase, you test for crumble. The moment it happens. Yes. Okay. Well, at the end of that phase. So if he dies in the middle of the combat phase, you finish the combat so phase. So at the end and then, of the phase, you still, you still suffer the effects. Yes. Okay. But then at the start of the next turn, as long as there is another... Anyone in the army knows the lore of the vampires. If there's someone else who knows lore of vampires, they basically pick up the ball. So they recognize the loss of the one spellcaster. They pick it up. They do the best they can. Yes, which is a huge, huge thing because God bless America. Your general dies. The game's over. 
So in this case, the game doesn't have to be over. You're going to take a bloody nose. All, all mean, of your units are probably going to crumble a little bit. Yes. I mean, every, but every, every army suffers from losing their general, but no army suffered from losing their general as bad as the VC... Well, or, the, with the, or the Tomb King. Tomb uh, undead. Yeah. Nobody suffered as bad as the undead from losing their general because every turn, just big chunks of your army fell apart. Now they've said, okay, you're still going to take a penalty on that phase, but as long as you have someone who knows vampires. Well, I like it because in this particular book, because that they toned down uh, the movement of the undead, right. your general really has to be in the center of it, at least 12 inches away from whatever the front line is, if you want them to march. i got to tell you, I'm looking at these rules and the way that the magic and the way these generals' rules work. I'm looking at sort of a castled-up army kind of a bit because I've got to keep everyone in. There's all sorts of bubbles of, of spheres of influence or power that happen. And you've got to keep them in these little spheres. In in the old book, it seemed like, in my mindset, VC was actually one of the very fastest armies in the game. I agree. Because they would probably be able to march. That's eight. And then you're going to Van Hells them for another eight. So and, and if a you foot had, trooper is moving 16 inches a turn. And I'll tell you this. If you had that uh, ghoulkin, the ghouls all jump forward eight. Mm-hmm. Then on your turn... You move everybody forward eight. They get to move forward another eight because they haven't moved yet in that turn. And then you can Van Hells them. So if you have Ghoulkin and go first, they're charging. Are you talking about new rules? No, in the old book. Oh. Ghoulkin lets you move all of your ghouls' march move before the start of the game, after deployment before the start of the first turn. Okay. So if you get the first turn and you got Ghoulkin, they move forward eight. In your movement phase, you move your all your other stuff forward eight. That keeps your vampires close enough to them that so you then move they get twenty four inches. Uh huh. On the first turn. Uh huh. That's pretty fast. Oh yeah, for a and the for thing an eight is, point model. And the thing is, the charge. You know, if you you move well, yeah, you move forward and you vent house. Yeah, twenty four inches. So it's just yeah, it's stupid. They were super fast. Um, so this takes away some of that. Abusable power, maybe, mm-hmm. but at the same time, uh, because you need your general in order to keep your army mobile, it also means that you're penalized less for risking him. Yes. So as long as you take those fail safes, maybe you, maybe that's sort of its own check and balance. Maybe you want to take a different lore, but you're almost inclined to take more vampires because this way you've got insurance. Mm-hmm. It's like a little ward save for your army. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's this, this book. There's there's a lot of balance and there's a lot of neat little synergies and a lot of neat combos that come into this. They don't have the powers they had before are gone, but I think they were replaced with stuff that is that can be just as powerful if you play it right. And like I said, there's actual it, there, it's balanced and it, at the very least it seems fair. Whereas you know before you just had certain combos and now not as much. Uh, the BSB is the same. Uh, all uh, units undead within 12 inches take one less uh, wound. So if you lose combat, you know, the BSB allows you to re-roll, but there is no roll. It's just like the one for the Tomb Kings, basically. Yeah. I mean, you don't have If I lose cons- by two instead of losing two, I lose one. Right. And that also protects you against crumble. Or from, uh, what is that, unstable? Yeah. Well, yeah, lose one wound less than they normally would do to unstable or following the death of the army general. So, Which is yeah. much the same thing. And then you have vampiric instead of vampire, which is the same thing. It's basically yeah. an adjective that says that you don't have to worry about being within 12 inches of the general. You can march. And if the general dies, they don't take crumble tests. Because they're independent. Because, they're yeah, they're their own vampires. 
And unless you've joined a non-vampiric unit, you can mark, march whenever you want. Like I said, before you could stick them, you know, you'd have, you would take two or three vampires or two or three things that have vampire, the vampire rule and just make sure that they were all over your board. And then your whole army's marching constantly. And that's, that's out. That's not the way of it anymore. So that means that you either choose a flank, choose the center, but your flanks are slow. Yep. Which is interesting. For a, a vampire army, that means that the fastest is toward the middle and that your flanks are actually catching up with you. Unless, well, unless your you flanks, put your vampires. Yeah. Your flanks are vamp- vampiric, which... Kind of, that lends uh, an advantage to having your wolves, doesn't it? Because they're moving eight, so they can actually keep up with your army. They're moving nine. Moving nine, even better. Yeah, so yeah, they're the ones that, if they're off on the side, they can just, they can just, they can haul. Um, so what uh, what order would you like to take these guys? Well, you know what, let's... Finish up. There's, um, they got a, this rule here for resurrecting their fallen warriors, and there's been some debate on this because this goes back to that, uh, the rule for the uh, the magic lore and the lore attribute. Oh, okay. Um, when you resurrect, um, if the target is a single model, like a lone character or a corpse cart, it can never go over its starting wounds value. A bit, that makes sense. Sure. Uh, if it's more than one model, wounds go in strict order. First your champion, then your musician. The standard bearer never comes back. Sounds like the Tomb King so once far. Once you drop your banner, once your banner's gone, it's gone. Um, if the And then the remainder in rank and file. Rank and file. Um, in the case of multiple wound models, you've got to heal all wounds on one model before going to the next one. It makes sense. So like your Crypt Horrors or your Vargeists. Yeah. yeah, things that have, yeah. Um Resurrected models are added to the front rank until it gets to five models, or if it's Monstrous Infantry, three models. Uh, and then you can either add them to the front or the rear rank. So if you don't have, if you have only one rank and it's less than five models, you have to go at least five wide. Right. You can't just be like, well, I'm just going to make these, you know, ten. Ra-. You can't just conga line your resurrection. You've got to go five wide, and then the only exception is if the unit already has more than one rank, then you have to add them to the rear rank. So You just have to continue along. If you already have a conga line, then you keep replacing it as a conga line, I guess. But um, raised models cannot displace enemy units. If there's not enough room because there's enemy units in the way, you can't, you just, whatever you can't fit doesn't come back. Correct. So, like, if you're surrounded and you can't place the model, then you can't do it. I guess right. that you'd have to take into account the rule of one inch away. Exactly. So interesting. A uh, unit cannot go beyond its starting size, though certain things will allow that, but generally it can't. So the general rule is bring it back up to its starting amount, and that's it. Except, there are certain spells that yeah. will break that rule. Uh, zombies can go past their starting size. They are built always, into zombies, built right? Built into zombies. Um, one necromancer can take a 20-point upgrade to take skeletons past their starting size. Okay. And there is a vampiric ability to take... Uh, fell bats, bat swarms, and dogs above their starting size. Oh, interesting. But not ghouls. Ghouls cannot. There's nothing in this book that allows you to take ghouls past their starting size. Another so ghouls against the ghouls. Well, but I mean, the ghouls are very good still. They're still on paper. They're still good. On paper, they're the best of the combat core. Uh-huh. But you have to pay for it now. Yes. Um, unless specifically stated otherwise, spells and magic items... That restore lost wounds cannot heal characters or their mounts. If a character has joined a unit, only the unit gets wounds. Okay, so it's fairly character clear. or a mount, and that's for. But it's just for spells and magic items. So, well, I know that there's a lore attribute that would probably get around that. 
Well, and that's that's been a debate on the Warhammer forums, and I am I, I I'm assuming there will be an FAQ on it because it seems to be one of the most contested things that I've seen, um, and people have really gotten. I mean, I was reading; it got well, a little heated. Well, we don't have the answer for it, though. No. Okay. So well, there isn't. I mean, we have to wait for the FAQ. Right. Does the lore? Basically, it's about the lore attribute. The lore attribute says when you cast a spell, you can give back a point to something. Isn't that a right? A point to the wizard who cast the spell, or to another friendly model within twelve inches. Well, by definition, the wizard is a character, uh-huh. so that already breaks the rule that's set forward in Resurrecting well, Fallen Warriors. Well, it, well, Resurrecting Fallen Warriors says unless specifically stated, it can't do characters. It specifically states, but this the one wizard. specifically does. Yeah. So th- I think that's the answer right there. Yes. Well, and I would think a character is a friendly model as well. I guess the point is they're saying, well, it didn't say a, you know, and some people say, well, it didn't say a friendly non-character model, and they said, but it didn't specifically state a character. The I, only thing I can I, I'm find, I'm not sure that's a solid argument. Well, here's the thing. I think that I mean what you're telling me, people are saying, doesn't sound like a solid argument. Well, the, yeah. the facts are, this says that it can give a point back to a character. It says so in print. Uh-huh. The wizard is by definition a character, uh-huh. so you know it can't. Right. So when it says or other friendly model, that means. You've already set the precedent that a character can be given a point back, so that means any other character as well. And that's one argument. Um, and my thing is, I went looking through the FAQs about to see if a lore it says anything about a lore attribute actually, because it says spells or magic items, and a lore attribute is that actually a spell, or is it something that happens because of a spell? I couldn't find anything in the FAQ. The only thing I found was in the Warriors of Chaos FAQ. When it asked about using that third eye of Zinch, can you take spells from life because the attribute gives back wounds and you can't take anything that gives back wounds? And they said, sure you can, because the lore attribute is not a spell, it's an attribute. I'm confused by the definition, but okay. Basically, they said, this is a spell, and if the spell happens, this other thing happens, but that's not a spell itself. Like, the lore attribute is the spell. So, so it's a magical effect, but it doesn't count as a spell. And that that was the rule. Now that's in the Warriors of Chaos FAQ when they talked about you know can you steal, you know when you steal someone else's spells can you steal life spells, because you can't steal any spells that give you back wounds and the lore attribute for the lore of life is giving you back wounds. And they said yes you can take those spells, because, of not regrowth but you can take the other spells because. The lore attribute isn't a spell. It is an attribute. It's something different. And it's so, a way to get around the limitation. So, I mean, I would give it to not just because I'm a vampire player, but, I, I mean, I would have given it to Brad if I was playing against the table with him with my dwarves. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm confused by the debate. I'm, well, I'm just... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hear you. I'm I just was saying, surprised. I mean, of, I all, the, of I all the questions that came up in the book, I didn't expect that one to come up. Do people you know... Are, are are people we know arguing against no, this? No, I saw it on the Warhammer forums. I don't know. Oh, I, I, can't. I think it was Rafaza you'll, on uh, you'll, the Warhammer forum was arguing. Forgive my flippance, it. but it's like I, I don't, I can't. Well, yeah. I mean, I know you don't follow it. I was just, I, I, I just was reading stuff and hey, something. It was questions on vampire counts. It's easy to make a point when you're faceless and say, I think it's this, and, and be, <laughs> you know, and be a jerk about it. Well, I mean, hey, but some I of mean, the people listening might have been the people who made the points. I don't know. So, well, as long as they can debate it in a friendly format and be intelligent about it, no emotional it was, arguments. It, it, it but was, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was give a, me, it was, give me a fact. It was, yeah, you know. it was friendly, but it was heated. It kind of kept. They just kept saying, you know, eventually it came down to, well, the, this is my point. No, this is my point. And but the bottom line is, if I could. Yeah. Be convinced. I'll change my mind. But right. right now, I think that the facts are in our favor, which is it literally makes the point to point out that the character can be healed, setting the precedent that characters can be healed by this attribute. 
Uh, well, like I said, you, I, I, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Um, we'll wait for the FAQ because Lord knows That's how all many. We can do. Lord knows how many. T- you never know which way the FAQ is going to go. Obviously, I thought and completely opposite for this, the cast work. Whichever so. way the FAQ goes is fine with me, as long as there becomes an, something that's official, so people don't fight. I will. I will say that GW's FAQs for me have been. I find myself not upset, but always surprised by their <laughs> by their decisions. I often scratch my head. <laughs> I'm not complaining about that. I'm just saying that they're they're ahead of me when it comes to making their decisions because I think that they're not necessarily doing it based off what makes the most sense. But oh, I, I will give them credit. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to make the best decision for the game, and they're trying to justify it any way they can. It's like we're going that we're well, going this way because of maybe this, but, they'll say no. Maybe they'll say yes. But then Jervis will put in a note saying, but you probably should pick somebody else. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> Don't pick on Jervis. Oh, I'm not. I just, I, I'm just making a joke let's, about the FAQ. Let's, okay. let's get into this. Otherwise, right. we'll, it'll um, be tomorrow. No, you're right. Okay, so vampires themselves have a special rule called the hunger. Yep. And whenever a character with the hunger kills one or more enemy models in close combat, roll a D6 at the end of close combat. On a 6, you get back one wound. Now, this is interesting because it means that um, if your vampire gets into... Because only vampires have the hunger. You could, vamp- be, you could be killed before this takes effect. You could lose combat and then crumble, and then at the end of combat you can get a wound back. It's, it's an interesting timing because it's the end of combat. Oh. You know what I mean? So it's not necessarily the friendliest thing on Earth, but it's 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 kind of uh, it comes well, with, it comes I didn't and goes even with the think wind. about that. I suppose that raises another question of if you get reduced to zero wounds, well, do you still get to make this roll? I would say no because you're dead and removed before the end of combat. True. Well, we'll see. It's an so interesting. I'm certain someone will ask it, and I'm certain they'll answer it. Well, I, that's I tell you what. If I was playing someone, I mean, that's to me that seems relatively clear. Yep. But now vampires. It's, it's, still an, before, it's a neat rule because it's now, a way of built in get your wounds back. Now before vampires could only know the lore of vampires, they had to take special abilities or anything else. Now they can know vampires, death, and shadow. But of course, if you're taking a vampire, chances are close that he might end up being your general of the lords of the non-character lords. There is the vampire, the strigoi, and the necromancer. The vampire's leadership ten, mm-hmm. the strigoi's nine, and yep. the necromancer's eight. Right. So. If you want the leadership, you're going. If you with want the vampire a vampire, the vampire. If a vampire lord level vampire is going to be your general, he's got to know vampires. Of course, now they're all level one vampires, and they can all go up to level four, which is different from the old book. That's an interesting one. Yeah, you can buy buy lord levels or le- uh, wizard levels for thirty five points a pop. Yes. Um, now their stats are the same, right? Which are, by the way, off the off the scale. Yeah, I think their stats are all the same. I left my other book upstairs. Um, well, can this, strength 5, toughness 5. Now, the Strigoi, though, which is interesting, Strigoi is a level 1 wizard with lore of vampires. He cannot. He does not have the option to raise his his uh, level. No. Uh, so he's a level 1, and that's all he is, because they have to all know. He could, he could wind up being your general, and the general has to be a wizard and has to know the lore of vampires. Well, if you're taking a Strigoi, you're building a different kind of army. And although right. I haven't I haven't played with the points to include a Strigoi, Strigoi is a combat vampire, mm. only I've level written, one. I, re- I wrote a list with one. I, yeah, but he's just a level one because he has to be. So you're going for the bare minimum of magic and mm-hmm. just hoping for raw combat. Yep. 
but you can do it. I mean, oh sure, sure, sure. See that that sounds fun for me. If I wanted to take like a ghoul army, I'd take a strigoi to lead them. Yeah, and I took him. I actually gave him one of the vampiric abilities that we'll talk about later that gives him a plus D three to casting invocation because I would just wind up defaulting to invocation. And then he's a level one, but he could he he get a two to four to his level to cast on top of his dice. So at least if you're trying to at least cast invocation, you're not casting it at a at a level one you know bonus. That's an interesting thought. The, the thing is, the challenge if that's the only spell you have, mm-hmm. you're going to throw all your dice. Well, you're if you're probably going to have some other necromancers or wizards. I'm doubting you're just going to have a strigoi and no other characters that can throw magic around. Just depends on your army build, yeah. I suppose, but I mean, I I just okay. We'll we'll get into we'll it. Get because, into yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, let's see, necromancers. Uh, they can do vampires and death. They cannot do shadow. Uh, and they have a special upgrade. Master of the Dead. One necromancer in your army can take it, and for that one, that uh, they when they cast Invocation, they can increase skeletons past their starting size. So one necromancer in your army can take skeletons past their starting size. That's it. So you almost have to think about, before the game even begins, what kind of core army you're building. Yep. Zombie vampire or, I mean, zombie skeleton or, or ghouls. Well, you're not. I, I doubt you're gonna. I'm just personally, two thousand point game, five hundred points of zombies is a lot of models at three points a model. But I mean, they are still. But I mean, weapon skill one. You, you could. So here's a question for you. I mean, in seventh edition and even prior to this in eighth edition, you would only see zombies if people summon them. Oh, I'm, you're going to see a lot I'm of I'm using zombies. a lot of you know extreme language here, always and never. People would not take them in tournament settings. You're going to see them now? I think so. Okay. Okay, and let's... Are let's, you going okay. to see a balance of core units in vampire armies? Will you see a lot of discrepancy? I guess what I'm saying is, will you see a lot of variety for the time being? I mean, there are... Do you see more than one build? Uh, from the core, I see a couple of options, yes. Now, let me... Okay, I'm going to say this at least once during this... First impressions, folks. I've had the book for two weeks. I've been sick. I've just I've written up a thousand different lists. I've done math hammer with the numbers. We are going to revisit this after Adepticon. And I have a lot more questions than uh-huh. I have answers okay. because I don't know this. Right. I mean, I know I know the units now. I don't know how this army plays. I'm, I'm, I'm going, not an yeah. expert at the vampire. And I'm not an, I mean, I know how I played the army, and I play this army, and I know a lot of people when I talk about my vampire accounts think I'm. I mean, you know, we've gotten even comments on our own forums. I was a take a casty vampire that keeps regrowing your army. Take lots of lots of units and regrow them. That was my thing. I, I was not a de- a lot of people like vampires with death, you know, and using. I was a vampire with vampire lore. Keeps. I, I went with uh, with the fluff of the game, which is the vampire comes and just keeps raising models. Civil defense officials in Cumberland have told newsmen that murder victims show evidence of having been partially devoured by their murderers. Uh, I've, the list I've been building have been kind of based on, because it's so different, I'm taking what I'm comfortable with and seeing what I can do with that sort of a build because I still kind of want to play it that way. And there's a lot of synergies, but this is all first impressions. And literally, in three to four months, I want to do a whole nother review of this book once I've played it for a few months and taken it because I am taking VC to Adepticon. Cool. So after that, then we'll visit back and get some real in-depth. But this is all my first thoughts, basically. Okay. 
Um, so we were talking about uh, the Necromancer. You mentioned that one of them can raise... One of them, Master of the Dead, can raise skeletons beyond their starting size. Do you have right. to pay for that? 20 points. Okay. Totally worth it. I give it... I've, every list I've been giving it to them. Why not? If you take skeletons. Yes, which I I have been. And we'll get into that when we get into the core units. Okay. Um, well, then, so the next one, I guess, in the page order... White Kings. White Kings. Um, so White Kings can't be your general, then? Uh, no, because they are not wizards. Okay. Um, they have Killing Blow, as before. Uh, white Blades are not magical attacks anymore. Ah. They have Killing Blow, but they're not magical. So that's the change, basically, so for the White. What are their stats here? Weapon Skill 4, Strength 4, Toughness 5, 3 Wounds, Initiative 4, Leadership 9, Killing Blow, and Undead. Yep. Not bad. I mean, they're, it's just a good, solid fighting character. And you could take the three, White King. Three wounds, so he's a lord. He is a lord. Let me, I don't with, with three wounds, I'm going to... God, it was only weapon skill, four and three wounds. He's not even ethereal? No, they're not ethereal. Uh, no, he is not. He is a hero. So he's a hero with three wounds. That's interesting. So he's, yep. a, he's a resilient hero. Yes, the White King. Yeah, in fact, I guess that's a change. Yeah, he's got three wounds. Interesting. Okay. So. Um, but yeah, he lost lost the magical. Uh, Karen Wraiths. I was wrong. I was convinced that they were gonna drop off of the rare choices and just be characters. Uh-huh. Uh, now they're both. They basically have um, they have this thing called the Chill Grasp. Now they they basically have all the same stuff as before. Uh, ethereal. They cause terror. They're undead. Um. The Wraith can switch up all of its attacks for a single Chill Grasp. It's a single attack. If it hits, it automatically wounds with no armor saves. So you can trade up your three attacks with your Wraith for a single attack, but it auto-wounds. Wraiths haven't changed too much other than that, though. That's that's the newest thing. So, I mean, the other change is that they're a character now. But, I mean, it's the same thing as before, which is ethereal. You're you're banking it all on the fact that they can't touch you. Right. But if they can, they'll crumble to to dust. Yeah. Now, in the book, and one of the things I liked about this book is there's lots of little designer's notes that pop up. If you go into the rare unit choices, Cairn Wraiths are still 50 points a model. Uh, You can make one a Tomb Banshee for an extra 25 points. Designers are only can race and tomb banshees that are taken as hero choices or characters. When they're taken as units, they're rank and file models. While a tomb banshee is the unit champion, uh, tomb banshees or can wraiths lost skirmish. Oh, did they really? They are not skirmishers. So I guess if you have magical shooting, there's no minus one to hit them. Well, so, for fifty points of model and for what they can do, they're still good. They're good. They're, they've, they're always the risk, though. The question is, in a tournament setting, will I go up against something that has the way to produce a magical attack? And if you do, then you can wipe them off the table instantly. It's a uh-huh. three points. And if you don't, then they're probably one of the biggest threats you've got. Yeah. So so two Banshees are about the same? Has their Ghostly Howl Ghostly changed? Ghostly Howl is still the same. You roll uh, 2d6 plus 2, and for every point it exceeds the target unit's leadership, they take a wound with no armor save. They're magical and distributed as shooting. Same thing. 8-inch range. So about the same as before. Do you see any changes with them in the new army? Or do you... No, they're still the same. They're still pretty cool. Pretty cool, You yeah. can take one as a hero, though, now, so you don't have to take it in a unit. So if you want one to run around and do that Banshee Howl thing, it's more expensive to take them as heroes than it is to take them as... In a unit, okay. Um, but if you like, if you just want to, if you if you like that banshee howl, 
You want to roll your 2d6 plus 2 and try to just do some wounds on... It's just one more target on the table to interfere with something. True. And once again, you can just take that as a character, and it's ethereal. So it's a single model unit that can run around. You can land it on top of things that have, you know, your... uh, I keep bringing it up, but you can just part. You move it and stop it right on top of a uh, mangler squig. Mangler squig, mm-hmm. and it gets rid of it. And like I said, and that banshee howl. Unless you have something to take care of the magic, I mean, it's that also could nice to park in front of cavalry or park it in front of uh, uh, ogres or yep. or anything that has an impact to it, like mm-hmm. a chariot, because it doesn't matter if they charge or not. It's not going to hurt you. Yep. Well, so, the the combat resolution might, so you have to be, take that into account. Well, yeah, but I'm saying just as a, and it's an expensive, it's a kind of an expensive bit of a hero to take for that, but I mean, with that ethereal and with that little screamy thing, it's kind of cool. I like the scream. I like the banshee howl. I know a lot of people think it's the bunk because it's 2d6 plus 2, and if they have high leadership, I mean, your average roll is a 7. Right. 2d6 plus 2 is only 9, and since your average leadership, I think, is 8, that's one wound with no armor save on your average roll, so... But if you have something that's got some low leadership, or if you get a nice little combination where you throw in some magic where they're at a minus to their leadership. But these guys are probably going to be on the flank anyway. Yep. So just throwing one in there, mm-hmm. since they're not going to be able to march, oh, you're going to be able to fire anyway. You might sure. as well, I mean, it's just something else to yeah, consider. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ghoul King, their uh, poison attacks, regen. They've also got the hunger. Their regen is five up. A lot of things wind up with five up regen. I was like, man, you'd think they would just have regular regen with four up, but then if you take that Mortis engine, you find out later, you roll the 2d6 plus the turn number, and that's the range of your bubble that gives their regen. Well, not only that, but, I mean, you're going to be able to heal these guys. They have a built-in heal mechanic. Now, the, Well, that built-in heal mechanic. Now, the hunger, i got to say, the hunger seems gimmicky to me. It's gimmicky. I wouldn't count on it. Well, you well. can't. It only it, it it first of all, you only even get a chance to take a wound back when you're in combat, and you've killed them. Now, if you're bringing one of like this Strigoi or a vampire, a vampire is going to do a wound to something, some rank. If you go into a rank and you know, this unit against that unit, they're going to kill one. Model. You're going to kill something. So one. But then you got a once one in a six game. chance. Yeah, once a game, and you're, you're not going to be in combat all six turns. So you may get a wound back. And the irony is that if it if you need that wound, but it, you're dying, you're it's gonna you're gonna die before you get a chance to use it. So yeah, it's okay. I mean, hunger is okay, but um, and ghoul kings have infinite hatred, which is huge. Yeah, rerolling every round. See, these guys look fun to play. I want to play a strigoi. This looks. I mean, there are five attacks built in plus frenzy, so that's six. Uh, they do have frenzy, don't they? No, they don't. No poisoned attacks, regen. Hunger, Undead, and Vampire. Oh, it's Hatred, Hatred. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, five attacks, Infinite Hatred, Poison, Regen. It's nice. See, a- Crypt Ghouls haven't changed a bit. Nope. Uh, zombies have gone up to Strength and Toughness 3. Which Hooray. I think that's huge. I do, too. I think it's great. I think it's, I mean... Because with the with the weapon skill of 1... They're coming to get you, Barbara. So you'll need five. So okay, big deal. Unless they fail, unless your enemy fails their fear check, then you need fours. Well, how much are you spending on a zombie now? Three points. So you don't care how many you lose. No, and, and you get back more than the average amount when you try and regen these guys, or not regen, but re. If you get invocation off, it's two d six plus your wizard level, so six to sixteen. 
coming back every time you get invocation off. So the the only reason to have zombies in the first place is to slow down the opponent enough so you can get in a flank charge with something that actually hits. Uh, all right. Well, actually, my little theory that I've been running when I've been writing my list is to take like 30 of them. That's 90 points. Then you give them a musician and a standard. makes it 100 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, six ranks of five. Yep. Then as the invocation works, as you're moving down, suddenly you've got 40 or 50. And I keep them off on the edges because if I can get them in the flank, you're going to – not only am I going to disrupt you so you lose all of your rank bonus, mm-hmm. but with seven or eight rows, you're not going to get steadfast either. That's right. And these guys are a cheap way to get rid of steadfast. A hundred points, I can have 30, 30 zombies, even with crumble if I lose a bunch of them. Well, you should be able to bring them back. I should be able to bring e- them back. And even if you lose them, you're only losing 100 points. Yeah. Big deal. I mean, a, a mangler is, is you 65 purchase points. it to die, yeah. and it's 65 points. Yeah. Uh, the other cool thing, and this is kind of off the topic, but once again, with the uh, one of the changes to the magic deck, raise dead, uh, you can you know summon a zombie unit. Remember, summoned unit used to be worth 50 points? Yeah. Not anymore. Summoned units, summoned that but, way, are worth... But you can't spam it the way you used to. Bumpkiss. No, you can cast it once. Right. Once a turn. So up to six times in a game. But they're worth nothing. Which is, considering that it's uh, 2d6 plus 4, I think, so it's 6 to 16 models as the initial... Or maybe it's plus 3, so it's 5 to 15 models on the initial casting. And then any invocation is your uh, signature spell. So if you've got two vampires and a necromancer, they might all know it. They can all cast it. Suddenly you've got a unit of 30 ghoul, thirty zombies on the table that is worth nothing. It's a tar pit. It's a free tar pit. Uh, that's, to me, that's kind of cool. But I was a fan of zombies before this book came out. When I mean, I didn't take them in my army list, but I summoned the hell out of a bunch of zombies. It's funny. I had like 60, and I would never use them all, and now I'm thinking I don't have enough. <laughs> And now you have too many ghouls. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, skeletons haven't changed a bit. Um, they're still skeletons. Well, what's their points cost? They went down to five. So that's that's a pretty good, good yes. change. They went down to five from eight, and that includes the light armor and the shield. If you want to give them spears, it's a free trade. From what? From the Instead of the sword and shield combo, it's the spear, spear and shield? shield? Yeah. Okay. It's a free trade to go to spear and shield. Makes Which sense. You so you lose you lose in the parry, you gain the extra rank. Yep. Okay. Um, so are skeletons worth it because of the cost? Well, here's the thing. And this I mean, is first of all, they they can have a champion, standard, and musician. They're only, they're the only core unit that can have that. Yes, they're okay. the only core unit that can have full command. And you know, seriously, I mean, I was always taking a bunker to put my because they were you know it was a good bunker for your general, or for your wizard, your necromancer. Yeah. And it's now it's a better bunker because it went from 30 of them for 240 points plus full command to now it's 30 of them for 100, 180 points with your full command. So here's a question for you. I don't know if you'll know the answer to it or not from since the, the book is brand new. Right. I mean, obviously you take the zombies because they're the cheapest option. Yep. You take ghouls because of the most fighty. Yep. What role do these guys play? Um, I have one big bunker of them in there, like I said, to keep my necromancer in when I've been writing my lists. So just a cheap, it's somewhat resilient, but you're not wasting the kind of points when you you wouldn't want to throw them into ghouls because they're actually going to fight. These guys can stand back a little bit. They can still fight though. They're they're they're. I mean, they're not they're not nearly as good in a fight as ghouls, 
but they don't suck, and they're still stre- strength and toughness three. Their weapon skill sucks, but they're strength and toughness three. I mean, they're not much worse than any of those. I mean, they're not worse than peasants. Beat them or burn them. They go up pretty easy. They're well, not worse well than... they're worse than peasants because their leadership is so bad. Oh, yeah. What is their leadership again? Three. Yeah. But if you've got your if you've got your necromancer in it, in the unit, no, they're that's, eight. That's, that's very true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at them now saying, I can get two of these for every ghoul. I can get a bunch of them. And with that necromancer that so, I'm going to put so in the unit. So that's it. It's, it's that nice in-between where they're, they're not quite as abandoning all chance of success as zombies are. But you don't pay quite as much as you would for a ghoul. When they, they were the exact same cost as a ghoul. Then the ghoul was so much more worth it. Now right. they are half the cost, and suddenly you're like, they're worse, but they're half the cost. I can get twice as many. Yes. So for the same cost as a ghoul, I still have two attacks. Plus, as I said, that necromancer, I'm always giving him that plus 20 to summon skeletons past their starting and, size. And that's the thing. You can take a necromancer and actually get these guys past the start. Uh, invocation is D6 plus the wizard level. So my level 4 is bringing back at least 5, possibly 10. That's, you know, they're, they're they've become... Cheaper and it, it, once again, it's it's a better it's a better deal. Uh, dire wolves, their stats haven't changed except now they brought back the old slavering charge rule. Plus one to your strength when you charge. Nice. I mean, you're you're going to take them before. Now you're definitely going to take them. Yeah, that's the way I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, you want something fast, especially now that you don't get mm-hmm. uh, march moves across the table. Yeah, so it and seems these guys can more move important. nine without marching. So. so you need something quick on your flanks. Yep. And this seems like a pretty good choice, but you do have two other ones. Yeah, well, okay, now, fell bats, um, well, though, though these, are, these are, oh, here's a funny thing. Uh, corpse card and bat swarms used to be core, and they are now in the special choices. Right. Um. Fellbats were, they still are, Fellbats haven't changed at all. They're the same darn thing. Uh, Batswarms actually got way better. They used to have Fly, Undead, and Cloud of Horror. And Cloud of Horror, the old rule for those of you who know 7th edition, Cloud of Horror said they were unit strength 3, but they could only fly 10 inches. Which is now the hover rule. Now the hover rule. So and there's unit, no unit, unit strength, strength. Three doesn't mean anything. There's anymore. no unit strength, and they have hover, which is you can only you can't march. You can only fly your ten inches. You can't march the twenty inches with flight. Um, Cloud of horror. Any enemy unit in base contact with one or more bat swarms has always strikes last. That's powerful. That's awesome. This is one of those things you're going to see the synergies popping up. A little confusing. I, I never quite understood the whole high elf thing. Do they or do they not have always strikes first? Yes, they do. Well, I mean, they have speed of a Surian. Speed of a Surian means they have always strikes first, no matter what weapon they're carrying. Speed of a Surian is basically because if you have anyone else has always strikes first and carries a great weapon, they cancel each other out. Correct. Speed of a Surian is I have always strikes first, even if I'm carrying a great weapon. Okay. That's basically it. Is always strikes first. It's always strikes first plus. But, I mean, does it count as the rule? They, yes, they, it counts they, as the rule, they, always they, strikes first. They always strike first, regardless of the weapon they are carrying. Yes. But do they, they have, actually have always strike yes, first? Yes, they have always strike first. So it's, so that means that high elves... If someone else has strike always in, strikes first would, and they have always strikes first, they go to initiative order. So, yeah. so does a high elf then strike in initiative order yes. when contacting a bat swarm? Yes. Okay. Yes. Which is what comes in cool is because then... Um, if you can get something that has always strikes first, 
which you can get always strikes first in this in this oh army. I know you can so you can actually and plus the beauty of it is this comes in contact with high elves and they lose that damn reroll because they always have higher initiative than you but they lose the reroll with the bat swarm yeah a lot of a lot of stuff recently has been specifically bad against high elves and I'm waiting for them to get their one uh, their, their their special book oh and I'm certain they will but it's just you know I mean part of it is high elves it they're good. And they get the always strike first, but now they're getting the always strike first. And against so many armies, with their initiative being higher, they're getting the reroll every turn. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, damn. So, but the bat swarms do bat, that. And bat swarms it. are an obvious choice, though, for that fun combination potential. Uh huh. And the fact that they're what their uh, bat swarms are thirty-five points a piece, uh, unit size minimum of two. But they're so only strength s- and toughness too, so they're not going to do a lot on their own. No, uh, they're unbreakable. Though they're a swarm, they have five wounds. They're there to stop you. They're there to just throw that in on the side. It's another little speed bump. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't treat them like. I mean, I wouldn't treat them as. Uh, I mean, everything in your army is unbreakable. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't throw them in hoping to slow them down because these guys will disintegrate. Oh, they're. But, I mean, but, yeah. if you throw them in at the same at the same turn as something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. They're they're there. A lot of these things have to be used in combination. You're not going to just throw zombies in on something because they still suck. But they're good zombies with something else. You know. So bat swarms take a little finesse because you have to time it. Yes. You've got to be able to charge them in the same turn as something that. But they've got hover, so they've got ten inches. Yeah, it's not bad. Plus a charge. Yeah, so good. yeah. So hover. I'm, does that mean swift stride? Uh, are they? I don't swarm. Uh, I don't know. Let don't. me look up hover real quick. I'm not sure. Well, so the the fill bats are identical. They are completely identical. Yep. Um, seventy-one. Well, the next one is the grave guard. Uh, killing blow one dead. It looks like they're completely identical in every way. Uh, models with hover follow all the special rules for flyers, but cannot march. Uh, so probably means swift stride. All flyers have swift stride. So there you go. Yes, they have swift stride. Okay. There it is. So, yeah, so they can they can they reliably charge. Fly- yes. Yes. 10 plus 3d6. Uh, Graveguard have not changed a bit with the exception of they are no longer magical attacks either. Oh, it, I, I, then a genuine nerf. The white blades rule was magical with killing blow. Mm-hmm. Now it's just killing blow. There's no white blades okay. rule. It's just they have killing blow. So Are they still worth it? Oh, yeah. No doubt. Uh, no, I still like good, them. Yeah. There's 11 points, 12 points with great weapons, hitting at strength 6, and there's still the Banner of the Barrows. Okay. So they're only weapon skill 3. Mm-hmm, that's right. But still, the Banner of the Barrows means they're hitting a lot of times on 3s. Which You're is, not going to see them hitting on 2s like before with the weapon skill hat because it's gone. Yep. But hitting on 3s with strength 6 is yep, still... We never did mention that. I mean, that's that's one of the big significant changes of this army book is that the weapon skill hat is gone, the banner, Drakenhof banner is gone, the ability to take two additional power dice per vampire, all of that is gone, and yet still this army seems like it's going to work. I got to tell you, when I first heard uh, the Drakenhof banner, when I I didn't, I never took it, and then once I started, here's the thing: four months I played this army, never once took the Drakenhof banner. Then everyone's like, dude, you really should give the Drakenhof banner for 125. Once I tried it and realized how good it was, it became a crutch. I never took another list without it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it's gone. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I mean, I know I mean, and, and I know that sounds stupid because it was such a great thing to have in this army, but yeah. it was 125 points that I was always putting in this army that was 
it was an amazing thing, but it did. It became a crutch. It was like suddenly I I couldn't take a list without it. You know what though? From the from the perspective of a person who had to play against vampire counts, I'm delighted that all those things were gone. I didn't like playing against the vampire counts that much. They were kind of a drag. Well, I, I mean, this army I can't wait to play. They is it a drag me. because it was? It was one of the. It other. was tough, or it was just like, oh god, this again. Kind of that. It was like, it's uh, like, that's how I feel sometimes. Like I said, when I play against uh, like uh, a lot of the warrior lists, when you see just the these are those are the Zinch warriors with the extra uh, award save. Those are the corn warriors with the two hand weapons and frenzy. It's like okay, I've seen that list you a know, thousand times. I'm getting tired of playing it. I know it's good, and I, I I love playing the game. I'm just tired of seeing that one thing every time. You know when you've played one too many games of Magic: The Gathering, and all the colors <laughs> you are mean just when you played Magic: The Gathering, and every color yeah. is just the stereotype. It's like yeah. oh good, you're playing blue, and nothing that I do is going to matter. Right. Oh good, you're playing white, so you have 800,000 uh, life points. Life points yeah. Yep. yeah. Oh, oh, did you pull out a circle of protection against my color? F you. Game's yeah. over. Yeah, it's, well, the old vampire counts for me were a little bit like that. It's like, okay, so you're going to be able to weapon skill me. You're going to be able to killing blow me. You're going to be able to replenish. All of my artillery won't matter. You can outmaneuver me. The only thing you don't do is shoot, but you move faster than my arrows. <laughs> so yeah, I'm no. I mean, and, and I, like and, I said, when I saw that it army? wasn't there first, I was like, "Damn, it's not there." And then I was like, "You know what? It, it was weird because it was almost like, like I went through uh, about a day of withdrawal. I can, see and then that. I got it out of my system, and I got it's like I got clean. Well, <laughs> this like, army may destroy me, but I'm really looking forward to it. It's fresh. It's you know, it's so much it, here. Yeah, and it's, it's the same army. Uh, yeah. Uh, Black Knights are just as good. In fact, I think they're better. <laughs> well, here's part of it. It actually says you can give them barding, and that doesn't slow them down. Yep. Which before it did. It did. And now they said it doesn't. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Um, spirit Hosts are now, uh, they got, Spirit Hosts got super cheap. They went down to 30, what was it, 35 points for a Spirit Host? In the special? No, 45 points. It went from, I think, 60, 60 or 65 to 45. Spirit Host are uh, their swarm. Strength and toughness, three, four wounds. No, Spirit Host. Oh, they are a swarm, yes. Um, they're, they're, they're the same stats as before, I think, but now they're unit size one. Yeah. Instead of three, and they're cheaper. So you're going to take one or two or three of these little ethereal guys. There's this great picture from the Spirit Hosts. I wish their models looked like this image. Uh, it's, it's, page, it's page 41 in the Vampire Counts book, and the picture is horrifying. It's yes. so scary. I mean, to see yes. this creature would just chill me to the bone. I wish their models looked Grim, like this. Come out to socialize. socialize. Yeah. And a lot of people like them. I've actually had people commenting because we keep bagging on them. Every time we mention them, we it's, bag on the models. That's just my personal. I will continue to bag because I think they look like scary sheets. They, they, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. First of all, the face looks like that mask from Scream. And I know it was out Ooh. before that mask from Scream, but damn, it looks like Holy the Holy cow, one. kids, that's pretty spooky. Look out. Like I said, um, uh, my uh, uh, my army of the dead 
Lord of the Rings models. Yeah. Oh, those are perfect. Three of them on the base instead of three of those, and they look awesome. Those are perfect. Uh, it, and part of it is just that weird pose with both arms out to the side, like not even towards you. They're not... It's just it is because with the arms going straight to the side, it just it's, it's totally just. It doesn't look like they're attacking you. There's it, no weapons. They're not reaching towards you. Like they're just a like a guy in a sheet. I got a rock. <laughs> it's kind of like in the Brady Bunch when they make the kids they agree to sleep up in the attic oh, for the night, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. It, the thing opens up and the cellophane ghost comes out. That's kind of like that. Let's see how many kids rec- uh, remember that. Corpse cart got all sorts of awesome. Now that is it's, it's more expensive. It's uh it's it not a, a character. It is a it special is a choice. special choice only. Yes. Actually, well, no uh, characters can take it. Someone can characters write on can this. can write it. The necromancer can write it. I um I, I don't know if the vampire can, but I know the necromancer can. I think a necromancer can. Uh, he replaces the, the necromancer can cuz he makes it with blood and bones and stuff. Oh yeah, okay, so it's just the necromancer. He does replace the corpse master. Oh okay. So Corpse Master It went from seventy five points to ninety points. Yep. But it did get better. Okay. Well it's still fragile. It's still got the two D six of random attacks from the zombies, but they're strength three and not strength two. So the two D six attacks are at strength three. It's still got regen. It's still undead. Uh the bale fire it used to be twenty five points for either of the upgrades. And now the bale fire upgrade is, I think, fifteen. So that's the uh, minus, minus one, one to casting. To casting. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, the unholy lodestone, which the unholy lodestone changed. You get to reroll a single d six to determine how many wounds are restored for each. Well, invocations in a bubble, and you roll a d six for each unit. Right. And one d six for so for one unit. You get to re-roll. So if that unit, you really needed to get some models back and you rolled a one. But that's for each eligible unit. So, like, if you cast the bubble, each one gets to re-roll. Now, is that because it says he may roll, re-roll a single D6 to determine how many wounds are restored for each eligible? In- oh, zombie units get to roll two D6. There so you it's go. all, that's why it's a single. So you can re-roll it forever. So that's worth the 30 points. That's it's a 30 w- point it's upgrade. It's worth it. It's, it's expensive. Totally expensive worth it. And I didn't worth realize it. that's what it was. Powerful, yeah. Um, it's also going to be target number one. I mean, with archery shooting, I've been able to kill corpse cards before. Yes. They're fragile. They, they do have regen, but so, but the, uh, yeah, it's got so an I'm, armor save of five because it's a chariot. Five armor regen. So I think against this army, you're going to start to see a resurgence of the lore of fire. Because <laughs> well, yeah. it's magic and flaming. So, um, And a lot of the army has regen. A lot of, not a lot of words. There's lots of regen in this army. Vigor Mortis is flipping fantastic now, though. And Vigor Mortis does what? Vigor Mortis used to be their bound spell level three that gave units within six inches uh, always strikes first. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works anymore. Oh, no? No. Well, pray tell. You, if an augment spell from the lore of vampires, which is three of the spells, augment spell hits the corpse cart and it's successfully cast, all friendly undead within six inches get always strike first until the start of your next magic phase. The best part about it is because zombies have always strikes last. They don't just have initiative one. They have always strikes last. Right. Well, they have both. Zombies lose always strike last and then gain always strike first. So they don't cancel out and go to their initiative of one. They actually get to always strike first. So the nice thing about this is that th- th- there's a lot of synergy within the army. I mean, you, all three of your core units have a place and a point, uh-huh. and there are different ways to tweak them if you want to r- sort of accentuate their, their advantages. Yes. If you really do want to go with the zombie route, a couple of corpse carts might not be such a bad idea. 
Right, and once again, you or have at least one of the seven spells in the deck. Three of them are augments: Van Hell's Hellish Vigor and Invocation, which makes sense. Any of them hit the corpse cart, and suddenly you're getting ASF, which is cool because Van Hell's no longer gives you ASF. So this is another thing that works. Should we take a very quick break and then come back with the uh, monstrous infantry for the book? Sure, let's do that. Okay. Oh, Dad. 
We're back. Hey. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. Okay. Uh, Stay a while. Now, everyone's asking Crypt Horror Vargas. Huh? Okay, I put out there on the Twitter on Thursday, hey, we're recording, or Friday morning, I put, hey, we're recording. Hey. If anyone has questions, go ahead and ask about vampires. The question and was what? Crypt, six different Crypt people, Horror versus Vargeist? Six different people asked me Crypt Horror or Vargeist. Let's, let's talk about them real fast so that the listeners know the differences. i got to be honest, I don't know which one to take. They both have... Some merits, and I'm not certain. So they're both they're both monstrous infantry. Yep. I'll, I'm gonna I'll talk about the cryptor. You get into the vargeist. Okay. So the cryptor is a uh, it's a poisoned attacks. It's regen five, and of course it's undead monstrous infantry. Moving to six. Uh, weapon skill is three. Strength four. Toughness five. And I think that's going to be reversed for the other guys. Yep. Three wounds, just like any monstrous infantry. Uh, initiative is only two. Three attacks, and you can give them a crypt haunter, which is basically champion version. Right. And that's effectively what they are. In, in game terms, they are souped-up ghouls. Yeah, their initiative's a little less. They have an extra attack, but their strength and toughness are each uh, up by one. It looks like their attack is the same as the Vargeist, Dave. No, no, no. I'm talking over regular ghouls. Oh, yes. They're, um, they're, they move faster than a regular ghoul. Their strength and toughness is one more than a regular ghoul. They obviously have three wounds because they're monstrous infantry. Uh, their initiative has dropped... Um, but I mean, they're still, they seem pretty good. And with that regen five, that's not a bad thing to have. You know, they're going to be a little more, um, a little more usable. Well, they're cheaper than Vargeists by, by eight points. Yes. 38 as opposed to 46, right? Uh, that's right. Yeah. So regen five. So they've got a built-in way to protect themselves, but no armor otherwise. And if they're near the mortise engine, that regen gum becomes four. Right. So now Vargeist, if they're near a mortise engine, but they don't need to be, they get a regen as well. But they have fly, frenzy, undead, and they're vampiric, which means they can march. Their um, leadership is only seven, so the frenzy could serve you poorly. They can be redirected fairly easily. Unless you, once again, you, if you can keep them in the beginning of the game, at least near the general. Yeah. You're going to be leadership 8, 9, or 10, depending on who your general is. Um, on a lower point game, I would, I would, a lot of my lists have a, the Necromancer. If I have a default, I'm going with the Necromancer because he can be a level 4 more easily. Yeah. So that's only a leadership 8, so it's not that big of a, of a bonus. Um, they are toughness 4 with no saves, so... That's that's the one thing that keeps... So they're fragile, they're easily redirected, but at the same time, we're talking about three strength five attacks that Plus fly. The, and the stomp. and stomp. They both get stomp, but a stomp at strength five is definitely better than a stomp at strength four. I see these guys as extremely fragile versions of, like, Pegasus Knights. I mean, you've got the same damage output, Yep. but the problem is um, they're very easily killed. Yeah. I mean, they're not a... It's not a Vargulf. It's, you know... No, no. Um, but, they, I mean, they both seem... Good. And, I, I mean, I'm sorry, because of the first impressions, I mean, literally a bunch of people have asked... I, I guess it depends the on two. the kind of army you want to build, but, I mean, the, the Cryptors are more survivable. They've got a higher toughness, and they've got regen, while the Vargeists are faster, and they have frenzy, so that means four attacks instead of three. Right. And, uh, and being monstrous infantry, if you take... You can take, like, six of them, take two ranks, and they're getting 18, 19, 20, 21 attacks. Now, here's a question for you. The Cryptors, mm -hmm. they're not vampiric, which means that uh, the spell that allows you to revitalize them, 
there's no limit. It's like D6 plus one, right? Um, there is some... Hold on. There's... I'm, I'm, I don't remember the name of the spell. It's, it's not Van Hells. It's, it's Invocation. Uh, invocation. Invocation the heck. All right. Invocation is D6 plus the wizard level for infantry. Okay. Uh, other troop types get one plus the wizard level in wounds. So if you got a level four, this would get five wounds. Oh, that's not bad. Right. Uh, models with vampiric, ethereal, or large target only gain one wound per casting. So the cryptors, if you're level four, you can you can get back five. You get automatically is, five wounds. So that's because it's that's, one plus. That's at least a model and a half. A model and a half. Well, model two thirds. Well, that's pretty good. You know where that comes in awesome though. Huh. Black knights. Well, we were comparing these two. I know, but I'm just saying what I'm looking at is you've got ten black knights. Yeah. You get invocation off on them, five of those come back automatically with your level four. See, that's pretty good. Used to not be able to do that with, with cavalry. That's pretty good. <laughs> so, I mean, in terms, of, in terms of resilience, if you just need something to hold the line, the Cryptors are pretty good. Yeah. If you're willing got to the let... the toughness, the regen, and the... They, 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 the Vargas are going to die. Gonna... The Survival Command Center at the Pentagon has disclosed that a ghoul can be killed by a shot in the head or a heavy blow to the skull. Kill the brain, and you kill the ghoul. Because yeah. you're only going to be able to get back one at a time. One wound. That's what I mean. Yeah, not even one model. It's yeah. just a one wound. wound. They only have three wounds, and they're actually less resilient. They, they, they're going to pack more of a punch. It depends on what you're playing. You know, uh, Crypt Horrors are great, and they're going to last, but they are only strength four, which isn't weak. Some, but something else, though, is uh, just notice the Vargeists have a higher weapon skill of four and an initiative of four, so they're probably going to go first, and they might... That's to see, and that's the thing, though. I mean, that's is where I don't know. The Var guys can get taken out quickly, and they're going to be a target. But this is another game where but, suddenly you have but, a lot of targets. But so. they're going to be able to pick on whatever target they want. Yeah. Now and I've already heard people saying, take three units of seven of these. Vargeists? Yeah. So Vargeists are the direction that... I've heard people, in fact, Brian from the Hydras. The issue with these are, guys is the is the frenzy. If you've got a way to redirect cleverly, because it puts it puts the pressure on your opponent to know how to redirect them, yes, and keep them from. Yep. But once again, you know you can still do the. Uh, well, they can fly, so they, they can they. Can you even put a unit in front of them? And it seems like they can fly right over, can't right. you? Right. So, so you, you can't really even, block them. Yeah, you can't even block there's them. There's no real control. There's no there's no check and balance in place. No, I mean unless I mean, you the, well, the, you could put them behind like a a var. What's what's the big thing called? The Vargulf? Not the Vargulf, even bigger. Terrorgeist. Terrorgeist, well, yes. Um, well, and like I said, if you keep them near the general in the very beginning and the whole army moves up about eight inches, then on the next turn, boom, you're... Off you're, they go. Yeah, they're off they go. Um, I, I'm, I'm starting to lean toward Vargeist being... At first I was leaning toward Crypt Horrors because they're... I, I, you know, I like, I like the durability, but the Vargeist do poison. get the, yeah. the quick hits and... I mean, there's just so many other things in this in this list, the, the the different synergies that could give them little bonuses. My other thought is, since I haven't seen this army in play yet with the new rules, can you replenish the way you used to? Is five, are five wounds enough for Cryptors, or will they lose that just in Crumble alone? Five wounds? What are you talking about? Five wounds is what you'll get back if a level four casts oh. Invocation of Neheck on them. Um... I mean, I I don't know. Neither do I. Well, I guess I guess we're yeah. not really answering the question, but we're just continuing the debate. But they're both 
Very interesting. I'm, I'm and sorry. I, I knew this was going to be a question, and I, I I've done a lot of the math hammer, and it just it really kind of breaks down. So to, the, the question is: Cryptors seem like they're better for resilience, but they do have poison attacks. And that's, yeah, that's nice. That they're only strength four, but yes, they have poison attacks, and you can replenish them very quickly. The Vargeists, you're almost assuredly not going to get them back before they crumble out or get killed. So they're going to go out in a blaze of gold, glory, and they're more expensive, but they hit. They have more attacks. They're high initiative. I mean, for a vampire army, an initiative four is pretty. And they're vampiric, so they can march twenty inches, not ten. Right. So there's something to be said for those guys. I, I, yeah, I might, I might, I might, tem- I might be tempted if I had that box set to put together the Vargeists first. I have one, and it's still sitting in the box because I'm still looking at it, going, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Don't you hate that? I've, I've got. Um, <laughs> I'm almost sure I'm going to put together my War Sphinxes of War Sphinx, not as a necro, but every once in a while I go. Heroic Killing Blow is cool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Even though I don't think it's a good idea, I still want to put that thing together because I'm one of the few who actually likes the Necro the way it looks. No, well, I, I don't mind it either. So, uh, Vargo haven't changed. Are they still rare? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, um, their they initiative no is four. They, they their attacks no are five. Are rear, so like he before. can't fly. Could he? I thought he could fly before. Was I just wrong? I guess I was wrong. Oh, maybe he could. I don't remember. I don't. He think doesn't he could. fly now, but his movement is eight, and he's a monster. So that's Thunderstomp, not Stomp. Hatred, Regen, Terror, Undead. Bestial Fury is what? For the purposes of calculating he combat. He has no flanks or rears. That's new, isn't it? No. That's, he had that before. Oh, did he? Yeah. That's pretty cool. So if you attack him on the flank, he's just insane. He's fl- flailing limbs and nastiness. So he's not considered a large target. No. He's just a beast. He's just a big but old monster. But he's a monster, so Thunderstomp. He's pretty cool. Is it, yeah. What's his points level for that? He's still 175. Um, that's not bad. Is he a vampire? He's vampiric, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I was hoping he wouldn't be. No, he is. But well, no. But that's nice. Though, but he's too, got because regen. That means he can march. He, he's still got regen. He's movement of eight. His weapon skill is five. Strength and toughness of five. He's got four wounds. Initiative four. So it's again, it's high. Five attacks. His leadership is four. Uh, but that's because he's a crazy animal. Yeah, I guess. I guess he doesn't have. Uh, I guess he's still tempting for the same reasons he was tempting in seventh. Oh, he's the same model. Yeah. And he's still, I mean, still he's got hatred, so he's getting the real, he doesn't have frenzy, so that leadership four is not a huge deal. I guess the nice thing about this is because your flanks are more exposed than they used to be in the old edition, it's nice to have those vampires on the flanks, and this is something that it's just 175, and boom, you put it on the side, and that can deal with just about any cavalry you want, because you'll probably get the charge. Yep. You won't get your thunderstomp, but... And if you can hit them in the flank... A lot of a lot of cavalry crumble when they don't get the charge because they don't get their strength bonus. Right, it might be something. Uh, there's something to him. I, mean, I don't. I don't think he's. I don't think he's useless. I think he's pretty good. Blood and, initiative four yeah. is good too. Oh yeah. Um, Blood knights are stupid. <laughs> they're, they're stupid. Um, they're, they didn't change that much. Um, they went down five points to fifty. Okay. It's still fifteen. That points makes me so angry. Playing as a Bretonian for a moment. Um, they're still. I mean, they still have the same stats. They still have that martial honor, which means that if you have a castell and a champion, they have to challenge. Okay. And accept challenges. If you don't have a Castellan, then any blood knight may accept a challenge. They don't have to. There's no like if you don't have a champion. Sounds like my Grail knights. Yeah. Okay. Now, they do have this. They can take a magic standard up to 50 points. If you don't take then, then you can take the Flag of Blood Keep, which used to be in the list of standards, but now it's only the Blood Knights can take it. 
That's interesting. It's and it's seventy five points. It's funny they can take standards up to fifty points, but if they or, don't take a fifty point standard, they can take this seventy five point standard, which gives them a four up ward save against ranged attacks. That's huge. Now ranged attacks, magic missiles are ranged attacks, aren't they? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's basically any sort of ranged attacks. It's a four up ward save. They will make it across the board. But it's 75 points. 75. That's the cost of one of your knights. Uh, One and a half. Yeah. I mean, a unit of five knights without the Castellan because it's dangerous to take him. Now, you love these guys, and I can't blame you. I like I uh, like strong I, cavalry. I do love are these they, guys. They're, they're still... Are they just so many points? That's... I mean, okay. Five I mean, are, are, they, are they worth it? I'll what? tell you what. I've, 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 I've taken them. Uh, not in the new with the new book, but I've taken them, and when I have taken them, they get into combat and they kill stuff. It's what they do. They get off the charge. Their strength seven. They have two attacks apiece. Their weapon skill is five. Well, they've got a two up armor save. In, I mean, they're, in their particular case, they only have one wound, but at the same time, that vampiric limitation of only bringing one back brings back three attacks. Yeah, two from the vampire and one strength four attack from the nightmare. Strength the four. The horse is a better fighter. A than weapon most skill humans. three and strength four. Yeah. yeah. Um, the beauty of that was now here's the thing. Before, I would take a vampire, put him in with the blood knights, and give him blood drinker. Okay. They were expensive. You could take twice as many black knights for the blood knights, but that blood drinker, as long as you didn't lose all the blood knights, every wound he did with the sword brought one of them back. So if you lost one or two, your vampire does one or two wounds to rank and file, and then they come back. Did their initiative go up? I think it used to be a four. It's possible. Um, well, I could be wrong about that. I seem to recall that... Um, I, I don't... Re- I don't, Oh, hold on. <laughs> they got all the stats in the back of this here book. This What is this called? This is called the Little Red Book. Blood Knights. Blood Knights were initiative four. Yes, their yeah. initiative went up. So their stats did change a little bit. They're quicker on the draw. Yeah. So that means that when they charge elves, for example, the reason I remember that is when we first started playing, uh, my friend Ryan Noah was practicing with VC, right. and he took a unit of Blood Knights, but he ended up charging them into, I had a bus of uh, Cold One Cavalry, uh-huh. who have an initiative of five. Oh, that's right. And I had the Hydra Banner, so you I was able to go first. first, and I ended up being a buzzsaw against them, and they crumbled. Because I was able to wipe them out. Now the initiative is the same. Now, but does your initiative have to be higher or just equal to with always strike first? Well, neither one has a always strikes first. Oh, okay. Um, I was able to simply go first oh, because my initiative Hydra was thought, higher. That's right. Okay. No, Hydra means that uh, all of my guys get additional attacks, including oh, okay. mounts. Right, right, right. So it was just quantity. It wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I, I struggled to get through the armor, but I hit so many times that I was able to take them out. But that wouldn't happen anymore. We'd strike Simo. We'd kill each other. So. We're getting down to a few more models here. Um, okay, black the black coach. Black coach got five whole points cheaper, but I think I think for the way the rules work in eighth edition, I think it got better, and it got better because of the way the effects work. Now it no longer. Uh, you you don't roll in your magic face to see if it sucks up your dice. Meaning the opponent doesn't the opponent, roll anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't actually threaten the opponent's magic phase at all anymore. No, and uh, and, uh, and it won't get more powerful during your magic phase either. So um, it only has six 
chances in yes. a single game to improve. Yes. Um, when I roll my dice, though, the sixes aren't taken out of my dice pool anymore. It just all the sixes you roll, you total them up. And, and it was it very specific it. about that in the rules. The, yes. the dice remain consistent. Whatever you roll is how many you roll in your in your magic phase. I mean, right. that's how many you get to keep. Yeah. But you just roll those dice and count the number of sixes. Yep. Now, the bonuses have slightly changed. Uh, one, the first six is still plus one impact hits, which is fine. Uh, number two used to be hatred, and now it's plus one strength on the Cairn Wraith and the Nightmares. So once you hit that second six, your Cairn Wraith is hitting its strength six, and your Nightmares are hitting its strength five. That's awesome. That's pretty darn good. Even the toughness seven big monsters I'm wounding is still on a five. Yep. Um, then number three was magic resistance three. Uh, now it's uh, killing blow and flaming attacks on the impact hits, the Nightmares, and the Cairn Wraiths. So even your impact hits have killing blow and flaming. This is really cool. This was not something they had before. This, once it gets up to, to power level 3, you can charge this at the big regen-only monsters like your Hell Pit and stuff. Well, it's only Killing Blow. And Flaming. But the Killing Blow one... Well, the Flaming is bad for the Hell Pit. Well, that's the, what I'm talking about. Things that have re, only a regen save. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, it's good against Hydras, too. Yeah, the Killing Blow is not going to you know matter against the big monsters, no. but... But they didn't have that before, which is really cool. Uh, it was Magic Resistance 3. Now on level 4, they actually that, they gained killing. They used to gain Killing Blow, but now they already have it. Now it's Magic Resistance 2 and Strider. It's just the same because you already have a ward save of 4. So MR2 plus your... Yeah, you don't need Magic Resistance 3 because in the, in the way the game right. works now... You're still going to save on a 2+, plus, a ward save of 2+, plus against a Magic yeah. Attack. So I got a, uh, I got a Magic Resistance 2, but I got Strider. So the key here is, if you're playing against a black coach, hit it early. <laughs> hit it often. Uh -huh. Destroy that thing, because if it gets to turn five and it gets that MR, you're not going to be able to shoot it anymore. Yeah, and then uh, and then five and six are the same. Five is ethereal, and six is a flyer. But uh, It's still vampiric? Oh, yeah. Okay, so it can march. Yep. Uh, the Cairn Wraith still has the chill grasp. Uh, it's a chariot. It cannot march. Oh, no, it can't march. It's a chariot. No, you're right. What's, what I like about this, though, is is the Cairn Wraith still has the chill grasp, so you can trade in its attacks for one attack. Right. With the, which does a wound with no save, which if you're going against something with a really high toughness, I suppose it's good. But once you hit that uh, plus one strength, that thing's hitting always striking last with at strength six anyway, so... It's not that necessary. I just think that the, the effects have gotten better. The effects have definitely gotten better. Playing against it? It loses hatred. The only thing it doesn't have anymore is hatred. Which is nice. I'm glad that's gone. Uh, playing against it, I'm relieved that it no longer... A, it no longer robs me of my magic phase. Right. Because that was just one one step too many. Yep. And... Uh, you know, I'm content with the fact that you don't actually lose your dice because you don't have 13 of them now anyway. <laughs> you know, it's right. it's not like before where you could say, well, I've got 2d6 plus these two and plus those two or however many. Exactly. So it's 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 more in line. Well, and plus with the magic phase being what it is and as important as it is, if you're going to have something that does something like this, you can't have it mess with the magic phase that heavily. 
So it doesn't mess with you at all. It doesn't take any away from me, but it doesn't take stuff on both turns. So it's toned down, but it doesn't penalize me as much as it used to. And it is a gamble. You just don't know what you're going to get. You may never, it may never boost. I mean, I'll tell you what, on averages, the average is seven dice, of course. Mm-hmm. So you're going to. So you're going to pick up seven dice and roll it, and chances are you're going to get at least one. Yep. And that means, uh, on again, on average, seven for six turns, you're going to hit it by f- turn five or six yep. and have it maximized out. And most of the time, now I know some people don't like the black coach. I love the damn thing. It always does me right. It always does well for me. I don't often lose I, the thing. I was scared of it in seventh edition. I don't know if I should be as scared of it in eighth, but it's still going to be a problem. It, uh, Like I said, I... It's always gotten its points back for me when I use it. I it, uh, almost always, I rarely ever, it rarely ever dies for me. And um, it's it's something that it's one of those things that's a nice psychological thing to your opponent because your opponent is always like crap, crap, crap. What do I do with that thing? What do I do with that thing? And I've usually had it charged up by turn three. Now, now without having it on both phases, it might not, but we'll see. It hits awfully hard, and it's very dangerous. I think the biggest threat here is just. The psychological effect of it. Because exactly. Because it's a chariot that can fly by turn... Well, the thing is, flight doesn't happen probably until turn six. So by then it might be too late. If you're lucky, if you have a nice a nice bunch of power dice in your magic phase and have a good roll, it could happen real early, you know? Maybe that's why it's not as popular, because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a gamble. Exactly. And, and tournament players don't like to have that razzle-dazzle element. They'd rather have something reliable. I agree. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's yeah. a great model. It's, and Yeah, it's fun to play. I, I have to say that when I have faced it, it, before this, when it was rolling twice in one turn, basically, mm-hmm. yeah, that thing was like powered up by turn three, turn four. Yep. And then it was a problem. So it's not quite as powerful. I'm glad they charged less for it. I like the effect of it. And I think they've managed to keep it relevant. Yep. Now we got the Hex Wraith, which I love the kit for this. These are brand new. Yeah. I love the kit for these. Um, some of the weird, the, what's supposed to be that ethereal steam coming off of it, like on the sword bits and stuff, looks a little funky. Yeah. What I like about this kit is that um, I can take the, I could build the Hex Wraiths and take some of the extra bits that are for the Black Knights. And I could take them and put them on my old Black Knights and sort of halfway convert them to the new Black Knights so they at least don't look so jank. <laughs> so I'm going to be doing that. Um, they're ethereal. They're fast cav. They are magical flaming attacks and allow no armor saves in close combat. Hex race and Hell Rays, they can move through unengaged units but cannot end their turn within an inch of it. If a unit of Hex Wraiths moves through one or more unengaged enemy units during the remaining moves phase, nominate one of the... So you can't run with your eight inches. You can't move... If for some reason you can move through two different units, you still only one unit is going to get the beat down with this Spectral Hunter's rule. But they suffer a strength five hit per Hex Wraith that is passed through the unit, distributed as shooting, their magical flaming attacks and no armor save. So basically... Being ethereal, I could just run through your unit with five of these, and you're going to take five strength five hits. Um, it's cool. And like I said, having magical flaming attacks with no armor save is pretty nice because against things like the Hydra that has an armor save with the scaly skin and the regen, this cancels out your armor save and the flaming cancels out your regen. It They can be deadly. They can be. Uh, it They're is, not cheap. It is a gamble because just like the 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 Tomb Banshee and the and the Cairn Wraiths, 
These are a lot of points for something that is inherently fragile. The only thing you're relying on to save you is ethereal. Yeah. So if you don't, if if, if your opponent has a way to make attacks magical or just inherently has them, you're going to run to the other side of the board and stay there. It's, yeah, your toughness three with no 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 saves. And they're thirty points a model. Yes. But if you're if you're against the right opponent, yeah, you can you can just make their life a living hell. This is a unit that if you take it, especially like to a tournament, you're going to have to kind of keep them to the back and see what you're going to do. This would be one of the last units I'd probably place on the board. Good call. Exactly right. You would not want to show your hand with these because you need to make sure that you win a deployment with them. Yes. Are they worth all the hype and the screaming and yelling people were doing before they came out? I don't think so. Oh, see, I don't even know what people are saying. So. Well, they were just saying that this is gonna, this is too broken. It's another ethereal unit. Nobody can deal with it. Um, you can only because they're ethereal, though. Let's let's talk about that for a second. Okay. Let's let's talk about armies that can deal with it and what you need to do to prepare for this. I mean, well, I'm, okay, anybody who has a magic missile, right? Uh, so anyone who can take lore of fire, for example. Okay, Laura. Oh, that's oh. almost everybody. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Problem solved. Uh, dwarves can put magic. Oh, all of their artillery almost can be magical. All their artillery is magical. Um, Anyone who can take lore of metal and you can, I, which I do often, and take uh, enchanted blades, uh, you can cast that on yeah. archers, and suddenly they're magical. Um, orcs can foot them. Orcs can foot the foot out of them. Yep. Uh, and you can only take five to ten. So even if you take ten. Uh, a magic missile is going to hurt them. Uh, here's the thing. They're ethereal. Mm-hmm. Invocation. One wound. Ethereal, uh, vampiric, and large target. You can heal one wound, which means in my... In fact, a lot of the builds I've been doing, I've had two characters, and they each know vampires. So I could cast two invocations. If these guys are close enough to be in the bubble, and I get both invocations off and you don't stop them, I've put back two. What are they armed with? Are they armed with great weapons, right? I believe yes. they are. So, yes, they're so, so strength yes. is five. So what I'm looking at here is a weapon skill of three for those guys and a weapon skill of two for their steeds. So however many guys you have, figure half of those are going to hit. Mm-hmm. The so, thing is, if I ru- these are the guys that I'm not going to try to get into combat with you necessarily. I'm going to just try to run through you and do the five strength, five hits, but you can automatic e- hits. If you've got a large enough unit, you can engage them and just hope for a poor round of combat on their end and just have more ranks than them and a standard and the charge bonus, and you can this, actually crumble them. This whole army needs to hit like everything. This, the hex race is another thing you want to hit in the flank, so you don't get as many return attacks and all that stuff, and you want to take you know all extra bonuses to combat res. This whole you, army depends on hitting the, the, the their opponents in the flank. You should also start to recognize those units within your army that potentially have inherent magical attacks. Uh-huh. Um, as much as people laugh at them, I, the ogres, for example, I think have yetis, which... I'm not sure that that's the answer, but yeah, these, all their attacks wanna, are magical. You might want to consider one, you know, or uh, the the Bretonians, of course, have the Grail Knights. The um, who else has magical attacks? Just about everything. Tomb Kings can probably produce lots and lots and lots of magical dwarves, attacks. It just char- dwarves, it's just characters and whatever you can put on the artillery, right? But that's still. That's, I mean, it's that's only plenty, a three though. inch. It's only a three inch template, but. But you of all armies can well. Oh, yeah. I, should, I, I say you as in you, Dave, because yeah. you play dwarves. God, you I can like dwarves. you can command uh, a pretty good amount of control with your artillery. I pay way too much for them, but damn, they they always make their points back. They do a lot. 
trying to think of other armies that uh, orcs would probably struggle because they struggle to create magical attacks. It's yes. just something about them that is one of their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just something that they have to face. But there are, are there are plenty of armies. I mean, chaos dwarves. Uh, we have Kadai. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, we have wood elves. Have all sorts of. Dryads, I think, are magical attacks. I think so, yeah. Dryads would tear these guys a new A. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And by A, I I mean B-hole. <laughs> Great. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So, hex raids. Uh, so, we've talked about a lot of ways to defeat them, but frankly, I think they're very good. Oh, they're, just, they're not. They're a they gamble. don't suck, but they're, yeah, they are a gamble. If your opponent has something to deal with them, they're dead. I think that in a tournament setting... It's the same people who are going to bring wraiths may or may not bring these because now you can take just one wraith and just like invest less in the risk. Right. But if you're going to take three wraiths for 150 points, you can take five of these for the same 150 you, points, and, and with, they can do with their mobility. Yeah, they can do just as much damage. And if you're willing to take three wraiths for 150, why the hell not take three of these for 150? Of course, these are in the special list, and there's other specials. Taking these means you're taking away from those vargeist. You're taking away from the crypt, uh, the grave guard. And you know, but it is 150 points for that one unit. Uh huh. And Black Knights once again the oh they're 21 points a model yeah 21 but like I said three for the barding and uh, I think it's three for the barding and two for the spear uh, the lances or vice versa. Mm-hmm. But even if you skip the lances and say screw it I don't I've got killing blow I don't necessarily need the plus two on the charge. 24 points a model plus full command is uh, 270. And uh, you can replenish five per invocation casting. And just if for resilience, for able to bring them back, two up armor save, bringing back five per casting on invocation. That's so. When you take hex raids, are you thinking that you're probably not going to see them survive the table, but they're going to do their damage? Well, I definitely am building five of them, and I will be taking them in the next few games and seeing how they how they how they work. Okay. Um, I really think at first it's it's so weird because. It's one of those things that I know they're going to hit the table and people are just going to be afraid of it because it's something different and something that can be devastating. Yeah. So I have a feeling it might be a nice a, 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 a nice missile magnet. Five of them, 150 points. Ah, meaning that the first run of combat, you know if they've got something fiery to throw at you, they're going to throw it at that. And, and my other guys are going to come running up the table while they're taking out that 150-point unit, which 150 points is is an expensive piece of ablative armor. But it's 150 points of, I just bought myself safety from the rest of the magic phase, because you're going to pick on them and not anything else. Exactly. Interesting. That's not a bad idea. Uh, Terrorgeist hasn't changed, and I think that Death Shriek is still awesome. Yep, and they do have some of the abilities that you start to see in uh, Storm of Magic, so there are several upgrades. Yeah, uh, uh, Infested. Infested Maw. Yeah, um... There, I, I don't know if I would pay for either of these. Uh, the poisoned attacks—they're already strength five. You know what I mean? Um, That's true, but I mean it's—it's it's one less. F- I see what you're saying. It's like, I mean, it's—it's it's fifteen points. That, I mean, I mean, granted, yeah, I, guess, I know you I say guess it's when only this, fifteen points. I guess when, when the you're... strength is high enough, it starts to be less useful, right? Because yes, it is reducing one filter, but that's only a one in six, right? Strength five. Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, I don't know. I mean, at the same time, it depends. If you're seeing a lot of toughness four, it might start to pay for itself in time. Yeah. But 50, I don't know. I don't know. Um, 15 it, points. It, it is a large target. So once again, it's a single wound back. I believe it's actually called a big gas target. <laughs> uh, infested is kind of a cool one. Um, all units in... It, w- 
All units in base contact when it dies take 3d6 strength 2 hits. It's friend or foe. So if it's up against one of your own units because you're in a multi-combat, I mean, basically when this thing dies, lots of little bats run off of it. What's the cheapest thing you can put on its back? Uh, Nothing, if you want. It can fly. On its own? Oh, yeah. It's a rare choice. It's a rare choice for 225. You can just take it. It's a monster. Well, that's interesting because I've taken 200-plus point units as expendable. Mm Mm-hmm. So now you're just doing it on purpose. Yeah. yeah. Just oh, get in there, would you? Just die for me. Oh. And when but, you do, <laughs> just do a whole bunch of wounds. Uh, well, plus with the death shriek, and it is a monster. It is got six wounds, and it's toughness six. It does have that regen six. If it's near a mortis engine, that regen becomes five. So what's the synergy there? Uh, lore of Shadow can lower their toughness, meaning that it makes it easier for this thing to wound them. But uh-huh. even if it does die, if you manage to time it, lower their toughness, and actually they're taking some hits from that. I wouldn't call yep. that a winning combination, but it's at least something. It's an, right. I, I would I would say that that ability is... Well, how, many, how many points is it? Two and a quarter. Uh, for the, no, for infested. Oh, ten. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty cheap. Oh, yeah. I mean, so you're paying extra points for it to die, but 3d6 is not bad. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'd have to see that work. Um... And now the Death Shriek is awesome in the beginning when it's got a lot of wounds because it's 2d6 plus the number of wounds it's got. Yeah. Uh, you roll that, and it's that. It, it, it's basically the same thing as the Banshee Scream. Yeah. It goes against their leadership, and it's a wound with no armor save. It's magical, so it'll affect, you know, lots of stuff. Um, but it's instead of 2d6 plus 2, it's 2d6 plus the number of wounds left. So in the beginning, if you get this thing up there right away, it's 2d6 plus 6. Reminds me of the Hydra. Yeah. So it could that that death streak is if you can get it off early in the game and get a good roll on it, it can it it's devastating. Now let's move over to the zombie dragon, which used to be kind of a laughing stock. Is it any better? Uh it's it's the same. And it's pretty much the same. It, so being you, you being can only the same, take it as a mount. Being the same in a new army, does that make it better, worse, or the same, same? Uh, it's it's huge. I mean, I like it because it's got some cool stuff, but it's 245 points to ride one, and the only person who can take it is a Vampire Lord. A Vampire oh, Lord is so already you... starting at 220. This is, unless you're playing a huge-ass game, it's just cost-restrictive to so take it's, one. So it can only count as, the only reason to have it is as a mount. Yep. Okay. And the only way to take it is if you're playing bigger than 2,400. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, enemies in base contact, minus one to hit. So it's that Nurgle thing. Yeah. Okay, that's good, but, I mean, it's almost outside of scope for most of the games that we play because it, it yeah. takes a big game. Here's the problem. Most of these cool mounts for the Vampire Lords, they're already so expensive that most of them are restrict. Are you're, they're costed out. That's too bad. It's too bad that you couldn't just take it. Yeah, um, the Coven Throne and the Mortis Engine are our last two, and then we can take a break. All right. Um, okay, Coven Throne. This thing is awesome, but once again, it's 230 points and can only be taken by a vampire. You could conceivably put a vampire hero on this and keep it within your points range. What exactly is it? Okay. I mean, it, it looks like a floating... It's a chariot. The, the Coven Throne and the Mortis Engine, both of them are chariots. And both of them are chariots that are being carried by ethereal 
they're being carried by ghosts. They're ghosts that have been bound by the will of the vampire. They are stuck to this thing, and they are carrying it. So they're they're basically ghost skeletons and ghost spectral steeds. More than anything else, these are the two things that evoke that that whole haunted mansion woo image, just like floaty guys. Now all here's around the thing: it. if you look at the picture, the little drawing of it, it looks a little scarier than the the model because the ghost is <laughs> pulling it all over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. Um, Either that, or I, I hear "Night on Bald Mountain." Yeah, it is very "Night on Bald Mountain" esque. Um, now here's the thing: it comes with dun, 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 dun. you've got the coven throne. And it comes with the three little vampire ladies on it. Now, there's the uh, the two pallid handmaidens, and then I guess the one on the top would just be substitute for your vampire, the one sitting on top of it. Yep. Um, the maidens have always strike first. It's a large target. The spirit horde, which is weapon skill three, strength three, has two D6 attacks. Uh, it has spectral steeds, which is the same. You know, once again, it's ethereal for purposes of movement. It's undead, it's vampiric, it has a 4-up ward save, so it's not a regen. So it's got a 5-up armor save, 4-up ward, it's a chariot. Um, what's cool with it is it's got it's got two cool things. First one, the scrying pool is the level 3 bound spell. Um, if, the, if you get this bound spell off, the coven throne and all the parts, the crew, any characters on the mount, re-roll, fail to hit, or to wound rolls for the remainder of the turn. Your pick. So it's a bounce spell level three allows you to reroll to hit or to wound. Not bad. Not bad at all. Um, especially if you can get off one of your bigger spells and people are throwing away their casting dice to get off either the Van Hells, which allows you to reroll the hit, or the other one that allows you to reroll the wounds. You throw this on it too. Uh, it does have this thing, Battle of the Wills, which is cool. Before the first model in an enemy unit rolls to hit, uh, the Coven Throne or a character on it, either in close combat or in shooting... The opponent must roll a d6 and add uh, his unit's leadership. Attacks that don't roll to hit, you don't have to do this. But if you have to roll to hit for shooting or in close combat, you roll a d6 and add your leadership. I roll a d6 and add the Coven Throne's leadership. And then we figure out the results. We um, subtract their enemy's total from mine. So we do a contested leadership roll. I subtract yours from mine. If, if uh, I subtract subtract yours from mine and it comes out to zero or less it doesn't do anything but if i beat you in the roll uh you're at minus one weapon skill and ballistic skill until the end of the turn if i beat you by one or two if i beat you by three to five you have to re-roll um the to hit rolls and if i beat you by six or more the enemy attacks itself Every model in the unit makes a single close combat attack to resolve against its own unit. War machines take a strength three hit for each remaining crewman against their toughness, and they can't shoot or attack for the rest of the turn. Pretty interesting stuff there. I mean, it's, it's gimmicky. It's it's yeah, it's kind of a pain in the ass way. What do I do again? But I mean, it's cool sounding. We both roll our leadership, and however much I beat you by, let's, I get a bonus. Let's talk about impact on the tabletop. This is too much to take for most of the games we play, isn't that right? Once again, it's 230 points. Here's the thing. Yes, someone said, well, you know, you could put it on a hero vampire because they're cheap. You wouldn't pass your limit. If I'm already taking a lord-level vampire or a lord-level necromancer for three or 400 points, and then I add this to the hero vampire, now my hero slot is up to almost 500 points. Half my army is in my lord and my hero on a coven throne. Is the Coven Throne that good? 
I, I don't know. I guess that's the question. <sighs> not really. Can you get away with not having a BSB in a Vampire Counts Army? Absolutely. So the same rules don't necessarily apply. Like in most uh, mortal armies, you probably want to take a BSB to protect yourself because those leadership tests There's are no so There's no more important. rerolls. The only thing it does is save you that one wound. So Okay. So in a situation like this, then... Um, it's two hundred and thirty points, though. Do you will it? Do you think for it the will, so? It will not get its points back, probably. You're not convinced. I mean, it's got the ward save. It's got everything going for it. It's a chariot. I'm already spending so much on characters. Characters are taking up a good twenty five percent of my army, like okay. my hero level. Even if I just take one hero and one. So you believe Lord. that this locks too many points into one spot on the table that may or may not do what it's supposed to do in the first place? If I'm not playing at least 3,000 points, I'm, I don't see myself taking this. Well, let's, let's talk about the Mortis then, because that's the other kit that comes in this box. <laughs> I'm writing that in almost every damn army list. This is a one plus to you? Uh, well, because of the way I play vampires as a using the lore of vampires... Casting a lot of regrowth spells. Well, let's talk about what it does then. So okay. I'll explain to the listeners. So more Ascension then is a sort of the more negative plane version where the Coven Throne is like sort of that. Well, first of all, it's not a mount. You don't ride it. It is a, th- it is a rare choice for 220 points. Is it ethereal? No. What exactly is it? Okay. Um, it is a necromancer uh summons up this thing and basically it contains the bones or something from a dead uber powerful necromancer okay okay it, it's really okay i'm gonna, so is it like a more horrific let me go to my plain version of a of a um, corpse cart let me go to my charlie church thing you know how uh the when you go to like a catholic church they've always got that tabernacle in the back of the church with the little thing that opens up and they say they might have some sort of uh ancient you know they used to have them in the old churches they might have a bone of a saint or something like that they have all these things in there you know they would have all these uh, ancient relics from saints and things like that i can envision what you mean okay picture the exact opposite it's a it's a it's a box or something on the back that's holding the bones or a relic of a super super powerful necromancer holding so the spirit of a necromancer there. So it's like the opposite of a grail reliquary. It's an yes. un, it's an unholy reliquary. Yes. Eey. In fact, some reliquaries some relic it has a reliquary in the back. It is a reliquary and it also they carries blasphemous tomes to battle. But so it's got all this stuff bound to it, all these spirits. So there's actually Three banshees, each getting one attack. So you've got this swarm of banshees that's flying around it. So you get three banshees getting attacked. Uh, and so that can make a ghostly howl because they're banshees. Oh, there's Reliquary. I'm, I'm reading yeah. the fluff for the first time. Okay. Yeah. No, so it's a it's a regular chariot. It's got a five-up armor save. It's a large target. So once again, one wound back with invocation. 2d6 uh, 2D6 attacks uh, at strength three, weapon skill three from the spirit horde. Regen. Spectral steeds again, terror causes terror. It's undead, and it but it's got banshees, so it's got the banshee scream on top of everything else. You get to roll that banshee scream, so you get to actually enjoy a shooting phase. Yep. Now here's what the reliquary, that reliquary that has the necromancer in the back. This is the special rule: start of each of your turns, roll two d six and add the turn number. That's the range of the the power that the reliquary has in inches. All enemy units with that immediately take D6 hits with the strength equal to the current turn number. Ooh. So if I roll, let's let's say I, I luck out and I roll a, 
a 2d6, I roll a 12. So it just grows in power every turn. Every turn, it grows stronger, and it gets a wider space because it's 2d6 plus the turn number. So on turn 3, if I roll a 10, it's a 13-inch range. All units, enemy units within 13 inches of this thing take d6 strength 3 hits, like from shooting. All friendly units in there for the rest of their turn... So you put little markers next to it. For the rest of the turn, all friendly units gain regen. And if you already have regen, it boosts it by a point. So all these regen 5 things that I've got in the army become regen 4. It only goes up to 4, so regular full-on regen won't become regen 3. But it gives regeneration. Now, but the problem is if you roll doubles on your 2d6, uh, it takes a wound with no saves of any kind. So if you roll doubles, it's gonna it's gonna hurt the engine. Um, when it takes the last unsaved wound and dies off the table, every unit within twelve inches plus the turn number, friend or foe takes two d six hits with the strength equal to the turn number distributed as shooting. So when it dies, everything within twelve plus the turn number takes two d six hits at the strength of the turn number. So when this thing blows up, it blow up. It's kind of like in the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring when Sauron blow up and knocks down everybody around it. That's what it does. Now, if you want to upgrade it to 240, and this is what I keep doing because, once again, I'm doing the Raising Dead, lots of vampire. I'm taking all vampire lures, uh, lures. For 20 points, all friend or foe wizards within 12 inches of this gain plus two to their casting results for Laura Vampires. So if you... Ah, when casting from Laura Vampires only. Uh Uh-huh. If any wizard miscasts within 12 inches of this thing, you roll twice and your opponent picks which result you get. So you want to have it near you. Your opponent, unless he's a vampire, doesn't really want to have it near him. Yes. So this thing is going to give me plus two to all my casts. So my level four necromancer that's near this... Is now casting at a plus six. I have a uh, I have a rules query for you that'll probably need an FAQ. Sure. So with this uh, blasphemous tome, that what it actually says here is that um, you, if you if you miscast, you roll twice on the miscast table. The miscasting player's opponent chooses which result applies. Yep. I've been starting to take the earthing rod, which allows me to re-roll the results of a miscast, so that I can get a better result if I want. Okay. How would I apply that to this? Because there are several timing directions you can go. I can re-roll either one of them, or I can re-roll after you choose which one is going to apply. I would assume that it goes to the rule for whose turn it is. So I guess I would say, well, re-roll them, and then I'll choose. I would assume so. Because remember, when two conflicting rules happen, it goes to the player whose turn it is. So, I mean... Of course, it's your turn. Would I be able to... If you miscast, it's your turn. So I guess you could pick if you well, want to... The, the question is, do I re-roll every miscast that I roll if I want to? Meaning if you roll... You've got to roll twice, and then could you... I, s- I have to roll twice, and you get to pick one. But if I roll one, say, I'll, I'll leave that one, and then I'll roll again. It's like, okay, I'll re-roll that one. Or do I get to say, you know what, screw this, I'm going to re-roll both of them. Am I allowed to do that? I mean, there, there, it's it's creating Earthing a situation. Says you can reroll miscasts, and this says you have to roll twice, but it doesn't say. Well, but it's a one-use-only item, I believe. Mm. 
In any case, it's not something I can answer. But I don't it's, know. It's something that uh, I didn't think who about. Who knows? That. Maybe someone from GW does listen, and we might consider uh, FAQing that one for me. Thanks, yeah. guys. Um, do I take a quick break and then we'll get into the characters? And the, you know what? Uh, can we? You want to skip the characters I want for to, now? You know what? Because we've been doing the special characters. What do you call it? The special characters segment. Yeah. Why don't we just revisit that during a special character segment on a different show? Okay, so the, what we've got left are the lore of the vampires, the powers, and then uh, magic items. Yep, and then we'll just talk about sort of some of the builds I've been working on, and then yep. how to attack these guys. Sounds good. Excellent. Okay. Um, hey! <laughs> Jump back, water, kids, left field. <laughs> um, All right, let's do. So <laughs> we are going to crazy. We're going to do the characters, like I said. Um, we could do it uh, on another show, but not this one. You know, we're going to do a special. We are going to do, like I said, a special character thing, a, and we'll just add these to the next a one. A very special garage hammer. Oh, don't start. Um, well, yeah. Well, next yeah. week on G Hammer, Vlad has Blood Drinker. Not Blood Drinker. No. Well, Blood Drinker's gone from the list now, from the special arm, uh, weapons. Remember, Blood Drinker, every wound it causes, you got a wound back to him, to the vampire that had it, or the unit. And now only Vlad has it. And it doesn't even do what it used to do. It's not every wound he does gives him a wound back. Blood Drinker changes his the hunger from a, on a six to it works on a four. Well, GW giveth, the GW taketh, taketh away. away. All right, lore of vampires. All right, so let's talk about the curse of undeath. This is a lore attribute. I'll go ahead and read this one real fast. Sure. Uh, so when a spell from the lore of the vampire su- is successfully cast, the wizard or another friendly model within 12 inches instantly recovers a single wound lost earlier in the battle. So unlike the Tomb Kings, it does appear as though the vampire counts can heal back their characters very slowly using this. Yep. 
That's that's what I was thinking. In fact, it seems to be the only way they can really do it outside of the hunger, which, which is, is not reliable. No. In fact, the hunger is uh, the necromancers don't have the hunger, obviously, because they're not vampires. They're technically not literal undead, although they have the undead special rule, but they're not. Right, but they don't have the hunger special rule. Right, well, so, they're, not, they're not vampires. Right. Yeah. So this, they're th- this liches, is, this yeah. Is, yeah, this is a way to give characters back a wound per, per spell. Oh, and remember, um, I uh, I had asked you the question. We were talking on the phone, and I had said how they still have the Book of Archon, which casts a Dance Macabre spell. Yeah. And that's a spell from Lore of Vampires. Right. So I, I actually saw in the Big Red Book FAQ, someone asked, if you cast a Bound spell, does it set off the Lore attribute if it's from a... And it said yes, yeah, absolutely. I, w- I would have hoped so, yeah, because... So that's another, you know, a Bound spell. You can throw that thing out, too, so... So what's what's the signature spell? Invocation of Nehek. Does it do the same as it did before? Um, it work well. The, there's the rules that we talked about in the beginning of the thing about how how the models come back. Mm-hmm. So it used to be invocation could give back one wound to any vampire. Uh, now you can't do that. Um, so this only works on units. It only works on units. Okay. It, it looks like it's initially very limited in range. All, all friendly undead within six all inches. You, no, you can't spam cast this anymore, which you used to be able to do. But it's all units within six inches for a six. Now let's not forget that if I'm standing next to that damn mortis engine, which I keep putting, like I said, I'm going to keep saying this. I am a horde vampire counts player. I like. But one of the reasons I like this army, and I really fell in love with the whole concept was, and we were talking about this earlier, is I want to bury you. You know what I'm saying? Kill as many models as you want. There's a thousand zombies behind you. I grew up with, you know, Dawn of the Dead, zombie movies, vampire stuff. Unlike the elite army that I was playing with my dwarfs, this is, yes, they're not that good, but there's just a bajillion of them, and eventually you're going to wear out. Um, and I've always played it. I mean, I've you know you know we've had this discussion. I'd love to take just lore of vampires and and regrow my army. Um, I can't spam cast it, but on a six, I'm next to that mortis engine. My level four is already at a six, so I need to only get a three or better. Um, the nice thing is I can expand this to all units within twelve inches for a twelve, and if I'm starting off at a six, that's not difficult. You can actually go to all undead units within eighteen inches for eighteen points. So 6 for 6, 12 for 12, or 18 for 18. It's pretty easy to remember. A 3-foot circle? A 3-foot diameter circle. That's huge. Uh, D6 plus the caster's level uh, in wounds back to infantry. Other troops are 1 plus the wizard level, unless you're vampiric, ethereal, or large target, and then it's 1 wound per caster. That's interesting, because it really does put an importance on the level of the character. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, I like it. I like it. I mean, it's it's obviously not spam casting, but you can have more than one vampire with this attribute, or I more like than it. one spellcaster with this attribute. So you can you can reliably cast it more than once in a phase because if it's that's the invocation. Yes. Right. Um, oh, I totally forgot. Uh, zombies have that rule: the newly dead invocation gets an extra d6 for zombies. There you so go. zombie is two d6 plus your casting level. Another reason to take zombies. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. 
the reason to take zombies. Yeah. You're going to get you're, a lot of them. You're going to get back 6 to 16 with every successful casting of Invocation. So don't forget that uh, GW makes a zombie line, and so does Mantic Games. Uh, be and sure to you're need a lot of them. Be sure to check out ManticGames.com because I think their zombies are really good. I like them, too. And they're cheaper, and they're nicer. Yep. And they're nicer, and they're cheaper. <laughs> they don't have power fists. Then again, I'm sure there are some people out there saying, now, please, I'd like to beg to differ. I really think those G-Dub uh, zombies are awesome. Uh, and you guys... Uh, Brad loves them. He thinks I'm crazy. He thinks I'm insane. He says the other zombies... You're both. ...don't look, don't look zombie-ish enough to, for him. He likes those other zombies. Oh, there you go. A dissenting opinion from Brad Pascal, who thinks Lots that the G-Dub like zombies... Yeah. There you go. Well, they do sell. All right. So we got six so get, spells. Get both. Get them both today. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll go ahead and read uh, Van Hels. Okay. Van Hels is uh, cast on a six. This is the number one spell for the Lord of the Vampires. It's an augment. Uh, targets a friendly undead unit within 12 inches. Uh, the target unit re-rolls, failed to hit rolls in close combat until the start of the caster's next magic phase. In addition, if the target unit is unengaged, it can immediately move up to eight inches in the same way as a normal move made in the remaining moves phase. So that means no more charging. Right. Uh, the wizard can choose to have this target all friendly undead units within 12. So if he does so, uh, casting values increase to 12. So this is very different because it means that you can no longer charge in the magic phase. Right. That is the nerf, but the bonus is doubled here. There's two bonuses. One, it can be all units within 12 inches for 12 points. Um, once again, if you're a level 4 and you're near the mortis engine... Suddenly, you only need a six to get this off for all units. Um, why is that kind of a big deal? Well, partly because the old spell, the way the spell is listed, Van Hell's already, it cost a seven initially. They dropped it by a point. You lost the ability to charge, but don't forget that Van Hell's only lasted for that turn. Now I get to reroll my fail to hit rolls for my combat phase. And yours, because it lasts until the start of my next Good turn. Good point. Good point. Um, I don't get ASF. No, you don't. Which is why I have a corpse cart right next to my big unit that I want to get ASF. So you are you really believe in the corpse cart? Well, two per army? Uh, one right now, because that's all that I own. Okay. But I could see taking two. Okay. Well, let's put it this way. I've got my vampire here. Six inches away from him on either side is a corpse cart. Now I've got a six-inch radius for that, so now I've got two Wait, feet. Let's truncate that until we get into the part where right. you're building your list. Right. Um, I'm sorry to cut you oh, off. No, no, you're right. You're right. We want to get this done tonight. Hellish Vigor, the next spell. That casts on an eight. Uh, one unit within 12 inches. And once again, doubles to 16 points for all units within 12 inches. Uh -huh. Augment, re-roll, failed to wound rolls till the start of the next phase in close combat. So it's kind of like another Van Hells. Van Hells, re-roll, failed to hit. This is reroll failed to wound. I like it. I it's like nice. it. It was not in there before, especially since a lot of your guys have kind of a lowish strength value. Yep. Strength three, strength four. So this is the spell that replaced summon undead horde because summon undead horde was three d six units or three d six models throughout your army or five d six zombies. So depending on the kind of that army that you... So if you end up taking, like, Crypt Horrors instead of Vargeists, maybe this one's nice for ensuring that you're actually doing the wounds? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, also, don't forget the Van Hells is nice with the rerolling fail to hit rolls on your Crypt Horrors because they have poison. Very true. It's a second shot at a six as well. 
Very true. The next one is Gaze of Nagash. This is number three, cast on a nine. This one's impressive to me. It's a magic missile with a range of 24 inches that causes 2d6 strength four hits. Uh, you can extre- extend the range to 48 inches for 12. Cheap um, and a lot of hits. It's the exact same spell as before, except it used to be eight points to do that. So it actually went up a point to cast it for the original spell. Was it 2d6 before? Yes. Two, I'm looking at I got both books. Oh. Right 2d6 <laughs> strength 4 for an 8. Now it's 2d6 strength 4 for a 9, but you never had the option to increase it to 48 inches. 48 inches is pretty damn far. I mean, you're reaching across the board at that point. At that point, what I would consider doing is um, start trying to snipe out artillery. Yeah. I mean, it's you strength know, four, I'm, and that thing's toughness because it goes yeah. against the toughness of the machine. Yeah, I'd so you need sixes, but you need sixes, but so what? Because eventually, with two d six, you're going to get one. Maybe you'll get two. So in two or three turns, you can cast a spell that they're considering letting go. Yeah, and you're going to kill a, a cannon. And if you're lucky, you if a, a good a lucky roll takes it out in a shot. Or more, even more useful than that, at strength four, you're actually starting to threaten. Light cavalry or medium cavalry, yep. I mean, even heavy cavalry. Um, normally, as a two plus or a one plus, you know, if it's you a two plus, one, you yeah. might. Yeah, it's not bad. So, uh, Ray's Dead has changed. Ray's Dead used to be like the first necromancy spell. It used to cast on a five, and uh, a unit of zombies within twelve inches. D three plus four zombies. Totally different spell now. It costs nine. Uh, 18-inch reigns brings a new unit of zombies into play. It doesn't... Uh, choose a point on the battlefield. It does not need to be in his line of sight or in his forward arc. Okay? Oh, this is interesting. It is literally, it says, a special type of spell, so it does not fall under any category. Yeah, it's a special spell with a range of 18 inches. Pick a spot on the battlefield. does not need to be in your line of sight or your forward arc. 2d6 plus 3. So it was d6... It was D3 plus 4 used to be the old spell. Now it's 2D6 plus 3. That's how many models you summon. So it's anywhere from 5 to 15 models for a zombie unit for 9 points. If you want to pay 14 points, you can summon skeletons instead. 5 to 14 skeletons. That's not bad. 14 points, I'm summoning a couple of ranks of skeletons, and once again, if I've got that Master of Undeath, then I can use Invocation to raise them past the starting point. Stupid question. Yep. What are they armed with? Uh, I'm assuming... Uh, let me see. I think it says something in here. Oh, it does not have any upgrades or command models, so it would come with the basic hand weapon shield. Oh, because the spear, although free, is considered an upgrade. Yes. I see. I, okay. I mean, I would assume it's an upgrade because it's something that you'd have to choose. It doesn't come normally with a spear. It comes with hand weapon, shield, light armor. But that's kind of badass. It must be wholly within the spell range. So it's not like you can't pick the first model within 18 inches and then have the rest of the unit go. The whole unit has to be within 18 inches, at least one inch away from all units, buildings, and impassable terrain, any direction, any legal formation, as long as the front rank has five models, so no conga lining it. It doesn't have any upgrades. Units summoned cannot be dispelled and do not award victory points under any circumstances. If the summon unit cannot be placed because there's not enough room, it doesn't enter play at all. Well, the attribute, well arguably, you could conga line it across. You could just make it one rank. Uh, yes. Fourteen guys. I suppose you could. Um, uh, you still get the lore attribute works. Even if you can't place the unit, the lore attribute happens. Oh, that's nice. That's pretty useful stuff. So they're not worth any points, which is nice. 
You, yeah. you can't spam this. And I know that you actually were very good at creating multiple units in a single turn. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to raise the hell out of the dead. Um, but 5 to 15 models coming in to start and then the ability to invoke them and suddenly you've got I mean it's just the possibilities of having a lot of zombies for free you know that aren't going to give you anything for free will tar pit you it's just stupid so when you play undead be sure to take extra zombies and skellies yep next one is curse of years this is number five cast on a 12 it's a remains in play so that's nice uh, it's a hex spell with a range of 18 inches. When cast, roll a d6 for every model and the target unit. On a score of 6, the model suffers a wound. This is like how it was before, wasn't it? Um, at the end of the next magic phase, roll again for each model and the unit. They will suffer a wound and a 5+, plus, and so on, to a maximum of 2+. plus. No armor saves are allowed against wounds caused by Curse of Years. This reminds me a little bit of the old High Elf spell, uh, the, the the one with fire, the, the Phoenix Fire. Right. Where it just gets worse every round. Yep. Uh, it went up from an 8 to a 12. Uh, it is a hex spell. Now, here's the thing. It says it has a range of 18 inches. The old one says it can be cast on an enemy unit within 18 inches even when engaged in close combat. It doesn't say anything about being engaged in close combat. Can you cast hexes into close combat? Yep. Oh, well, then it's a hex, so then it doesn't even need to say it. There you go. So it just went up 50% in cost. It went from an 8 to a 12. But it's very useful. I like it. It's also a unit deleter. No armor saves. Yep. Uh, it, like I said, it's only on a six in the beginning. But if your opponent forgets about it, well, it remains in place, so they won't forget. <laughs> Hopefully, oh, they won't no. forget. Now, remember, you were here the night I was playing against Chris. You, and he was finishing up his magic phase, and he's like, "Okay, I'm done." I'm like, "Are you sure?" Because he had like two dice left. He's like, "Yeah, I'm done. I got nothing else to cast." I'm like, "You're sure? You're sit? You are done with your magic phase? You're not doing anything else?" And he's like, "Nope." I'm like. Okay, roll for Curse of Years. And he was like, damn it! I mean, well, with with good players, hopefully that's not going to happen anymore because now you've got VC cards. Yeah. Um, w- watch a VC player. If they have the cards and they don't bother to put it down, that's cheaty. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't do that. But, I mean, you've got the, I mean, you know, Curse of Years. I mean, you can forget. I mean, he marked the unit with a, with a little... Because he put the little six down with the die behind it, you know, because we didn't have the cards. That's why I never use dice to help me remember things, because the dice just look like every other dice on the board, and exactly. I don't see them as a marker. Exactly. But a uh, very powerful spell. Now, like, Summon Undead Horde was completely removed uh, because it didn't work anymore. It was replaced by Hellish Vigor. Winds of Undeath became Wind of Death. Um, and this is a completely different thing. And this is your big boy. Wind of Undeath was the thing where you roll a d6 for every unit, and on a four-up it took a wound with no saves, right. and then it summoned up spirit hosts. That's gone. That's just there's it's It went from undeath to death. So I'm not summoning up the undead. I'm causing some death. Um, and this is this one reminds me of the all those Magical Vortex spells from the uh, Storm of Magic. It's a magical vortex, small round template. You put it down, you nominate a direction, you roll the artillery dice and multiply it by three. Any unit beneath or passed over takes D6 strength three hits for each rank of models in the unit with no armor saves. Key here is that it's not models passed over, it's every unit passed over. If I can get it in your flank or down an edge or kitty corner and run through four or five units... This is this is the thing that when Chris Hugh comes at me with his hundred night goblins, well, 
10 you, you just D6. Wanna, you just want to clip the corner of that. That's all I got to do. Touch it. But it's D6 strength three hits for each rank. Now it's I mean, if you've got that five ranks or six ranks or whatever, you know, seriously. I mean, I've faced that 100 night goblin unit before. That's 10 D6 strength three hits. That's a lot. Uh, let's see. No armor saves. If the uh, artillery dice rolls a misfire, center it on the caster and scatter it D uh, scatter die and D6. It moves the number of inches on the D6. If you roll a hit, use the little arrow. It's going to move no matter what. In either event, in subsequent turns, it moves the number of inches determined by rolling an artillery dice in a random detection but with the scatter dice. If a misfire is rolled, it dissipates. The caster may make it a large round template at strength 4 for 25 points. So for 15 points, it's moving around. This thing can be really brutal. Um, this is the thing that if you got it and you try to cast it, they're going to dispel it. Unless they're running MSUs, so many armies now are running four, five, six ranks deep. This is this can be this can be brutal. I like it. I like it as a spell. It's pretty cool. Uh, the question is, if you're going to be taking lore of vampires, you're probably taking it for the versatility of your augments. Uh huh. So, do you think that you'll have the extra dice to also cast Wind of Death? Nah, not really. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a cool spell, and I mean, here's the thing. If you've got a whole bunch of units all boxed up together, you know, if well, I, I mean, get if, over there, if you're in a good position, you might as well just barf out this thing. Exactly. It, it's it's one of those things where if, if if the opportunity arises, hell's yes, I'd throw it. Absolutely, I'd throw it. Um, you know, if I'm playing against a wood elf guy who's got, you know, a bunch of, you know, two rank units, maybe I don't throw this. Of course, with D6 strength 3 per rank, that could wipe out those little mini units, too, actually. Well, the nice thing about the lore, a lore like this is that you roll it up beforehand, and if it's not something you want, you swap out that for the invocation. <laughs> Which, you know, especially with a lot of level 1s, I would be taking invocation almost for all of them pretty much anyway, because that's... Like I said, the way I'm playing this army, the way I've been writing my lists, I'm playing... I'm just going to keep summoning up so much stuff that good luck getting any points off me. So you're level four. Uh, what four spells, if you could just choose them, what would they be? Van Hells, I would take Invocation. Um, probably, honestly, I'd probably take Raise Dead and, uh, well, Van Hells, Raise Dead, and Invocation, definitely. Is it a toss-up between Hellish Vigor and Curse of Years? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I guess it depends on what kind of army you're facing against. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's very situational, you know. But Curse, yeah, of, Curse of Years is nice because it just resolves the problem. It's like, oh, you got a big unit of guys there. I don't want to fight. I like there Curse of go, Years, Curse but for the for the cost to cast it, and the initial, it's only wounding on sixes. So that initial hit, even if you've got a unit of 20, I might only take out two or three guys. But it's cast on a 12, so that means that they've got to spend some dice just to make it go away. It's that's, actually not that easy to make go away. Well, see, and that's 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 where I'd probably be using it, is if I got a, if I got enough power dice, I throw three at this. The only And the problem, if you let it go, then in your magic phase, it's still going to cost you 12 to dispel it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. if you decide to let it go now and say, well, I'll just dispel it before it gets tough... Then during your magic phase, you're not casting stuff. You know what? It's at the end of the next magic phase. So that means every magic phase. Yeah. So yeah. you have to get rid of it. 
So it's uh, that means that so you can dispel it during your magic phase. You can say, "I'll take the sixes now because I want to save these dispel dice to make sure you don't invocation. I don't want you to grow anything." But then during your magic phase, you're trying to throw twelve to dispel it, and then so now you're not casting. Well, you, that's it. That's exactly it. I mean, even if you're level eight, you to to make it a reliable roll, you throw three dice. Yep. And even then, you're thinking, "Please don't flub it. I need this to be at least slightly better than average." Yep. So. I kind of like the curse of years. Um, I mean, if I was desperate, I'd consider throwing four dice at it. You yeah. just say, screw the magic phase. I can't have that happen again. Exactly. Um, like I said, but I do really like Hellish Vigor. You know, uh, re-rolling to wound rolls, especially with a lot of my army being strength three. You know, it's uh, that that's a nice... It's not bad. Oh, you'd probably want to make sure that you have... Um Semi-reliable chances to hit, otherwise that one's not going to pay off as well. Right, right. But so, um, well, should we get into the vampiric powers? Yeah. Now these are these are so different, and there's obviously a lot fewer of them. Let's let's talk about the fact that it's balanced again. It's, it's balanced. Balanced. One thing here I noticed: forbidden lore sticks out of my mind only because I remember that you were able to take. Uh, it's effectively the same it was before, which is the vampire can generate his spells uh-huh. from any one of the lores in the Va- Warhammer except rulebook. Life. Except life. for 25 points. It seems cheap, but it's balanced now because you really can't take advantage of that the way you used to. I mean, you can take a level four of any other lore, uh-huh. but you still have to have at least one guy, your one vampire, your general with uh, vampires. Right. Well, it used to be nice because you it, first it was thirty five points, and it gave you lore master. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. You know all the spells from vampires or another sort. So um, you don't really you don't really have lore master anymore. I think no, you have. You, I think you have the lich master who's a lore master. Who yeah. Is a special, special. Heinrich Kemmler has got lore master. He's the only one. So for ten points and, less. And, uh, What's the name of your super vampire? Uh, Con- uh, Manfred. Manfred has it too. Who's he's five hundred thirty points and an average two thousand point game. You're not taking it, right? Um, forbidden lore. I mean, my vampires can take. Okay, it's a vampiric power, so my necromancer can't take it. My vampire can already take death, shadow, and vampires. I don't see me personally. I don't see me taking any of the other lores. Yeah, light is interesting, but I don't know. I think I'd rather take the abilities that the lore of the vampires provides. I think that they included it for fluff, but maybe it's no longer the the advantage that it was. Say what you will about the lore of vampires. People think that Shadow is awesome because you got your mind. Ra- First of all, but, but Mind does- Razor doesn't help anymore because this entire army is leadership crap. Right. I mean, you, zombies have a two, skellies have a three. Right. Um, ghouls have what, like a six? Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you, a couple of guys have a six or a seven, but it's pretty much leadership crap. Um, I just I'm looking at this saying actually goes of a five. So uh, I mean, yeah, it, I mean, yeah, mind razor doesn't work in this army because the right. guys who have a decent leadership don't need the help with their strength. Well, the thing, in the first but place. vampires can already take shadow, so it doesn't matter. They can take shadow, death, and vampires. But if you look at the things that they can take, people are like, oh, shadow's awesome, or death. I know death is cool because you can get a lot of power dice back. You do these leadership tests. Well, death is nice for your vampire lord because his leadership is high. But then a, you have to take two of them because his leadership's high, but highest leadership is going to be your freaking general. So it's and that, he has it's to be vampires. That limitation makes this ability less useful. 
Yes. So you're not going to see a lot of vampires with lore master. Well, nobody with lore master, and very few with unusual other lores. Well, let's put it this way: I could give it to my Strigoi, who is a level one, who would then get. I could give him something other than vampires if I had a vampire lord. But the Strigoi is also a lord, which means you're taking two lords. Yes, and he's only a level one, which means whatever, whatever lore I give him, he's getting a spell. So well, I, if yeah. you know that somebody has a lore uh, signature spell that you like, yeah, it's like I want to use Fireball. Don't, I don't see myself using it anymore. I just don't need it because I love the lore of vampires. But let's, that's the way I play. Let's talk I, about a few ones. I might do something else. Let's talk about the ones you would take. Okay. Um, well, you know, we can run through um, summon creatures of the night. I like. Uh, it's only ten points, and it allows you to use invocation to increase your direwolves, bat swarms, and fell bats past their starting size. Now, the vampiric powers—you can take a hundred points of these. Yep. On top of. On top of your hundred points of magic items. Okay, so they can effectively—you can tweak them out for up to two hundred more points. Yes, sir. All right. Yes. So they get expensive. Yes. No lie, they get really. Uh, the hero expensive. level it's fifty and fifty, but still. Still. Yeah. So vampires are a huge point sink. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you find that to be more of a problem than anything else? Well, honestly, on these lists, I've been taking as my general, because I want to cast all this vampire magic, I've been taking the Master Necromancer, yeah. who can't even take vampiric powers. So it keeps you from spending too much? I don't spend as much. I spend about two. I spend about 300 points on my lord. Are they very fragile? They're kind of fragile, yeah. Okay, I so mean, you've so got to you've got to give them the four up ward save talisman because they are they're wizards. They're they're naked. So it's like playing like an elf or a human wizard. You have to play them like the, yes. the fragile spellcaster that yes. they are. Keep them in the back. Now, someone did send in. We had some questions, and someone said, "Hey, what's the viability of two lords in a twenty-five hundred point list?" And I wrote up a couple of twenty-five hundred point lists with two lords. Yeah. 625 points, if you trick out a Master Necromancer to be a good level four, you're not getting the super choppy, tough Vampire Lord, but you can still take him. Okay. And you can give that Vampire Lord one of the things I like, which is Quick Blood, ASF. 30 points to give your Vampire Lord ASF. And with the initiative of Stupid, it's <laughs> that Quick Blood is guaranteeing you your rerolls to hit. Hmm. Uh, Vampire Lord has an initiative of seven. He's got five attacks. You give him an additional hand weapon. He's got six attacks. You give him quick blood for 30 points. He's got ASF with an initiative of seven. So he's attacking with six attacks at weapon skill seven, and he's rerolling his to hit to hit rolls. Um, you don't even have to worry about your invocation or your Van Hells with him with that. I do like the quick blood. Some really interesting uh, combinations in here. I'm looking at Aura of Dark Majesty, which is 25 points. All enemy units within six inches of one or more vampires with the Aura of Dark Majesty suffers a minus one penalty to their leadership. Penalty is cumulative with any other modifiers. That's powerful. So you can start tweaking their fear tests. Uh -huh. You combine that with another one called Beguile. At the beginning of the close combat round, after challenges have been issued, blah, 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 select a model in base contact. That model must make a, t a leadership test at minus three modifier. Now, that could be cumulative with the Aura of Dark Majesty. Yep. Or they have to re-roll. Or if you've got that spell um, that comes in the, with the book, the one that gives you the minus uh, minus tier leadership, There's a, I forget which spell it is. Is that in this? Um, it's Doom and Darkness. Oh, from, from Shadow. Doom and Darkness from Shadow, which you can take Shadow, or uh, the Cursed Book. It's one of the six spells in the Cursed Book. So if you randomly manage to get it, which it's a random 
thing, but you could randomly get... Is that a magic item in this book? Yes. Okay. You could kind of randomly get it. But let's see. Uh, Dread Knight's kind of cool. Um, for 10 points, your vampire's got a plus two to his weapon skill, uh, which the Lord's already seven. So a weapon skill of nine. Um, but unless he's in a unit with Krell or a vampiric character with higher leadership, forget about that. So he's a blood dragon. Yeah, he's always got to issue challenges. The old, the old version yeah. of the vampire counts. This uh-huh. is effective what a, what a blood dragon was. Yep. He's, he's God incarnate in combat. But he's also sort of remembers the the knight he was. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, the the ghoul king's only a weapon skill six. Yeah, and a leadership not a bad idea with a ghoul king. Getting up to weapon skill eight is cool. Uh, Master strike, fifteen points. I don't know. And that's the one that exchanges all your attacks for a single one with heroic killing blow. Yeah. So you hit him on a three, and you still only have a one in six chance of doing it. Yeah. Uh, um, am I going to drop my six attacks? I guess the question is, are you having that much trouble killing big monsters? I Unlike any other army, you don't care. Exactly. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I'm not going to suffer uh, fear. Exactly. <laughs> or terror. Exactly. Uh, and I'll, if you grind them up, help yourself, I will probably make more zombies, just chew them up, whatever. Exactly. That's why I have them. Um, fear there. incarnate is an interesting one. You have to re-roll... Uh, any time you pass a fear check, you have to re-roll it. Now, this is a nice one to combine with that Aura of Dark Majesty. Uh-huh. Now, but if you're within the BSB range and you can use his Hold Your Ground, they cancel. Ah. So if you pass your fear check and I have Fear Incarnate, but you're within range of your BSB, you still pass. Now, this is interesting because wherever your vampire is, pardon me for hitting the microphone, but wherever your vampire is, you can actually start to rely on your fear to work. Uh-huh. That's nice. So suddenly your weapon skill won. So you don't have the weapon skill hat, but you can still bring their weapon skill down to one. Right. At least even the odds. Like I said, there's all sorts of neat combos. There's a lot of synergy here. Uh, supernatural, 25 points to give the vampire terror. Uh, yeah, whatever. Well, um, when you combine terror with the fact that you're making their leadership minus one, they might actually just flee. That's true. <laughs> blah, blah. blah! I'm very creepy. Ooh, that's really scary. Or of so, dark I mean, majesty and supernatural. Yeah, but see that, that you're 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 dropping a lot of points in a hope that they're gonna run. Dark acolyte plus D three to casting total whenever you successfully cast invocation of the heck. But I mean, the heck, regardless of the, there are so many good combos. These are really good. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. It's weird because you add D3 to the casting total whenever you successfully cast Invocation. So if I get Invocation off, I get another D3 on top of that. So I have to successfully cast it, but it's another D3, so it's just it's harder for you to dispel it. The vampire adds D3 to the casting total whenever he successfully casts Invocation. So when I successfully cast it, I add another D3. So I have That's to get it off on my own. Phrase. So it, you have to cast it on your own. I still got to get it off on my own. But I get another D3 to it to make it harder for you to dispel it. I wouldn't mind seeing an FAQ on that. I, I get it. I uh, I think it's pretty darn clearly worded. I think it's I, weird. I, I don't. 25 points seems a lot to pay for something that's not actually helping you cast it. Invocation only costs six. Yeah. I, would it be a lot better if it was just plus D3 to to attempt to cast it? I would prefer I think, it that way. I think 25 points, though, 
for 25 points for a quarter of your total vampiric powers, I would think that it contributes to the casting rather than, okay, if you successfully do it, then it's slightly harder for them by D3, which could be a one. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think for 25 points, when I'd like I first to see, read it, I will admit when I first read it, I thought it was plus D3 to the casting attempt. See, don't get me wrong. I play against VC, and uh-huh. I want them to fail because I'm going to have to play against them. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, but no, I, remember, I want them to succeed too, but, but I, I you mean, know, I think that in all fairness, if I was if I was the rules designer or one of the, one of the editors, uh-huh. I'd say, dudes, dudes, <laughs> hey, this needs to be changed. Uh huh. But I mean, it's there. Uh, uh, thirty points to fly. See, I like the fly in combination with. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of fun stuff in here. Red Fury is still there. It's still fifty points. It's still the same thing. It's Red Fury is awesome. So that's the one that uh, attacks on additional attacks. Yes, and they don't stack. Meaning, like a Red Fury attack doesn't generate another Red Fury right. attack. Okay, but if you've got six attacks and you're already re-rolling your failed to hit rolls or your to wound rolls, for for seventy five points, you can re-roll one of the dice when you're determining the strength of the winds of magic. Now, now that's M- nice. Master of the Black Arts used to be fifty points and gave you plus two power dice. Right. It's expensive. But if it, I was taking a double lord, like someone asked me in that twenty five hundred point list, mm-hmm. uh, you you can't even really fit it. It's very hard. But if you're playing, say, a three thousand point list or something big, and I personally believe that this is an army that thrives at higher points levels. At two thousand points, I'm not complaining. You can't take all the toys at two thousand no, points. I, I think it's, it's really I think hard. It's just, the, I, I don't know. I think that this can do just fine at two thousand. It's just that it's so tempting, and you you can't take all the cool toys. I think it's fine. There's a, but there are, there are a lot of things that at two thousand points. It's not even. I have to choose between certain toys. There's just a lot of stuff that's just out of the it's out of the game. Um, but uh, yeah, to the it, Black Arts, I w- uh, for a Vampire Lord. You have to have a vampire lord to take it. I really think that this one is something that you, if you're playing consider it a lot of casting. If you're relying on your spells, then this is going to, it's insurance that a lot, I mean, this is something you can take to a tournament. Yeah. It's 75 points, but at the same time, I roll, I don't want that to be a one. I want this to be a six. Okay, yeah. cool. At least it's a four. It's th- three more than I would have had. Yeah. I mean, the odds of you winding up with a, a, a magic phase of a two. Yeah. suddenly became really slim, and the magic phase is crucial. See, here's the thing. This army is still, if you're playing the way I play, it's still super reliant on its magic phase. It's still all these, you know, there's are the units better? Yeah, they're strength three, they're toughness three, but they're still low weapon skill. They're still low leadership. You, you, you need to be summoning back models. You need to be doing this vampiric, uh, the lore of the vampires, uh, at least the way I play. So that Master of the Black Arts is amazingly good. The other thing here that we should probably mention is Summon Creatures of the Night. Yeah, I did. Oh, you did. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's the one thing. So you can summon zombies past their start. Mm-hmm. You can have one necromancer that has Lord of the Dead or Master of the Dead, so that's skeletons. And this is the uh, direwolves, batswarms, and fellbats, which means the only core unit you can't summon past their starting point are ghouls. Right. But at the same time, they are the best in terms of their stats. Yes. So they have the best stats. Uh, magic items, they've got nine, which is, you know, I think the average has been eight in the last few books, so they're not doing too bad. Yeah. Well, let's just tear through them. So Scab's Greth, 75 points, magic weapon. What do you think? 
Um, it's kind of expensive. Too expensive? Devastating charge and frenzy. Um, and your close combat attacks become flaming. So you got devastating charge, so it's plus one attack on a charge. You got frenzy, so it's another attack on the char- uh, all the you know on it. Uh, they're flaming attacks, and you get death shriek. Hmm. Jeez. Um, here's the problem: death shriek is that two d six plus your wounds against their leadership, but you're a, you only got like two or three wounds. You're not the six like of like a Vargeist. And now, of course, if you're taking this, you're planning on getting into combat. But if you don't kill something by the end of the game, you're dead. What are the chances? Uh, true. But maybe you take Scab's breath. You make sure that your vampire has fly. Yeah. <laughs> just get him in there. It just, it's a lot of points for magic items when I'm probably going to want some magic armor or something like that or a ward save yeah. on my vampire. So I, I don't for seventy five points. I don't see me taking it. Okay. So Nightshroud's magic armor, and it it actually signifies that necromancers can actually take this for forty points. Yeah. It adds one to the bearer's armor save. Furthermore, enemy models in base contact with the wearer lose all strength bonuses conferred from normal and magical weapons, and always have the always strikes last special rule. That seems pretty good. Uh, would you consider that one? Uh, I could. Um, I do. I I did look at. It, I did like it. Um. If I couldn't take the four-up ward save talisman, this might be something I would take. But for the same price, getting the ward save, I think, might be a little better. Okay. Um, plus, once again, it's models in base contact with him. Get the always strikes last and no no bonuses for magical weapons. Plus one of my armor save. I'm putting... Okay. I'm, you, I'm wearing this if I put him on a corpse cart. There we go. I was going to say, that's a chariot, right? Does that confer yeah. a plus two armor save to the guy? Um, I think it's a plus one. Plus one? So, I mean, so that cumulative of armor bonuses. Armor yeah, so it gives him something. But that always strikes last because of the footprint of the corpse cart is bigger. Yeah. Then that always strikes last ha- actually has something. Especially. So, not so good for anyone else, but you'd consider it for a necromancer maybe? Maybe. Okay. Uh, Banner of the Barrows, it went up by five points. It's still awesome if you have Graveguard or you have... In fact, it's almost more important now if you have Graveguard or if you have uh, Black Knights. It actually specifies that it says all Graveguard, Black Knights, and White Kings in the same unit as the Banner of the Barrows receive plus one to hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, bonus also applies to Krell. And that's it in terms of who it can affect. Right. So you really are only going to put this in Black Knights Graveguard. Well, before that's all it could be because it was the Banner of the Barrows. It said it worked for anyone who had white blades. Ah, okay. okay. Which was Black Knights and Graveguard and White Kings. But now that they don't have white blades, it just they just changed the wording. Okay. It went up five points. Um, it's still, in fact, I'll tell you what, it's more valuable now because there's no weapon skill hat guaranteeing me hitting on threes. A lot of times I'm hitting on fours, so this... That's that's it. It's the combination of those two items that meant that you were going to be hitting on twos, wounding on twos with killing blow. <laughs> yeah. Was... And if you can get the ASF off on them, that would cancel out the ASL. It wouldn't give you the... The regen, yeah. But here's what's nice about this. Okay. The Banner of the Barrel is going to let me hit on threes. Here's one of those... Well, no, we'll get to it when we get to the Graveguard. Uh, there's a lot of synergy, with the once again, with the units. Uh, Screaming Banner... 25 points, uh, they roll an extra die and discard the lowest one. When taking a fear test. Yes. Um, so I guess, once again, and this is another thing that if you're playing as lizard men, they're rolling four dice and they're discarding the highest and the lowest. 
This is very interesting, though. I mean, you really can. This is something it. Th- yeah. The undead army, the the VC army, is supposed to w- cause fear, and you it looks can, like you can actually do that. In Eighth Edition, you kind of laugh at fear. You can force the fear down their throat. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. This is very powerful. This is subtle but powerful because you're paying less because fear is not as powerful. Uh huh. But you can spend a little bit and make it really powerful. You can make it work. Uh, if the screaming banner, now I mean you're taking a banner of the barrows with your, uh, you know the plus one to hit, so you can't take both unless you have a BSB. But if you say put a white king BSB in your graveguard unit with the banner of the barrows, and then gave the uh, graveguard unit the screaming banner. You force them to fail that fear check. Even with the Banner of Arrows, they fail that fear check. You're, you are hitting on twos. Oh, hit, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you can still be hitting on twos. It's just not as easy. That fear, that screaming banner, though, really pushes the, forces the issue. But you're spending some points. You're spending, you've got a BSB now, which is not something you'd normally take. You said yourself you don't normally take the BSB no. in a VC army. Right. So these are points that have been taken out of something else. Well, I mean, I was taking him before because that was the only way to take the Drakenhof banner. Uh-huh. So I could okay. still take him now, but I'm taking a much cheaper banner. Uh, Black Periapt went up a hell of a lot of points. Now, what is this one? It allows the bearer, it's an arcane item, allows the bearer to save up to two of his army's unused power dice or dispel dice at the end of any magic phase, and then add them to his side's power dispel dice at the start. So this is nice. This is uh, So if you decide you don't want to have a big magic phase, you can save it for dispels. Or if you, on your first cast with your magic user, um, have broken concentration and your magic phase ends, I'll just keep these two dice for my power phase. 55 points, though, so it's on your lord. Yeah, because here's the thing, and this is where it went up like stupid amounts of points. The old one only allowed you to save one power die, but it was 15 points. Ah, okay. Magic phase is more important now. Plus, before, it was 15 points when my vampire counts... I mean, I remember playing Brad in 7th Ed when he had 16 or 17 power dice in a phase. Yep. Because he had so many wizards. So it's 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 so expensive. Yes, you can carry two power dice over. That combined with that ability to re-roll your dice for your uh, that 75-pointer. It seems like you can still do what you did before. It's just a different way of going about it. You and can still more, have lots of power dice. You can still... You're going to... But here's the thing. You you buy this and suddenly uh, you're not getting the heavy armor with the four up ward. You're getting the four up ward talisman. So that's a hundred points there. It's my age old question, which is what did, what did you just give up to take right. it? Yeah. If I'm taking a, a vampire lord and I take this and the four up ward save, that's a hundred points. Then seventy five points for master of the black arts. That's seven, and then I got twenty five points of vampire. That's a lot of points to just make sure I'm good. I mean, well, when it's you take guarantee your magic phase. Yeah, when you take so you know it's on a lord. And you probably mm-hmm. only have one lord per army. And that's 55 points. 45 points, that's enough for your talisman, and you didn't take anything else. Yep. That's it. That's all you got. Yep. So. And then, you well, you have 100 points of vampiric powers. Assuming that it's your, your if vampire. If it's a vampire lord. Yeah. Yeah. No, if it's a uh, if it's a necromancer lord, that's what you got. You got two extra power dice to carry if you didn't waste them. You know, so you're not always carrying them over. So it's it's a lot. It's I, expensive. It's, I don't, and it's something I don't that see you, me using it necessarily. You, that's that's what I was wondering. It's like it seems like there are times where you're going to find it's not paying off. No. In fact, I always took the 15.1. Uh, not always, but a lot. 
Uh, this one, I don't know. Staff of Damnation, 40 points. Uh, it's kind of cool. They had something like it in the old book. I forget what it was. Oh, Staff of Damnation, 40 points. Bound spell, power level 3. Now it's power level 4. It's an augment spell. Now it actually lasts until the next magic phase before it just maxed it for that. Uh, all friendly undead units and their mouth within 6 inches get the extra attack special roll. Jeez, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, once again, but it's a and bounce. And bounce. Oof. It's like my Hydra banner. Yeah. Um, it is 40 points. It is a bound spell, so you are taking power dice away from your other stuff to do it. And it's easily dispelled. I mean, bound spells are easy to shut down if you don't want them. Yes. And it's expensive. Right. Um, and the the, the, sta- the Staff of Damnation used to work that it happened automatically in the magic phase. And those didn't count towards combat resolution. Um, now it just gives you an extra special attack. Before it was an instant automatic attack, but now it happens during your. You know, it's just extra attack special rules. So it's during combat, but it happens during two combats. That's pretty cool. Well, this this next item, I'm going to go ahead and read it, and you tell me what you think of it because it seems seems pretty nutty. Uh, Thirty five points, cursed book, arcane item. At the beginning of the bearer's magic phase, the bearer can choose to sacrifice D3 power dice from the pool. If you do so, roll D6 in the following chart, assuming there's a viable target for the indicated spell, which is what the chart lists. The spell is automatically cast at its minimum casting value, requiring no power dice. A dispel attempt can be made as normal. If you don't have the requisite number of dice to sacrifice, then you lose the dice you have, and the book has no effect. And the... The spells are, uh, on a D6 of 1, it's Melkoth's Mystifying Miasma from Lore of Shadow. 2 is Enfeebling Foe, Lore of Shadow. 3 is Withering, Lore of Shadow. 4 is Soul Blight, Lore of Death. 5 is Doom and Darkness, Lore of Death. Oh, not Shadow, it's dark, it's Death. And then 6 is uh, Curse of the Midwife, Mi- <laughs> Midwife, Curse of the Midnight Wind from Lore of Heavens. What do you think yeah. of this? I really kind of like it. You do? I think it's kind of neat. Is it um, because the spell automatically works? Uh. Partly, it's really weird because I haven't exactly found a way to fit it in yet with what I've been building. I've needed other things. Um, but this is another one of those sort of synergistic things. Um, granted, you're getting a random spell, and it has to go in the beginning of the magic phase. So if you've got a ton of power dice, if you choose to do this, you may only lose one power dice, but you may lose three. Okay? Yeah, that's true. But... And the average casting cost on these spells is like, I figured it out, is nine and a half. It's a five, a nine, three tens, and a thirteen. So if you give it to a low-level wizard, you, it pays for itself. It if pays you give it for a high-level wizard, it doesn't. It doesn't. Plus, you still get a chance to dispel it. So right. your high-level wizard could just get rid of it. And they have to get rid of it at, at the, the level of the spell. Yes. Okay. Because it goes off at the level of spell. Now, so, it ki- so in theory... On an average result, you're gaining. You would gain from this. Yes. Because you would lose fewer dice than it would probably cost you to cast it, and they would have to spend more dice yeah. to get rid of it. Because on the average, you're going to get two. You might get a one. So only a third of the time are you going to wind up throwing losing three dice. But you, you also you, don't you, get to you, control. Right. Now, here's the thing, though. Uh, it's a minus D3 strength or a minus D3 toughness. Or a minus D3 weapon skill or ballistic skill or movement. So it's a minus D3 on most of the stats. Or minus one strength and toughness. Or minus three leadership. Or re-rolling all your sixes until the next magic phase for hits, wounds, and uh, 
armor saves. Half of these, the minus D3 toughness, minus D3 strength, and minus 3 leadership are remains in play. So if they don't get rid of it, it's going to stick around and they're going to get, they're going to, they can try to get rid of it later. All of that's awesome. It's, it's, it's basic, it's taking, you know, you, you have these characters that, you know, you, we know our core units aren't that strong and you got to take a bunch of them. This thing, every one of these is good for helping me do a lot better. So I do like it in theory. I haven't tried it yet. I'd like to try it. I'd like to see how it works. Do you think that a VC army needs other protective arcane items, or can you get away with not having, like, the dispel and just take this? Uh, I mean, you kind of want to take a dispel. I mean, I would... But, I mean, mean, you can can still fit it into the army, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Book of Archon. I I love Book of Archon. Level 3 bounce spell cast to Van Hels. They cast it, obviously, on the lowest level because it's a bounce spell, and that's the rules. Um, But it'll give my guy a wound back. And it's if I only got that one die left at the end, and you've lost all your other stuff, I could just throw it and try to cast it. I mean, it's it's only twenty five points, so it's an extra Van Hells, and it can be a Van Hells on a wizard who actually doesn't have the lore of the vampires. Yep, and it's once again re-rolling that to hit rolls, which is never bad. Um, Not only that, but that's the one that allows you to maneuver your army, right? Yeah. So it's a way to maneuver it twice. Yeah, getting that extra maneuvering is really nice. That's a nice way to get your your you know your 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 unit off the, into the flank, no matter how much your opponent is trying to stop you. Wow. Uh, last one is the Rod of Flaming Death. It's enchanted, bound spell level three, magic missile, eighteen inch, d six strength, four hits with flaming attacks. Any unit taking uh, they got to take a panic test to take unsaved wounds. Furthermore, if they move for any reason during the next turn, every model in the unit takes a strength four hit, and then the spell ends if it doesn't move. So it's like that fulminating flame, flame cage. cage. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's the flame cage. Power level three, so it's easily cast, easily dispelled. Forty points. Once again, it's a nice thing to keep in your back pocket if they've gotten rid of all their casting dice and you got one left. You know what's powerful about that? I mean, th- th- it's forty points. But what's powerful about this? If you just have one die lying around. Mm-hmm. Cast it three on a three plus. Yeah, and the pressure is on the opponent to get rid of it because I can just throw one die, but I'm tempted to throw two because I don't want to roll a one third chance of failing. Because if you do roll that one or a two, if I fail with this, it Big just deal. doesn't happen. It's one die. If I fail, then you broken wounds, concentration. <laughs> broken concentration. I'm not moving, and uh, I'm surrounded by fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of cool things. So. All right, you want to let's now that we've covered all the units and all the cool things, let's talk about uh, sort of some of the builds and some of the uh, some of the things that I saw with the synergies because there's a lot of them here, um, and we did have a few questions. Um, I think I answered Brad uh, Brad's question. Could you take two lords at twenty five hundred versus one? You can. I wrote a bunch of lists, but they're not. I got a master necromancer. Uh, Master of the Dead, a four-up ward save, and a dispel scroll. That's it. And then I would take... Uh, so the answer really is you can do it, but you're starting to... You cannot maximize either one of them. No, you, really you have to. You really have to make them fit, and you're you're, right. you're giving some things away. Yeah. Do you feel like you give too much away? Um, kind of. I yeah. mean, you can do it. it. It is cool, though, because you can get that choppy lord in there with some with a, with a bit of power... Uh, you know, a vampire lord, 
with an extra hand weapon, quick blood, um, the heavy armor with the four of ward save. I mean, he can be pretty darn powerful. He can run in and do a lot, and you've still got that level four necromancer with a dispel scroll and a four of ward save. But you're not taking the really fancy stuff because you just don't have all those extra points. Right. Um, now, so, all right. Um, tell me the first army you're looking at here. Uh, how many points? So this list, I wrote 2,000 points. Master Necromancer, level 4. Okay. Which is 200 points for a level 4 Master Necromancer. See, and here's where the problem I have. Well, you and I are so used to taking uh, armies where the lords are, like, super beefy, powerful, and they're expensive. A necromancer is just a dude. Weapon skill, ballistic skill, strength, wounds, initiative, all three. Yep. Toughness, four. Yep. Yep. That is a huge... When I play Bretonians, at my my, uh-huh. my Enchantress and all those people... I have to keep them in the back. And one attack. Yeah. I mean, oh, they're awful. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, their whole point is to cast spells and get the beep out of the way. And that's what he is. But now here's what's here's what the Vampire Lord has all the stats. Movement 6, weapon skill 7, uh, ballistic skill 5, strength and toughness 5, 3 wounds, 7 initiative, 5 attacks, leadership 10. He's 220 points. He's a level 1. Mm-hmm. You want to make him a level 4? He's 325 points. Which means, on a 2,000-point game, you can't make him a level 4 and give him 100 points of powers and 100 points of... I mean, something's got to give. That's right. He's ex- if you want to take the super, super tough, you're not going to kill me, Vampire Lord, and make him a level 4, you're paying for it. It's a quarter of your army. The question is, do you want to put it all on a 120 by 20 millimeter model? Exactly. That can be destroyed by killing blow. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I took a Master Necromancer. I gave him Master of the Dead mm-hmm. so I can raise skeletons. He's got the four-up ward save charm, and he's got the cursed book, because I like that idea of the cursed book, of having these other random spells that might show up. Right. Um, so you, you I, want a little magical mayhem. Yeah. I decided to take a level one Necromancer and just give him a Dispel Scroll. Because I didn't have a dispel scroll, I couldn't fit it with the other characters. So for ninety points, I got another level one caster. It means it's an extra channel. Yep, and uh, he's got a dispel scroll. Then I took a level two vampire with the four with the heavy armor with the four up ward save. Uh, summon creatures of the night. So I give him the extra the extra bats and dogs. I gave him the shield for plus two. I gave him a dark acolyte. Uh, I think when I first did it, I didn't realize that it was adding it after I successfully cast. Um, so three characters, 600 points. Kind of expensive, but not much more than we'd spend on a level four wizard and a BSB and some other stuff. So I've spent more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mortis engine with the blasphemous tome. Mm-hmm. So it's the plus two to cast. So my level four, my, and I'm going to keep all these guys nearby. I don't have any choppy... Vampires. So these guys are all going to be near this engine, casting with the plus twos to their. Cast. Well, you've got the lore of the vampires. Yeah. So that them. means, in theory, you should be able to get the spell that allows you to reroll wounds. So even a lower strength, you should be able to bolster. Yep. You're already going to be able to bolster your uh, chance to hit. Yep. So combat shouldn't go too terribly for you. Nope. Hopefully. Now um, I tried to make it a little choppy. I, it's funny. My first list, I went back to. I took this mortis engine, but then I kind of fell back on the stuff that I knew. You know, I didn't take a lot of the fancy new stuff, even though we've been talking about it. Um, I did take a bat swarm. Two Mor- mortis engine doesn't count as fancy. Well, I mean, uh, it's a little bit fancy. No, okay. I took the mortis. Perhaps engine. even hoity-toity, Mister. 
I took the mortise engine, but I didn't take a lot of the other stuff, the other new stuff. Okay. Uh, the mortise engine, like I said, if you're being a casty vampire lord and you don't mind taking the risk of it blowing up, the plus two to cast is all. Is, that's so good. Now, to clarify what you said there just a moment ago, does that mean then no cryptors, no vargeists, things nope. like that? Okay. Nope. Nope. Okay. Okay. I took a unit of two bat swarms. Yep. Now that, those are the ones that do cause the AS- ASL. Okay. Um, I took two units of one spirit host for forty-five points apiece. Sure. Uh, I took the corpse cart with the bale fire. I took two units. That's, is that minus one? Minus one. Uh-huh. Two units of five dogs. Okay. Uh, a unit of 40 skeletons, full command flaming banner. Two units of 25 zombies, each with a musician and a standard. So I've got my three standards and my generals. So if we're playing... No no black knights? No hex knights? Well, no, that's just... Those, that's all... No, I have. I still have that coming in. Okay. This is where I wasn't certain which I wanted to do. Um, because I got a lot of drops, but I don't have a lot of punch here at all. Yeah. So the question is, do I want the Black Knights? I can go take the Black Knights, 10 Black Knights with Barding, full command, Banner of the Barrows. Um, do they have heavy armor as well as Barding? Yeah. Heavy armor and Barding and a shield. Yeah. So there are two up. Mm-hmm. Um, They're pretty resilient. <laughs> yeah. A toughness three or four. Uh, toughness. Are they considered grave guard? What do you mean? Meaning, like, do they have killing blow? Yeah, they're probably toughness four. Yeah, they are. That's really good. That's better than you know. God bless America. What's up with this? You know what? This is me. I'm protesting. I'm I'm throwing a little hissy fit. You guys have two plus armor save and toughness four, and you can revitalize your guys. I get a crap ass. Ladies' blessing. Now, what's funny is when I took that unit of Black Knights, because of the way the points broke down, if I did take the Black Knights, I took the unit of 40 skeletons down to 30, and then I added another unit of 18 skeletons with a full command. So I had another just another skeleton unit okay. that, once again, I can raise way past the starting uh, price. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, if I didn't take the Black Knights, then it was uh, 25 Grave Guard with the full command of the Banner of the Barrels with the Great Weapons. That's pretty good, too. It's a, it's a basic unit as before, but suddenly I've got all these extra little drops. So suddenly I've got uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I had 11 units to place in that 2,000-point army. Does that include your characters? No. So 12. Yeah. Phew. So, I mean, that's that's not a bad little 2,000-point unit. A lot of the stuff I was writing, like I said, wound up coming out to... I, I'm, I'm writing what I know. It seems so weird that I'm not taking all the cool new things, and I am going to start, like I said, for the campaign and stuff, when I'm playing the extra game, I'm going to just take them to see how they work. Mm-hmm. But if you're taking what I know, I know I can keep bringing this stuff back, and it's the synergies that work together that I'm looking at here. It's the um, you know, the Banner of the Barrows with the... Uh, you know, with with all those fear causing things to cause you to drop the unit, it's taking my general and six inches away on either side having a corpse cart. And as soon as my low level invocation goes off, they each have a six inch bubble around them. Mm-hmm. That's going to give everything always strikes first. Very powerful. These are the types of things that you're looking at your unit now. No, I can't spam cast stuff. No, I can't do things over and over and over again. But I've got. 
But in a way, you can. I mean, there are some bound spells that allow you to spam cast certain spells, like Van uh-huh. Hell's. Mm-hmm. Invocation can be spam cast by anyone who takes Lore of Vampires, as long as that spell is important enough to you. Right. So you can still do some of what you did before. I think a few of the key, dare I say, broken items were taken away. And yeah. they should be, because they were what made them too powerful in 7th edition. And some would argue some of the reason why 7th edition was less fun to play was armies like this existed. Those, it became, those broken tools were taken away, yeah. but the army's still there. I think this army is just as strong as the old version of the army. And I think it's just as strong simply because there's a variety and there's a lot of choices there that can that can make it just as cool and just as interesting and do just as many things without having to bend and break these rules and to just, you know, doing this spam casting and stuff like that that you did before. Um, you know, nobody liked you just sitting there and saying Van Hells. Okay, I dispel that. Van Hells. Okay, I dispel that. Van Hells. I dispel that. It's repetitive and dull. Yeah. Now you're gonna you're still gonna have to pick which ones you do. But if I get three or four good spells, you're gonna have to pick which ones you dispel. Something I'm gonna want is gonna get through. Um I there's just there's so many neat little you know, little things like that that I'm discovering. It's just all the little combos, the little things you put together. Um, In a way, it's a bold new frontier because some of the old tools were taken away, you're mm-hmm. saying, and they've completely reinvented the army. But the old army is still there. A lot like the Tomb Kings, except I think that this will not end up being... Uh, some people complain about the Tomb Kings being, being a little under, underpowered. I don't think this is going to be a problem for the Vampire Counts. Oh, I don't either. I don't think it's going to be a problem at all. Um you know, I still think that there's a lot of cool stuff that can be taken. And basically, the old list isn't a bad list. Now, you'll notice before I had all ghouls. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you're going to see as many ghouls. And I think you're not going to see as many simply because, um, you know... Well, there are more points for one thing. Well, like I said, I took a unit of 40 skeletons with full command... And for that same cost, I could take 23 ghouls, which means you're not going horde. You're not getting the extra row of attacks, all the things that, because, you know, they're still only strength three. Without the poison, they're still only strength three. They're having a trouble, just as much trouble wounding as the skeletons. True. I mean, but at the same time, no, they're strength two. I, think that, strength I think two. that ghouls still have a positive and powerful place in the army because you can include your vampire count, the one who's potentially going to make them fail uh, fear tests uh-huh. and suddenly they're going to be hitting on threes. That's true. You know, you can re-roll hits with those things. You can re-roll You can put wounds. your vampire in your zombie unit too. Yeah, I guess you could. Because there's no rule now that says you can't. Well, I'm sure a vampire would be so incensed if you put him in with zombies. <laughs> Let's see. Let's try to run through some of these questions. Uh, Jake Hutton asked, what's the new junk unit? And I keep hearing that it's the new junk unit? Yeah. Well, they say, you know, every time you get something gets boosted up that's awesome now, and I think zombies have taken, they've gotten the boost that they need. I think you're going to see them a lot more. What do you think, fell bats? Uh, fell bats are already kind of junk. I really think you're going to see a lot less ghouls. I really do. I, I really think I for the points. I bet you they're still going to be in armies. I bet you they still have their place. Mm. I don't think they've been diminished. I just think that they're more equal footing. You'll see more of the other units. It's not that you'll see less ghouls. Well, you're going to see more, but here's part of it was before I took a bunker of skeletons and I had a lot of points left over to take ghouls. Hmm. Now I got a bunker of skeletons for my character, okay? 
and I want to take those. I want to take a couple of units of zombies. So I'm spending about a hundred points on zombies, which is a hundred points coming out of what I used to be able to take for which was was going to ghouls. And a hundred points of ghouls is a lot because they're ten points a pop. Kill the brain, and you kill the ghoul. I just think that they they are the most expensive core unit, and. You know, I mean, they're naked. Honestly, I did some numbers crunching, and once you get the strength up there, because of the fact that skeletons are kind of crummy, they are going to take more hits, and they are going to take just as many. They're going to take more wounds because their toughness is lower too. So honestly, they no, they're not as good as if you crunch the numbers. And I'll, I'll maybe I'll do a, I'll do a nugget of knowledge, you know, from I'll steal from the Raj and do the do the math hammer and report on it the next episode. But I know once you start getting up to strength four or getting, especially when you get armor piercing, when it's reducing the armor save but not affecting the the strength versus toughness roll, mm-hmm. skeletons fall apart compared to to, to 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 ghouls. So I know they're still they're still better. It's just they are so expensive that if you're going horde and you're worried about you know getting things lost and crumble. The ghouls, I think, are the unit that people are starting to walk away from a little. Something's got to give, and that's the first thing that I see giving. Um, Ryan Nickel wants to know if lords on big beasts are viable. It uh, sounds like we sort of touched on that, which is, depending on the points value of the game, no, <laughs> because yeah. you can't afford them. you got to play a huge point value, and then if you're playing at that big of a point value, do you want to... I'm, I'm, sounds like the answer is no, unless you're I'm, playing a big enough yeah, game. Yeah, I'm standing off of that. Uh, honestly, what do you think of the Magic Lore? I think it rocks. What do you think of the Vargeist? I think they're pretty cool, but uh, still going to have to play them out and test them. Come Vargeist in general or Vargeist compared to something else? Uh, I just, this one says just what the, how does the Vargeist take? I think he liked the Impre- look of it. Impressive. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. Uh, I think they're a glass hammer. I don't think they're going to survive a match, but I think they can do a lot of damage. Yep. Uh, the Mortis Engine, I think we all know. I've written that one into any any list where you're casting and you're playing a lot of, a lot of vampire lore i think that things it's become kind of a one plus in all my lists so far i'm hoping it lives up to my expectations uh john graham what do you think of ghouls Mm -hmm. ghoul king versus vampire lord (sighs) ghoul king like i said he's a level one he can't take any magic armor it's apples to oranges because you're going to be building a different list based on the lord you take you take a vampire lord ghoul king you might take in a big unit of ghouls too that's something that i could see happening there well the vampire lord you can take more with him yeah but at the same time the inherently the study is like better combat yeah we're actually a lower weapon skill but more more attacks yeah poison attacks regen yeah he's got more built in yeah he does. And uh, infinite hatred is nuts. Yeah, he he is super tough. I mean, but he's 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 a guy you're taking to go in and kick ass. He, and that's I mean, and he's gonna. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, with five attacks at weapon skill six, and he's that's four or five attacks that actually hit. What else did John ask? Uh, Caster Lord versus Master Necromancer. I gotta go with the Master Necromancer. Why? It, uh, points? Uh, yeah. I mean, once again, if you get into a much larger point game. The Caster Lord suddenly becomes worth it, but 125 points more base. 
I like the theme behind it. Level 4 Caster Lord is 125 points more than a Master Necromancer. Which, by the way, once again, I read that book, The Red Duke, which I thought was interesting because in that you got a, a view of the Red Duke mostly from his Master Necromancer. And the Red Duke, the vampire, wasn't the one who was doing all the raising. It was the Necromancers. Well, that's why I like the theme a little bit because they always talk about how there are these sort of lonely old men that sort of turn into these lich things. and Yeah. You know, they're always... And they're always skulking around with the vampires and they're doing yeah. a lot of work well, with them. It seems like, yeah, the... the in this case, you can actually build a vampire count list, arguably, without a vampire if you wanted to. It doesn't make as much sense. You oh, should, yeah. You could probably, and you probably should, include vampires in it. But there are a lot of necromancers who are out there practicing in the in the fluff of it that are walking around and summoning armies and sending them off after people that are, you know, Ar- Heinrich, Heinrich Kemmler. Arguably, the greatest of all was Nagash, who was not ever a vampire. Exactly. So... Uh, let's see what's his next caster. Uh, caster Lord versus Master Necro. I said if we're going with it, I like I said Caster Lord. You're looking at like I said 325 plus his abilities plus his powers. That's a huge point sink. That if you do get that cannon, take him out in the face, you're in trouble. See, I think that yeah, I think the Lord you choose ultimately defines your army. Yeah. I think that the ones you cho- in the long run, as you as you know this army better, the Lord you choose will dictate the kind of army you play. Uh, what else? Yes, Rihanna versus Scarlett Johansson. Mm. Who? Rihanna, the singer versus Scarlett Johansson. Well, I don't, I don't effing know. That's what he asked me. I think I'd take Scarlett Johansson. She seems a little dirty. Cake versus steak. Dude, uh, dude it's late. <laughs> I'm reading the questions. No, no, we got to wrap this up. Uh, Jersey General, uh, is the new book stronger, weaker, or the same? I think it's about at the same power level. It seems to be. I'm not going to agree with that because I think the old power level is overpowered. I think that this is... Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. I think this is 8th edition. It's appropriate and it's right. I, I don't... I yeah, think this yeah, I one is not broken, balanced. the other one was. Yeah, yeah, it, it's balanced. Yeah, I guess what you're saying. Uh, are Hex Race worth the hype? Maybe. <laughs> um, I don't think you're going to see as many of them in a tournament, only no, because no. it's a gamble. It's 30 points. I don't think that they're... I might take five of them over the three or four... Uh, uh, regular race. race you would take. Because they're faster. Yeah. Terror Geist versus other monsters, now that we know about v- VC Synergy. I-, I do like the Terror Geist. I think he's kind of badass. He's huge. He's. I mean, he's easy to take out. Anytime you take a big monster, though, I mean, if you're taking Tomb Kings and you're taking uh, Necrosphinx or something like that, I mean, all of these things, the Arachnarok, they're all the same. They're all going to take a big... Punch in the face. Yeah, they're easy to take out. I think the VC big creatures are a little more fragile than some of the other ones. They rely more on region than they do on armor. Right. And they don't have any inherent built-in rules for, um, for uh, like, pr- armor protection or anything. Like, the Stonehorn, for example, literally reduces wounds by half of its multiple wounds. Right. The only thing these guys can do is just regenerate slowly. But right. much like the Tomb Kings, uh, the, the, the constructs, you probably can't rely on that to save them. No, especially since you're if, if, if you got three characters, they're all going to have to invocation that one model, and you're spending your whole magic phase to bring back a couple of points. Especially, well, because when you consider that when something like these creatures lose combat, they're going to lose big and they're going to crumble instantly, and they'll just be off the table. Right. You may not have a target. Right. Uh, am I disappointed with the lack of magic items in the list? No, because the magic items they have are pretty damn good, and they seem bad. And you can once still again. take. The, the big red the book. big red book list. Yeah. I mean that's that's the same across the board. Um, does hunger make up for losing blood drinker? No, hunger is kind of a gimmick. Blood drinker was super badass, but it's another one that it's kind of it was another one of those one plus items. I'm just I'm glad that the auto one 
plus items. There were so many of it's them. It's so good it excludes anything else from being considered. Exactly. And the fact that it's gone means you have to think a little more clearly about some of the other options. Uh-huh. Mark Zielinski, Black Knights, Hex Racer, both. I think they both have their place. I am partial to Black Knights because I can, I once again, I can raise back five in a shot as opposed to one. Black Knights seem like a pretty solid choice to me. Black Knights are pretty awesome. Yeah. Vargeister, Crypt Horror, we already said we don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Colin Graham, why are VC so broken? I haven't read the new book, but the internet says they're cheesy as cheddar, so it must be true. Okay. I do like cheddar. <laughs> Somebody the asked, single most popular cheese in the world. Somebody said, can you make a flying circus army with just tons of flyers? Have your vampire flying, bring in the Vargeist, bring in the, the all all uh, flying stuff. Yeah. And you could. You could do three units of seven uh, Vargeists, which would be about 1,000 points, and they and all fly. And then you'd have to have a whole bunch of bat swarms and fell bats. Bat swarms and fell bats. Uh, would it be competitive? If, if, if <laughs> I'm afraid this army would not only be tarted, but it might be retarded. <laughs> it might even be motarded. <laughs> uh, <laughs> could it be competitive? Possibly. Could it be fun? It could be a novelty. Would it be cheesy? Yeah. It would also be shut down the moment you place Gavin. Yeah, I took that banner. Why did you ask? Well, the nice thing is at least those other guys, uh, they have movement ratings of like six and seven and stuff. So they, even though they couldn't fly, they could still move. But now you got these. A whole bunch of bats going <laughs> for like one inch a turn. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Um, caw, caw, F, I'm dead. <laughs> Get zooks. <laughs> Sorry, it's a bad quote from the old movie The Crow. <laughs> caw, caw, F, I'm dead. Exactly. I forgot about that. Um, how do you take these guys out? Uh, same way as before. You're careful. You pick your battles carefully, and you make them crumble. Exactly. The tough um, stuff, you can only take so many of them. I mean... Even seven. There's very little that's going to stand toe to toe with a vampire lord when he wants to be choppy. You have to think about how to deal with that. Uh, killing blow is a good way to go about it. Yeah. Well, even then, your vampire lord is coming in. If I've got that six attack vampire lord that's rerolling his fail to hits, I'm probably I, I could conceivably do six wounds with him. And then if all those guys around me do bubkiss, and you just wind up taking out ten or fifteen models in my in the unities with, he's screwed. Vampire count armies are generally quantity-based more than quality. So if you want to do lots of damage, that means lots of templates. Uh, Lore of Fire is a good choice for these guys. And like I said, this is why I keep going back to the vampire lore. I am, I am, a, I am a firm believer in my style of play being, uh, the way I like to play it, is that keep resurrecting them. Um, if I just keep bringing back those infantry units, um, you can't get points for them. <laughs> And that's, but yeah, you want to make them crumble. Uh, if you, uh, especially if you've got, they don't have a shooting phase except for the banshee howl and that uh, I, the I terror screen. I still don't think you're going to see a lot of that unless people take the t- terror geist. But right, and the terror geist has it. Um, you t- shoot them. Find a way to incorporate magic attacks in your army just in case they do take those hex wraiths. I mean, you don't want to ignore the possibility that they're going to take a wraith, and chances are they're going to take a wraith. Yeah, I'm going to put something ethereal in the army. Yeah. I mean, the vampire crowns have to do that to keep their opponents honest. Yeah. So Uh, some sort of magic attack is a good idea. Of course, fire would work well if you can take it. Laura Light was... Oh yeah, made for the undead. Uh, I got, I'm, I'm taking now. I mean, uh, uh, here's another place where my points are seem to go away, and suddenly I don't have as many good, big, bulky, choppy units. Was 
I got 70 points of a bat swarm. I got two 45 point. I never, I never took a spirit host as a. I, I, I only made them for the summon uh, the 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 winds of undeath. Well, most of your your zombies were made for the spells. Now right. you're actually like putting them on the table from your list. Yeah, and so I mean, there's a lot of points going to these other not so. I mean, I actually have had to stop and question myself. I said, dude, I'm adding in a couple hundred points of not very tough models, but they're good for a couple of extra drops. They're good for this, and they they can potentially work really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I, I'm I'm not 100 certain. This has been a really long, and I'm sorry this has been such a long first look at them, but I'm fascinated by them because it's this is this well, this is this is one of your armies for one thing. They've been reinvented, but in a very positive way. And this was one of the killer armies from Seventh Edition: the Dark Elves, the Vampire Counts, and the Demons, and right. they've. And they've finally redone these guys, and they've done them, I think, in a fair way. Uh, for for the entirety of the time that 8th Edition has had army books, I've been kind of praising their army books. Yeah. And this is right along with them. This is exactly the direction I was hoping they would go. They did it. It's another success. It is. It's absolutely a success. Except um, for the cover. <laughs> yeah. Mother! Um, <laughs> I just, but I can't say enough about how, and it's not just the new units, there's so much balance, but now there's so much to explore. I have options. <laughs> I like the fact that in the old Vampire Counts list, you did have options. You had a ton of magic items, and you also had a ton of, uh, what are they called, the vampiric powers? But that was all options for, uh, like, two or three models. But, I mean, you still have, I mean, you don't have as many magic items, but those vampiric powers are still there, quite a few oh, of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're actually given oh, quite yeah. a, a variety. Like, it almost feels like going through an old list, the old army books, because you have, like, 14 vampiric powers in there. I'm going to sit down and actually look at building, uh, just canceling out your fear. Maybe I don't need as much magic to summon stuff up. Maybe I'm just going to beat you and just chop you up because you're going to have one attack at weapon skill one. See what I mean? It's it's interesting because you can actually... There's It, it may not be worth it because of the points you have to do to invest into it, but it's an option that you can try. There are several ways to go about it until you find the one that's the most efficient. Or I just think, and it's not just exciting because it's new. It's exciting because it's new and it's different and it seems balanced. I will be taking some Crypt Horrors or some Vargeist. I will definitely be taking my Mortis Engine. I will be adding in some other units. Um, I, I have... Multiple build choices for the first time in a long time with this army. You know, for the first time in a year and a half, I've got more than three options. So here's a quick question for you. I know we're running out of time because it's getting <laughs> late and we're both we tired. out of time, yes. Yeah. But before this, uh, the flavor of the month was the Ogre Kingdoms. So people were worried about that a little bit. Now we've got this. These two armies face off. How do you think it's going to go about Last time I faced off my VC against Ogre Kingdoms, I took a really crummy list and I got my hat handed to me. Mm-hmm. Um, was it because they also caused fear so they didn't worry about you and they just were better in combat? Yes. Okay. I mean, I took a lot of core and they just was, there was nothing I could I could really do to, to, to slow them down or stop them. Um, do you, are you still afraid of them or do you think that you've got... Still, yeah, Ogres are still brutal. I mean, they just are. They got so many attacks. Here's the problem. We know that I have a lot of models, but they're crummy. But a huge block of 18 bulls are going to deal out uh, 50-some-odd attacks. What about, is that the reason then to take things like Crypt Horrors? 
Yeah, but I'm not going to be taking 18 of them. Well, no. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. But you can take six. And sure. You, and you can lose four of them and then start bringing them back. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, just the massive amount of damage that the bulls, uh, that the ogres in general can deal out. Um, my killing blow is useless against them. Uh, yeah, that's true. You know, and granted, the strength six. But your poisoned the, attacks aren't. No, the poisoned attacks aren't. So the, you know, the, once again, the ghouls have have uh, have a place, and there there's a usefulness to them. Ghouls and cryptors, yeah. Um, my good stuff is just really expensive, and there's very few of them, and it's a difficult thing to go up against. It 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 you'd have to be really careful going up against the bull. So many of these vampire count things, they're either expensive and they're really good, or I have a ton of them and they're crummy. But once again, if I'm getting even a unit of eight bulls, they're taking 24 attacks. If there's characters, you're adding more to that. If there's a champion, you're adding more than that. And if you know, you get 10 or 12 wounds, and suddenly I'm attacking back, and I get three or four. Well, crap, I just lost by five. Now I take another five off. And next thing you know, one round later, my units have disappeared. And that's... I do worry about the matchup against the Ogre Kingdoms. I think the Ogres have a huge advantage. So you don't think that they've really been knocked off their podium? I, I guess part of what I'm asking is um, I don't see any evidence of power creep. Neither do I. Yeah. I've can. been saying I think it's balanced. I think it's very balanced. I think it, it's balanced and it's strong. Are there armies that this thing can really do well against? Absolutely. Um, are there armies that can do well against it? Yeah, just as much. Um, like I said, anyone who's got a good shooting phase or a good strong magic phase can really cripple, can really cripple them in 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 so many they, strong ways. So they have some inherent. The vampire counts have some inherent weaknesses if the oh, army is sure. prepared for it. Yep. But of course, they have to be prepared for it. So it well, kind of gives you the power to take what you want, and uh, and I've and I've got to keep learning. I mean, that's part of it is I can't stop looking at this book. I've been looking at it for a while. There's so many little combos in here. Once I get them on the table, I admit this is all first impressions. I'm talking out of my backside because until I get them on the table and see, can I get these spells off? Yeah, always striking first and getting things like that up against these other armies is going to be a huge, huge help, you know, Um Rerolling hits, rerolling wounds. You don't have to be that great if you get double shots at everything. Um, you know, people who do want to take shadow. They, you know, who cares about mind razor when I can take your strength and your toughness down by three? Then my crummy units are just as good as your crummy units. So there's a lot of things to do. If you, in fact, I would say if you want to take, if you're going to take an up the guts choppy lord army. Um, yeah, give your, you know, get, get, get somebody who can take shadow, get some, get a couple of level two shadow vampires and just go in and, and, uh, enfeeble foe and withering and stuff like that to make your, your, your crummy units stronger. You don't necessarily, then you don't necessarily need to bring them back as fast. If you're going to take shadow with, with vampires, it seems like you really wouldn't. You wouldn't really be aiming for the for the mind razor. You'd be going for everything else. No, exactly. Mind razors. I, in fact, if I rolled it, I would dump it for the signature spell. Yeah, even for the ghouls, you'd get 
Six two three two five. That's good. Well, that's good. But I mean, yeah. I mean, it's eighteen points of. If your army's cast. base, if your army's average leadership is like what I think that's a four or a five, I think it goes two, three, five, six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, good. except for a certain characters, it's crummy low on most things. You know, so um, I don't know. I just I'm, I'm I'm overwhelmed. I'm just so excited to play this army and play the hell out of it. Well, as we said before at the beginning of the show, these are all first impressions. So, I mean, as we continue to play, we're going to be learning a little bit more about this army. And we'll, we'll start to see some really interesting uh, yeah. developments. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to in upcoming shows is how you how your army changes and develops based on what you've discovered. Well, like I said, I've got two things that I want to do with this army. One is I want to try out the new units, but the second is I want to try out the builds that I've been comfortable with and see how the changes how they allow me to play within the the structure I'm already comfortable with. So, I've got a lot of I got a lot of research to do over the next few months. Do you actually have at least one of the box sets of each of the new models? Like, for example, do you have the box set with the Crypt Horror slash Vargeist? Yes, I have a Crypt Horror box. I have a Hexwraith box. I have a Mortis Engine box. The only... Okay. And you do have a Terror Geist. Yeah, I have two. Oh, do you really? Well, I got the... Oh, I was going to make one into a zombie dragon, so yeah, I've got two. Just in case. Uh, I may not make the zombie dragon since the only thing I could put on it is the Vampire Lord, so I may just get a second Vargeist. I don't know. Hard to say, huh? Yeah. So. Well, we should probably wrap this up at this oh, point. For crap's sake. At yes, this point, I think up. I may have to just call in sick. <laughs> I don't even have the option. So, all right, it's one thirty in the morning. Let's get the hell out of here. All right. Happy birthday, Greg. You from yesterday. Guys, as always, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we're, we're grateful for our listeners, so thank you very much for tuning in. Absolutely. Check out the store. Check out the website. Go join the forum. Say hi. We've had a lot of people joining. It's a very nice and Place. Be sure to ch- talk to David on Twitter at uh, Twitter. Garage Hammer. I'm Garage Hammer and you're Topher Sinister. Yeah. <laughs> How weak I am. And, uh, and be sure, if you feel inclined, to jump onto iTunes and give us a glowing five-star review. We would love it. Absolutely. That's all, I think. We'll see you in a couple of weeks with some wrap-up from From uh, Wagpaca. I could talk about how I got my, my teeth kicked in and had a good time anyway. And I'll talk about uh, how I can go. Excellent. All right, guys. I'll talk to you next time. Bye. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. We invite you to join us on Facebook at Garage Hammer Podcast and to follow us on Twitter. If you wish to email us, you can reach Christopher at GarageHammerAtLive.com. You can reach David at David at GarageHammer.net. And if you want to reach the both of us, you can reach us at GarageHammerAtLive.com. If you enjoyed the show, please let others know about us by leaving us a positive review on iTunes. 